It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with The Mixed Martial Arts Hour back in your life on this Monday, April 4th, 2016. Hello again, everyone. I'm Ariel Hawani inside our New York City studio. It is raining outside once again, so I am very happy to be doing this show on a Monday with all of you and talking some MMA because holy moly, you know, I, I say often on this show and in interviews that I do from time to time that there is no better sport to cover. There is no better beat to be on than the MMA beat. And this past week, a perfect example of that. Just consider all that has happened since we last spoke in the last seven days. It's truly unbelievable. A quick rundown, if you will. Last week on this show, around 2.45 p.m. Eastern, John Jones comes on and breaks the news himself that he was pulled over a few days prior and issued five tickets. Moments later, the entire media world is given this footage of him and the cop going back and forth, riveting stuff, right? Remember that. Tuesday morning, we get news John Jones has been arrested. He ends up staying behind bars, getting locked up for 48 hours. Now, that's just Tuesday. Wednesday, small break from that, the UFC 200 news officially announced. Most of the fights you knew about already. And then the other one that we didn't know, at least we knew about it a few minutes before the announcement. We'll get into that later on. Uh, Frankie Edgar versus Jose Aldo for the interim featherweight title on the same card as Conor McGregor. If you saw the MMA beat last week, I told you what I thought about that. And who would have thought that was a sign of things to come as far as titles are concerned? So that was a break from the John Jones stuff on Wednesday. On Thursday, Jones is released from jail. And we're told that the fight against Daniel Cormier is going to remain. On Friday, news breaks that Cormier is injured and out of the fight. On Saturday, we find out after you know some offers being thrown out to Anthony Johnson, to Rashad Evans, that UFC 197 is now going to be headlined by John Jones versus Ovin St. Preux for the interim light heavyweight title. That happened in the span of five days. That's insane. Just think about all that stuff. And it was just constantly changing and developments here and there, updates. I mean, it was... It was fun, it was it was exhausting, but it just once again shows why this is the most interesting beat to be on, in my opinion. As a journalist, there's nothing better than it. 52 weeks a year, it never stops. So, of course, we're going to be talking about all that and a whole lot more on this show. We have it covered from all different angles, and I'll run through the lineup very quickly here. And by the way, last week we talked about the Fox stuff, and I appreciate all the, the, um, the feedback and everyone reaching out. I'll provide... A short postscript of that later on in the program. So stay tuned for that. Some uh, FAQs, if you will. Um, but as far as the guests are concerned, this week, Mike Wilkinson will join us at 325 from England. He has some news to break. We'll be joined by him, the featherweight from England at 305. I said 325 from Mike Wilkinson. At, at 305, John Jones is going to be back for the second week in a row and talking about you know all the craziness of this past week. So can't wait for that. At 2.45, we're going to be joined by Vanderlei Silva. Yes, Vanderlei Silva in, I believe, his first interview since he signed with Bellator and leaving the UFC and all that good stuff and more. So we'll talk to Vanderlei Silva at 2.45. 2.25, Chris Cyborg will join us to talk about her UFC debut on May 14th. 2.05, the aforementioned Ovin St. Preux. OSP, you down with OSP? Yeah, I guess. He'll be joining us at 2.05. 
Flyweight Ian McCall at 145 will stop by. He's got a lot going on. Greg Jackson at 125 will stop by to talk about everything that has happened to John over the past week or so. And, of course, we'll take your questions and comments. A lot to discuss in the world of MMA, but there was only one way that we could have started this show. There was only one guy I wanted at the top of the show, and he is so very kind enough to join us right off the bat. He is the reigning, he is the defending UFC light heavyweight champion. Unfortunately, we found that on Friday he will not be competing at UFC 197 on April 23rd. But I wanted to hear from the man himself. Our good pal Daniel Cormier is on the line right now. Daniel, how are you? What's up, Helwani? How you doing, man? <laughs> I'm doing great. I, I really appreciate you joining us. I know you've been relatively quiet over the last few days, and it's been... Uh, a bit of a trying time, except for your WrestleMania break, and we could talk about that a little later on. But first things first, how are you feeling? Physically, how are you on this Monday morning? You know, man, uh, it's, uh, you know, obviously when you when you have an injury, you're in some pain. But uh, manageable with, uh, you know, ibuprofen, uh, anti-inflammatories, manageable. You know, but you want to get out ahead of these things as soon as you can. So uh, that's what I do. You know, I don't. I'm not going to sit here and 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 just not do anything. So uh, I'm going to do uh, a procedure this afternoon to try and speed up my recovery. Okay, let's let's actually talk about what happened because there's a lot of different reports out there. What exactly happened to you and when? Uh, so last Friday. Actually, two Fridays ago, not 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 this past week when I had to pull out of the fight. I'm talking about, I'm talking about the uh, the Friday previous. Yep. Uh, I was in practice sparring, and I kicked one of my partners uh, inside low kick, and he checked it, and uh, I, I fell down. And I was like, ah, that was painful, you know. And Bob Bob Cook was laughing. Javier was laughing because we get kicks checked all the time, and sometimes you bruise your shin and. You know, a couple of days it passes. I got up and started trying to spar again, and, and uh, another guy did like a little front kick to my shin. And when he did it, I fell on the ground again, and I was like, okay, this hurts a little bit more than, than normal, so I'm just going to probably stop sparring. So I went and uh, I stopped sparring. Well, a couple people had tweeted me about seeing me at a wrestling tournament limping. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I had no choice but to go, man. I, I, I'm I'm the coach of my own youth wrestling club. You know, I I have my own wrestling team, and it was a state tournament the following day, and I had 16 kids competing. You know, so for them to go and try and win state championships without their coach would be unfair. What? You know, and I, I said, you know, man, even if I'm limping, I can explain it away as I kick somebody and I've got a bruise on my on my shin. So... I went with my team to the state tournament. Uh, congratulations to my boys. Ten out of the 60 that went got on the medal stand. Best team performance we ever had. Uh, and, uh, you know, people asked me what was wrong with my, my leg, and I, I told them, you know, I just kick somebody's shin. It's, it's what we do, and, and it's fine. But there was a lot of swelling. And I imagine that by Monday it was going to get better. Well, on Monday, it hadn't gotten better. So then I was like, man, what if I broke my leg? You know, like, what if I, like, chipped the bone? I should probably get an x-ray. So I went and got an x-ray, and uh, it was obviously no break. 
And then the doctor said, well, we need to take an MRI because you may have some bleeding and, and da, da, da. So when I took the MRI, they found that I had torn a ligament in my, uh, in my leg. I don't know how to say the word, but it, it's like the ligament that connects the, the two bones in my leg. Uh, it makes them kind of work in, in, uh, work, work together. So, uh, I took the rest of the week to try and see what I could do. I tried to, to, to spar, really had no, uh, no lateral movement. I couldn't run, couldn't wrestle, couldn't grapple, can't kick. And, uh, so it just was not looking good. So when you made the final decision to not fight, you, you just realized that you couldn't do it. Um, I noted this, you noted it in your in your statement that you put out, I believe, Saturday. 18 pro fights, you've never pulled out. You fought through a bunch of things. I mean, from what I understand, you you hardly have an ACL in one leg. What was that conversation like? How, how difficult was that? And, and who did you ultimately tell that to? So, Bob, my coaches had been telling me since Tuesday, you know, you can't do anything. We We can't fight. And I was like, let's just give it a week. You know, because I'm in great shape. If I can just box, I think I'll be fine. Well, Friday after practice, you know, I was still hobbling around and, and not able to do that much stuff. And, and so Bob texted Lorenzo and said, hey, you know, not looking good, man. It's going to take a miracle. And uh, so I got a text from Lorenzo. He said, uh, hey, DC, give me a call. Um, so I called him. He said, hey, it's me and Dana calling to see how you're doing. I said, well, you know, I, I boxed a little bit. I go, you know, but I, I'm trying, you know, I go, I'm, I'm holding out hope that I can get this done, you know, and then something very surprising happened, man, because John and I, we make a lot of money together and, uh, we make a lot of money for the UFC too. But when I told him I was going to see through the weekend, you know, those guys is like, Daniel, you're hurt. Dr. D said that looking at your MRI, you need five to six weeks. So even if you sat on your ass for the next three weeks to the fight, you still would need at least two weeks to start feeling better. And they're like, you know, DC, you've worked very hard to get where you are today. You're the champion. You do not have to go out and fight hurt. And uh, we can't put you in a situation where you're not healthy. We don't want you to be fighting under those circumstances so they essentially made the decision for me wow i begged them i was like give me till monday please give me till monday and they were like you know we can give you till monday but what's going to change over three days you're hurt we really don't want to put you in this situation uh, where you're not at 100 percent. so it was very very crazy because you would expect them to push me to fight yeah when in reality they did the exact opposite and kind of was more understanding and more into what was better for me as an athlete than what was better for the organization. Well, that is great to hear. You know, I, I hear that often. Um, I think fighters are sometimes afraid to break that news to Dana and Lorenzo, but I actually hear that often, that they're a lot more understanding than, than, than fighters would think going into the discussion. And, you know, what was so interesting about the past week, as I noted at the top of the show, I mean, this was a tumultuous week at best for John Jones, he was behind bars for 48 hours. And a lot of people were telling me, isn't it weird that DC isn't commenting on it? What was your, how, how are you dealing with all of that craziness and that drama? And you're trying to get better, but you also know that your opponent is, is in jail. Like, were you kind of wishing or hoping that this fight just gets delayed so that you don't actually have to pull out of it? Uh, 
midweek I was still kind of hoping that I would be okay to fight. You know, it's weird, man, you know, because it's like, even though this stuff doesn't happen to you, you know, it's happening to John, you know, like uh, John is the one that that's doing this. But it's almost like he takes you on this crazy ride with him that you really don't want to be on. Like, I don't want to be on this ride, this up and down, round and about circle. I just want to be on a straight line. I want my life to be as I intended it to be, you know, but uh, when you're fighting with Jones and all the issues that he's had, he kind of takes you on this, this roller coaster ride that that's, it's, it's emotional, honestly. And so I was trying not to pay too much attention to it because I was trying to, to hopefully improve to the point that I could fight. But I was just like, man, maybe I'll be okay. You know? And, and, uh, I figured John would be okay. John is a, John's a guy that even in every situation, you know, he seems to come out okay on the opposite side. So I knew he'd be okay, and I was just hoping to keep the fight together. What was your reaction when you found out that they were going with OSP as his opponent, that he was staying on the card? Um, yes, it's it's not yes. quite UFC 151, but it is somewhat short notice, and they're going with OSP, and they're going with the interim title. How did you process all of that? Uh, you know... That stuff really doesn't bother me all that much. You know, OSP, uh, great guy. Ovince is a great guy. Very talented. And, and one of the younger guys that can make an impact on this division. Uh, if it was John and Anthony interim title, sure. That's great. The only issue I had was that was that it was Vince to fight for the uh, interim belt. And I'm not trying to, like, say anything bad about Ovince because he's a great guy. He's a, he's a friend of mine. But uh, just the fact that he hadn't fought very well against Feijal and then he uh, he had lost, I think, to Glover right before was one of the ones that made it different. But this is a statement fight for Jones. You know, this is about as close as we'll ever get in boxing to boxing in terms of a tune-up fight. You know, Andre Ward just did it against uh, Barrera before he fights Sergey Kovalev uh most times when the guy's away for a while, they fight a tuna fight. And that's what it, this is what this kind of seems like for Vince. But, you know, can't count guys out, man. You got to be ready to fight. But this is one where John is supposed to come out looking like smelling like roses at the end of it. Do you think OSP has a shot? I think everybody has a shot. But, you know, I think there's a chance for old Vince to have a better shot. But it's up to him to, to, to take it, you know. And that's by, uh, that's by coming here. You know, we'll open our doors to him uh, to come and train at the American Kickboxing Academy. I don't what? care what I don't care what happens in the future. I can't train with Ovince, but I've got a guy named Cain Velasquez that can train with him. I've got a guy named Luke Rocco that can train with him. I've got a guy named Chai Lewis Perry. I've got a guy named Frank Munoz. We have everything in place where he can just take my training camp for the next few weeks. Take my training camp. We will take care of it. We'll fly Ovetz and his team out here. We'll put him up, give him a place to stay, uh, <laughs> because no one in this gym wants to see uh, wants to see John Jones, uh, you know, not not have to fight a tough fight on April twenty third. So, uh, for my pocketbook, John needs to go out there and win and look great. Yeah, but uh, we want to give we want to give Ovetz a chance, and uh, every guy on my team 
uh, they're willing to play a part in that. So you are extending an invitation to the guy who is replacing you, fighting for the interim belt, who's fighting your rival, the guy who you said that you know you need to beat, you want to beat, all that stuff. You're extending an invitation to him to come to San Jose for the next three weeks or so to prepare for this fight, and you will help him out. I'll be I'll be one of his coaches. <laughs> Listen, I, I nobody wants to fight John Jones worse than I do. Right. So if I can live through events on April 23rd, I will live through events on April 23rd. Uh, uh, he can take my training camp. I thought that we had finally the perfect mixture of what we needed in order for our preparation. So, yes, events can have my training camp. Wow. All paid for right out of my checking account. Ovince St. Pru, if you want to come to San Jose, bud, you got a team in the American Kickboxing Academy that's ready to support you. Well, the good news is he's going to be on in around an hour, so I can uh, extend that invitation to him via you. So I can't wait to hear what he has to say. That That is something I did not expect. Um, you mentioned you have a procedure later today. What exactly is yeah. being done? Well, you know that I uh, my knee, like my ACL's like been torn for ever. So mm-hmm. I, I get stem cells done to my ACL to try and help with the healing. You know, it, it also takes out some of the inflammation. My leg starts to lock up. I do the stem cells and it, it helps. Well, I'm not going to do the surgery. You know, I'm 37 years old. I do surgery in my leg. It'll, it'll, it may put me out for too long. I want to get back as soon as possible. So I'm going to go and do stem cells in my leg. Uh, and hopefully that will help to speed up the process, you know, so uh, I'm going to do stem cells, and I'm also going to get some stuff done to my shoulder. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty beat up right now, as you would expect when you're in the middle of a hard training camp. But I will do everything in my power to try and get back as soon as I can. So uh, doing some stem cells later today. So I'll be hobbled for, for a little bit, but, you know, eventually it'll be better. Are they giving you a timeline? Like, you know, could you be ready for UFC 200 or maybe the – the following, like, when do you think realistically, as of now, and I know a lot has to happen later on today, and you're going to talk to your doctors, but as of right now, from what you understand, when could you realistically fight again? If they're telling me in four to six weeks this thing is supposed to be better, yeah, uh, that would leave me with 10 to 12 weeks to train for UFC 200. So, yeah, I could be ready to uh, fight then. Uh, the only issue with that is it's a little scary because John's fighting in April. Yeah. I don't know if be willing to turn around and fight uh, right back three months later. But if he would, you know, uh, I'd love to run it back with him uh, anytime in the summer or, uh, you know, late summer, early summer. It doesn't matter. I don't think it's going to take me that long to recover. I feel like I've made a lot of improvement, man, in this last training camp. Uh, Having those real-life kickboxers in there really helped me. Um, Having my head... Uh, where my mind is in a good, strong place has really helped me. Uh, knowing my opponent, being in tune with my opponent, watching him train has motivated me. All this stuff has been like a blessing to me. So I feel like I was on track to, to do something truly special. But unfortunately, uh, uh, I, I injured myself. Was this the toughest decision of your career? In regards to this, yeah, yeah, I've never, uh, I've never had to make a decision like this. Now, if I was in the fight and it happened, obviously I would just keep fighting. But to uh, to have to uh, go in there knowing that I wasn't hundred percent was going to be tough. You know, I know what I'm up against. You know, for for all the bad blood, all all the uh, 
all the bad blood, all, all the negativity that, that goes on between John and I, I do understand who John Jones is. You know, he's the greatest fighter of all time. He's a phenomenal athlete, and the guy can just flat-out fight. So when you separate his life out of the octagon and what he does inside of the octagon, I know what I'm up against. So to go in there not at 100% uh, would have been a huge mistake. Uh, and I understand that now with the help of all my coaches and the people around me who care about me. John puts out, you know, I don't wish injury upon anyone, but enjoy that belt, Daniel. Then later on he says so much for willing to die in there and then deletes it. Uh, it you know, uh-huh. kind of the, the game's continuing, so to speak. What do you make of him putting that second tweet out there and then getting rid of it? is this like you know when you look at the times of these tweets like almost like dr jekyll and mr hyde you know uh in the day john's one person and that night he's a different person you know so i think when he's alone in the middle of the night uh it's when he actually is just himself and then he writes stuff like that it also tells me that you know john said that you know i thought you were willing to die to win this fight but I have seen that a hundred times from fans writing that to me when I had to pull out of the fight. So mm. it tells me that he's being himself, but it also tells me that he's up reading tweets and he's taking these people's stuff and, and kind of using it. I think at times we give John a little more credit for being more clever mm. uh, than he really is. You know, so I, I think he stumbled across this whole deleting tweets thing. He was deleting them because he thought he would get in trouble, but now it's kind of become a thing. So it seems clever. Uh, some of the things he says seems clever, but I think it's kind of, he kind of stumbles across it. You know, he's obviously not the smartest guy. <laughs> uh, as you know, UFC 200 has been met with mixed reactions. And I think when people found out this news, at least the ones who didn't have tickets to 197, they were like, wow, silver lining is we might get this fight on 200. And this fight is probably the closest thing we have to Frank Mir and Brock Lesnar that made 100 so special. Did you express your potential interest in fighting at 200 because that card isn't complete just yet. And is the UFC open to that? Are they keeping a slot open for you? Do you have any idea? Uh, they haven't said anything to me about that. You know, those guys are, are, uh, they're very respectful to my injury. You know, they're going to allow me to try and get healthy and then approach the next thing. This is not pressing. Uh-huh. John has to get through this fight with Ovince St. Prue first. And, uh, if Ovince comes out here, as we've offered, we think we can really help him. Uh, but when if John gets through this as he's as he's supposed to, because this is a, this is for him to look good. If he gets through this as he's supposed to, uh, if he wants to fight, I'm pretty sure they could make the fight happen. It'll still be three months away. Mm. But you know, this is a guy that hadn't done he hadn't done a training camp for a while, and then for everything that I, I've heard or seen him say, he's trained extremely hard, so he may need a little bit of downtime. I, I don't know. I can't think for that man, but. Uh, I'd, I'd be ready to go. Be perfect for me, actually. A final thing on the injury, uh, just so so I'm clear: is this the same leg as the leg that you're missing the ACL? Yeah, damn. That, that's probably why. That's probably why it was so hard to really like balance on. You wow. Know? So, look, man, I don't make. I don't want to make excuses for anything. You know, sure, I, mean, sure. I just want to fight. I just want my career to go as it's supposed to be. I want to train hard. I want to be in the gym every day. And just work. Like I just want to work, man. Like I, I enjoy my job. I enjoy fighting. I love the sport. I love competition. 
you know, I just want to work, man. I just want to do my thing and 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 fight and, and compete to the best of my ability every time I'm out there. Wouldn't it be something if he wins on April 23rd and then he gets on the mic and says, "Daniel Cormier, I'm waiting for you." <laughs> A little, uh, you know, reversal of think, uh, of roles. I, you know, I, I think honestly that would be very very smart of him to come up with something to say in that moment. Yeah. But in that moment, when he has to go on the fly, we'll see. We'll truly see how clever John Jones really is. Mm. I don't anticipate it being very good. I don't anticipate it being as good as the, the 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 fire that I have. I've thrown some good stuff at him in my in octagon interview, so I don't anticipate him actually being that good. <laughs> uh, last thing, and again, thank you so much. I know you have a busy day, so this really means a lot, DC. Uh, we really appreciate it. Scale of 1 to 10, how much did you enjoy WrestleMania? You know, man, I uh, I enjoyed it because it's WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. The show was long. It was longer than I think it's ever been. Yeah. And I honestly thought that it could have been booked a little differently at times. Oh. They, I felt like they only went against the grain with the Zack Ryder thing winning the championship. Thought Sasha Banks should have walked out with the championship. Thought they should have took the opportunity to turn Roman Reigns heel. Mm. Uh, there's just a few things. You know, the New Day loss. Why does Chris Jericho need to be AJ Styles at this point in his career? Makes no sense. Brie Bell is retiring tomorrow, today. They could have given her a little bigger, bigger platform to tell her story. Uh, just a little bit different, but overall, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed Snoop Dogg and walking Sasha Banks in a match. I thought the women's match was the best match uh, the whole night, which is the first time I've ever felt like that. Wow. Yeah. No mention of Shane O'Mac. I'd even watch it, but I heard Shane O'Mac jumped off a cage. I heard uh, Shaq, Shaq showed up. Right. No, no mention of that. Shaq, Shaq, Shaq was funny. Shaq and the Big Show were just standing there looking all weird, and they eliminated him, and they hugged on the way out. That was cool. Seeing Shaq do that was cool. Uh, the Shane McMahon match was okay. You know, it wasn't a – look, Ariel, of course, you're you're, you're, you're talking from a guy, uh, uh, a, a rookie, a newbie. I'm a guy that's experienced in this WWE watching game, so – I watched the match and I give it ratings, and I would not give this a five star rating. Yes, okay. the high spots were good. They're called high spots whenever they do big things in matches. Oh, right, right, the right. The high spots were great, but uh, just the overall match wasn't the best match. Because I, it's just predictable. I love when uh, the mark in DC comes out. It's great, it's a beautiful thing, and it's a good way to end on a more positive note. Uh, again, get well soon, my friend. Uh, good luck later on today, and, and we hope this is just uh, you know a, a small little hiccup and that we can see you back there. Hopefully UFC 200, that'd be great, if not a little after. But again, I really appreciate you coming on and talking about all this, DC. Thank you wholeheartedly. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate it, man. Hey, give Oliver some love. that's my guy thank you very much dc with a shout out to my uh oldest son oliver very cool of him i appreciate that greatly okay let us move along like i said we are covering this story from all angles and in my opinion one of the more interesting angles in all of this is of course john jones taking a fight on relatively short notice around three weeks notice and and how do his coaches feel about this decision because as we recall a few years back ufc 151 John declined to fight on short notice, and uh, there were some uh, some words thrown towards, in my opinion, one of, if not the greatest MMA coach of all time, uh, some, some disrespectful words. And I wanted to get his take on 
on what went into this decision, why they're doing it, and the past week, and a whole lot more stuff as well. So we're being joined by the aforementioned greatest coach of all time, Greg Jackson. He joins us on the phone. Greg, how are you? I'm all right. I'm not even near the greatest coach of all time, but uh, I'm doing all right. <laughs> One of, if not the, I feel very confident in saying that. I appreciate your time. Wow, what a week it has been for you and the team with regards to John Jones. And, and I'm curious what the decision was like. Like, How did you get to this decision? Because I'm always so fascinated about you know your, your thought process. John finds out and you find out that DC is out and then they're working, they're offering Anthony, they're talking maybe Rashad, and, and they settle on O'Vince. Why did you give John the green light to take this fight? Well, it is about timing. It's about how much time do we have to prepare John in the correct way to uh, to fight who we're going to fight. So um, OSP is actually a very dangerous guy. He throws beautiful straight lefts. Um, he's, he's a dangerous dude all the way around. Um, but uh, I think we have enough time with a good three weeks uh, to uh, to get John uh, up to speed and, uh, you know, prepare him to, to fight for, I believe it's an interim belt now. Yes, the interim but, belt. Uh, uh, yeah, I, th- I felt that we had enough time. It's, it's a case-by-case basis. The thing about combat is, in gladiatorial combat anyway, uh, you can't make hard and fast rules. Like, this is always going to be the rule at this time. There's always exceptions. There's always, you have to kind of play the situation as it unfolds to try to make the best decision possible. So um, I felt in, in this situation, my advice was, you know, it, I think we should have a green light for that. Now, the final decision is always John's. Of course, he's the guy getting in there. So uh, that was my advice, though. That being said, do you feel a little uncomfortable with this whole situation? Do you wish he had a proper training camp? I mean, this is part of the evolution of the sport to a degree, and I think you've spearheaded that. But the idea, you know, when someone falls out of a fight and everyone's like, all right, let's throw in this guy, let's throw in Mark Hunt, let's throw in that, it's a little too, it actually, it makes me feel uncomfortable. It feels a little too rock'em, sock'em robots. Given the fact that you have three weeks, do you feel comfortable with that or are you a little uneasy? I'm all, you know, it's my job to be uneasy, I always say. <laughs> I'm, of course, I'm uneasy with it. Dave, they're throwing, um, we have a nice planned out uh, scenario, and they throw a little uh, X factor in there. So we just have to adapt, but uh, uh, we'll get them up to speed, I think, by then and uh, work hard and, uh, you know, be ready to go. But, yeah, it's definitely not my ideal situation. But, you know, that's life. Life throws you curveballs. You just got to kind of figure out what you're going to do about it and uh, what decision makes sense and then kind of follow that decision through. So. Of the options thrown out, as I mentioned, Rumble was the top choice from what I understand. Even Rashad's name was thrown out. OSP is who they settled on. Um, did you like this option the best? Uh, for me, it's, it's kind of all the same. It's much more about timing than opponent. I mean, obviously, uh, Rumble or Rashad uh, is uh, a bit of a, ch- of a challenge, but I think OSP is, is – I don't think you should sleep on him. Um, he, I think he's got that, that straight left, and that thing, that'll knock anything down if it hits it the right way. So um, the, it, it's more about the timing than the opponent, but they're all dangerous. I wish there was a super easy fight in the UFC, but there isn't. Huh. Everybody's so tough. Um, so it, it's much more about can we get John prepared mentally and physically. Physically is not going to be a big problem because he was already in camp, but mentally switches gears, a completely new game plan, watching the tape that it requires for John to get comfortable so that he can perform uh, the way he performs, uh, you know, all those things. And I think we can do that in the time allotted. Speaking of tape, I had the privilege, as you know, of, of visiting your new facility over in Albuquerque, Jackson Wink Academy. It's beautiful. We, we did a, an awesome video, and it was such a cool thing. It was such a privilege to be there. And I got a chance to see your, your office, and you got that TV there, and, and everyone's telling me how you love to watch tape. And there's these sessions, especially with John. He appreciates it. I'm wondering, uh, 48 hours or so after the announcement came out that he is now fighting OSP, have you had a chance to actually sit down and break down who OSP is as a fighter? 
No, I mean, of course, I've watched him uh, for a long time, so I have a, a general sense. But we're going to get into the micros here and today. Okay. Um, I had a, a very busy weekend, <laughs> but uh, today was the uh, today we'll be sitting down and kind of breaking it apart. What'd you do this weekend? Oh, you should ask Cowboy. I'll just say, ask Cowboy what we did this week. Oh, my God. I mean, a million things just popped into my mind. Um, is this fight-related, or are you, like, are, are, you, are you riding bulls no, in the air, at, jumping out of airplanes? Something like that. <laughs> okay. I will have to ask Mr. Uh, Mr. Cerrone. Um, if this was yeah. a week out, is it fair to say that you would have suggested no? I would have suggested no. Yeah, it's uh, it's very close. Um, I, I think with a we, with a couple of days of real solid uh, kind of reprogramming and then uh, just execute, execute, execute. I think we should be all right. Um, but yeah, if it was closer, I mean, for me, it's right on the line. Um, if it was closer, and John's a little more as he becomes more and more experienced, he's more and more adaptable. So that's another factor. Is um, he's had some fights uh, that that have gone long, have gone short, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but every time that you get a long five, five rounds or whatever, uh, it, you become more adaptable and more experienced. So that's the other factor is that I think he's better at adapting than he used to be. I would obviously be remiss if I don't ask you about the past week. Um, are you concerned at all with where he is at mentally? He's been through a lot in the last seven days, uh, more so than you know any fighter before a big fight like this. Did you have a chance to sit down and talk to him and sort of gauge where he's at mentally? Yeah, he's really focused. Um, you know, that... The, it was an unfortunate situation uh, with everybody kind of being at fault a little bit, you know, uh, but ultimately the responsibility is John's. Um, so it was a, uh, it's a bad situation, but uh, he came out of there really focused, uh, really positive, And uh, that's the thing with John, as long as he's razor focused, he, he's, uh, he's a force to be reckoned with and he's really focused right now. So um, I, I think I, it was not a very good thing, but um, he's not physically injured. You know, he doesn't have anything uh, wrong. He just he made a mistake uh, and uh, maybe said, said said things he shouldn't have. And hmm. uh, it was yeah, it was just a bad situation all the way around. Um, and uh, uh, he got in trouble, refocused, came out. So that's the, that's the part I like is that he's focused. Um, he's got a driver now, so everything should be fine. Oh, is that a full-time thing? Is he is he not going to drive? For oh, yeah. The, okay. Is that important yeah, for you? I mean, yeah, he's, yeah, you know, it's just, yeah, I just want him to focus on fighting. That's what he needs to worry about. The rest of the circus, he needs to not be uh, distracted by. He's a warrior, and he needs to focus on that. When you say it was everybody, like everybody had a, a part in this sort of, um, this breakdown, if you will, this, this unfortunate situation, who is everybody? Who, who are you including? Do you include yourself in that as well? Uh, well, no, it was just an unfortunate situation. John wasn't really drag racing. Um, the officer involved uh, thought he was drag racing, and so that es- instead of de-escalating that situation, uh, gotcha. they both kind of escalated it. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I, I, would have, I would have liked, uh, especially John, just saying, uh, you know, Instead, John, you know, he's got a lot of pride, and somebody jumps on him, and he's going to jump back, and uh, it just escalated to where I thought it didn't need to go. So, uh, you know, maybe de-escalating stuff would have been yep. a little bit nicer, but, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, whatever. From your perspective, how has he been up until this point? I mean, you know, like, we, it's cr- he's been, because, you know, he hasn't fought, as you, I don't need to tell you, but he hasn't fought since January of 2015. We all know what happened in April. Then a little mishap, you know, a few weeks back with the, with the speeding, and now this. I mean, how has he been? Is it? Is it true? Is it accurate when people say he's a different man? He's more focused. He's so. Is all this stuff true? That is true. Um, however, he's still, you know, like 
he shouldn't be driving, so we got him that. That's fixed now. Okay. Um, and, you know, later on, I think he'll be able to relax a little bit and uh, not be as intense. He's a very intense guy, and so, uh, you know, that translates to every part of his life. But he's definitely focused. Um, he's definitely uh, been training harder than I've ever seen him. So I think that year off really, I, I think it kind of helped him out. He's just, he's really focused he's really really uh intentful that's the word i'm looking for okay. that word even exists it's <laughs> i nice get you to see him this way is it surreal like for me just being a media guy who knows him it's surreal to see him you know with the orange jumpsuit and all that as his coach and friend what's that like for you when you see him like one day he's in the gym and the next day he's there uh well i grew up in a place where most of my friends were in and out of there all the time anyway. So it wasn't a, it's not a big deal to me. You know what I mean? I'm just, I just don't want him to be there longer than he needs to, but it's not, um, it, it was part of my culture growing up. So it's, it's nothing shocking. For me. Okay. Wow. I don't know if I'm supposed <laughs> that is crazy. It's shy. I guess I'm, I'm, I think I grew up in a bubble. I think that's what I've learned as I've grown up over time. No, not at all. I mean, there's people in, listen, there's this myth that like if you're from the hood you're the toughest dude in the world like biggest cockroaches i ever met lived in the hood and you know there's these like white goofy kids from the midwest that are the bravest toughest guys you ever met right ever. so it's all about the individual like sometimes you have a better a different relationship with violence if you're growing up in certain parts of this country but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're like tough or anything like that did greg jackson have like a, did you have like a tete-a-tete with him a sit down just mano y mano and you know because i i always view you as a sort of like phil jackson type of figure i don't know if you're familiar with phil and, and your your principles the basketball are basketball coach yes People called me phil before so i know your principles are different but you have a, a very similar demeanor as as far as coaching is concerned in my opinion did you kind of figure do you, do you have to like sort of sit down with him after something like this and figure out where he's at and, and, and navigate those waters did you do that at all is that necessary uh, it's not too necessary. Just sitting. I mean, he's a grown man. Um, yeah. It's sitting down and making sure that he's focused and that he can do his job and that uh, you know, maybe to to uh, get a driver would be a great idea. You know, these kind of things we've suggested. So, but you know, John's he's he's his own man. He's gonna. That's the way I always treat my people. They treat me with respect, and I treat them with respect. Um, I can suggest to do things, which I do. But I, I'm, I don't own anybody. I'm not like um, – I think there's like this whole myth of the martial arts master that like tells you what to do at every part of your day. And that's, I'm definitely not that guy. Okay. Um, I try to teach students, you know, don't be an idiot. Um, <laughs> and uh, some, some take to that better than others. But uh, so I do I, – I definitely do like, you know, think decisions through components to the way I teach. But I mean, these are grown men. These are this is a sport. It's not like I'm teaching my martial arts. And my martial arts school is very different. That then we're teaching values. We're giving you power, so we need to teach you values. This is a sport. So while we try to give them values, they need to also, you know, make it, it, it's not a it's not conducive to a martial artist to be bragging and saying he's going to beat everybody up. But it's hugely conducive to selling pay per view and stuff. Mm. So a lot of that is uh, is not. In my like in my teaching in my style, I would not do any of that. Right. But uh, you, if you do that, you sell money and or you sell the event, and so that helps out too. So there's there's different uh, different fighters take it different ways. But uh, for for my fighter fighters, they're their own people, and uh, I can suggest things for them. But that's about it. Considering his layoff, are, are you expecting some ring rust on the twenty third? I don't think so. You know, um, I wouldn't be surprised either way, but uh, I don't think so. I think he's training hard enough where he's, and he's got some good sparring partners where he can just get right back into the flow. Okay. Um, by the way, what's it been like, on a quick side note, what's it been like, I get a kick out of seeing BJ Penn in all these pictures and seeing how your fighters are re- reacting mm-hmm. to just having him there. It seems like they, they really enjoy yeah. um, him being around, and he seems to really enjoy being a part of the team. 
What's this been like for you to have him around? Uh, it's just a lot of fun. You know, BJ is a, he's actually a very thoughtful person. Um, he's very intelligent. Uh, so having him around, he's, you know, he's an old vet and, uh, I wouldn't say old, he's a vet, but, uh, uh, it, it's just nice to have that energy in the school. He, he brings his own energy. Um, he's a very caring person. And, uh, I, I just, we just like having him around like everybody on the team adores him. So, uh, it's a very positive thing. We have our, the morale is really high. It's, it's a packed school at the moment, but, yeah. uh, the, the team morale is really, really high, and that's that's a good thing. Are you confident that he will fight? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I think uh, once he gets through his personal issues, um, we're going to be, uh, we'll be ready, and uh, hopefully if we've done our job right, he'll come very prepared. And he's staying in Albuquerque until he fights, right? Because I think that's important. I think that's it. Wow. Yeah, I think that's it. I think that uh, we want him just focused here, constantly improving, learning new stuff, new, new uh, ways of thinking, new thought patterns, these kind of things. Also, while I have you, um, how difficult was it to watch what happened to Holly? So close to winning, or at least the draw, remaining champion, and then that happening. What was that like for you, considering your relationship with her? Well, yeah, you know, it wasn't. It was no fun. I mean, that's part of the game, though. You know, it uh, it uh, it certainly was not an enjoyable evening. I'll put it that way. But yeah. uh, you know, we recover, we learn, we grow, and we move on. So, uh, Holly's an incredibly mentally tough individual. So she's taking in stride and training hard, and uh, uh, she'll be right back at back at it. Um, she's lost before on big stages. Yeah. She's come back and won again. So I'm not too worried about uh, Holly. I was actually. I was very sad for Holly, I was, but I wasn't angry. Like I was mad at the judges when they uh, gave uh, Lawler the decision over Carlos, and it was a close fight. But I thought we had that. Yeah, uh, that one I didn't react well on. But with Holly's, I was like, well, you know, she's really just figuring out the ground game now. It takes a while, so I wasn't, I wasn't too upset. I do remember seeing you after that Carlos Condit fight, and I don't recall, you know, having the privilege of being back there, seeing you that upset after a fight. Um, and, and and who knows? I mean, do you, do you really think that this? or that was his last fight ever, because he has said if he doesn't get a title shot, he's going to stick to that. And that was a couple months ago. What do you think now? I don't know. You know, he's uh, he's coming by the gym and saying hi to everybody, but uh, that honestly might, I don't know, might be, it might not be. Um, he might have changed his mind, but uh, uh, certainly um, I think a rematch would be in order for that one. Yeah. Uh, nothing against Robbie. Robbie is a good friend of mine. I love him to death, and he fought his heart out. It's not his fault. Uh, but uh, I thought the judging was a little askew that night for sure. So he comes to the gym, but he's not really working out or training these days. He tra- you No, know, he trains, but it's not. He's not fight training. There's a whole different. That's a whole different world. You sure. can be in shape, and then there's being in fight shape. Two different things. Um, does does do you want him to keep fighting? I, I want him to be happy. So um, if you want, if make, fighting is making him happy, then I want him to fight. And if not fighting makes him happy, then I don't want him to fight. That's it. <laughs> uh, I feel like I ask this question every week, and just two minutes left, and then we'll let you go. And thank you again for the time. But you know, GSP, do you think he comes back? I honestly don't know. I mean, there, I, I don't know. You'd uh, you'd have to ask him. Um, certainly, he's a great guy and, and a good fighter, and I'm sure he's got a few years left in him if he wants to do it. But uh, yeah, it's, it's all the way up to him. But as for me, I have no idea. Has he talked to you about it? No, no, we haven't sat down on it. Um, at all. Uh, I've talked to uh, Faraz a little bit, but uh, haven't sat down with George on it. Okay, and finally, how awkward is this uh, this Overeem-Arlovsky situation for you? I know you're not a fan of this. 
Yeah, it's just you know, it's just a pain in the butt. It's all part of the job, but uh, it's and we have protocols, et cetera, et cetera. So everybody's been very cool about it, but uh, yeah, it's just it's just not fun. Are they ever? No part of that is fun for me. Are they ever training in the same gym at the same time? No, we have them at separate times. Okay, and 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 what about like like is Overeem going to have any of the coaches with him, or is he bringing in his own guys? Because you guys have yep. said that he's bringing his his own guys, right? Wow. No, he's and some no no he's he's got some of his own guys and some of our coaches too. Wow, um, is this the first? Is this the yeah, highest that's stage? How it works. I know you you stepped out when Carlos um, fought GSP, but for you personally, is this the the highest stage where you've had to corner a fighter against another fighter of yours? Yeah, probably. I would. I would. Nothing comes to mind. Although I'm famous for forgetting stuff, but uh, <laughs> off the top of my head, I would say yes. Wow. All right. So you're just you're just hoping for that day to come and go and and move on, right? Yeah. You know, that's all I can do. All right. All right. Um, well, Greg, I appreciate the time. I know how much you love doing these interviews, so it means a lot that you would uh, <laughs> come on the show and 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 give us some insight. I was very curious to hear your perspective on all this and I wish you guys the best. It seems like you have, you know, eight fighters on, you know, uh, every weekend and every different card out there, but in particular, April 23rd, since we focused on that, good luck against Ovin Pru. Looking forward to it. I will see you out there. All right. Thanks, brother. All right. Th- there he is. Greg Jackson stopping by. Interesting to hear him say that John Jones, as we joked about last week on the program now has a full-time driver. And I think that is very important and uh, a huge piece of news, um, not to undermine anything that he's doing, but look, you're, you're that close, there's so much riding on it, and every time John has gotten in trouble, it's been, you know, it's been related to cars. So why not play it safe, get a nice, remember last week I said get a Rolls Royce, get something like that, get a sweet ride, chill out in the back, do what you got to do, and just be safe. Get your money, get your belt back, get, do your thing, and, and and leave the driving to someone else. I think that's a great call. And kudos to him for actually agreeing to it. Kudos to the team to, you know, finally do it. What a week it has been for John Jones, and certainly look forward to catching up with him a little later on in the program. Now, in a minute, we are going to be joined and again, thank you very much to uh, to Greg for that. In a minute, we're going to be joined by Ian McCall, a.k.a. Uncle Creepy, one of the very best flyweights in the world, though he has not been fighting that much as of late. In fact, the last time we saw Ian McCall in action, that was back in January of 2015. So more than a year ago, fought John Lineker, lost a unanimous decision to him, was oh so close to getting another crack at Demetrius Johnson, but I wanted to catch up with our old friend Ian McCall, and now he is joining us, I believe, via the magic of Skype. There he is, Uncle Creepy himself. Ian, how are you? Uh, could be worse, you know. Life is <laughs> life is good. I'm just hanging out. Uh, just cleaned my room and oh. going to go, you know, was wait, I'm waiting for you, so I had to do something, right? Right. Well, I appreciate you joining us. Uh, always love having you on the show, and there's a lot to discuss. <clears throat> um, let's start with this one before we get into all the stuff happening outside of the cage. Why haven't you fought <clears throat> since January of 2015? Um, this thing, this arm. Uh-huh. Um, I had, I was getting ready for another fight. I, I don't even know if I had a fight lined up, but I was just getting, I was staying in shape. And I was wrestling out in Texas. Uh, I, I do a lot of work with the military. <clears throat> and I, we were teaching a seminar for a bunch of special forces kids. 
and I just was wrestling and my shoulder popped. I, I had a fully torn bicep tendon. I tore my bicep muscle a little bit, but it wasn't a big enough deal to have surgery. But then I tore uh, two labral tears and a fully torn rotator cuff. So wow. my whole shoulder was kind of done. Did you have surgery? Yeah. Damn. Okay. So um, I thought you were, I thought you were pointing to your hand because you you've had issues with the hand before, but the hand is okay? <clears throat> yeah, the, the, the good hand. Um, oh, my Lord. So just to put it in perspective, I, I have two bulging discs in my neck. And then I have the four-part surgery on my shoulder. I fractured and dislocated my elbow. I got two sur- or three surgeries, two breaks, and a bad infection in this arm. So my arm doesn't work so well. Like right now, it's, it's, um, my hand's kind of numb. Wow. Still? <laughs> yeah. Did you just give me the finger? Was that a subtle way of you giving me the finger? No, no. I was just okay. trying to <laughs> feel my hand. I, I, yeah, my, like the outside of my hand is, is numb. Sometimes it's these two fingers. Wow. Sometimes it's these two fingers. Sometimes it is this finger, but <laughs> that's... That <laughs> Um, I saw an interview with you recently. I think you were driving in your car, and I, I sincerely apologize. The name of the outlet that you spoke to is escaping me, so I want to give them credit. I'll find it later. But it did seem talk, talk, talking brawls. Talking brawls. There you go. Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, it did seem like you were sort of leaning towards maybe not fighting again. Did I read that wrong? No, I, I just have to be realistic. Uh, you know, my body isn't isn't working. Very, very well. And, and, I, and I, I do still train. I, I train every day. I teach every day. I still beat up, you know, I still beat up on everybody. I, I just have to take it slow. I don't know if my body can handle another training camp because I train hard. Yeah. You know, like, like everybody else, um, I train really hard. And I, and I, I also train very smart, but uh, I, I just have a tendency to break. So I'm, I've, I've made peace with it that I might never fight again. Do I want to fight? Of course I want to fight. Uh, I would like nothing more than to fight, but you know, I, I just, I have to be realistic. People keep asking me and I, I'm tired of lying. Like, Oh, I'm just getting ready. No, like I'm training. I'm in good shape, but I don't have any confidence in this shoulder in my arm. So once I can get that figured out and hopefully get the nerve damage or whatever's happened, um, get it more situated and get it a, a little less, aggravated i guess um I, I would love to fight it's just you know I, I have to be realistic i have a, i have a child i have a life my brain still works so i'm just you know taking my time if it takes you know another till summer it takes till next year if i never fight again whatever um I, i've accomplished a lot and i i you know that, that that's that's a drug that that is hard to come by is fight is is performing in front of a, an audience like that so uh, I, I want nothing more than that, but if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen, you know? Is there something keeping you around in, in a sense that, like, it's obvious that you're, you're, you're in pain and, and, you know, some parts of your body are just not going to get back to 100%. That's just, you know, life and being a fighter. Why not yeah. just move on at this point? Is there something that you still want to do? Are you not at peace with the idea that that fight in January of 2015 was your last fight? Yeah, my whole UFC career doesn't settle well with me. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I've had a lot of ups and downs, a lot of injuries and mental mental screw-ups and, and whatever. I, I, I know I, myself along with other people that are close to me know how good I am. And, and I just haven't been able to show the world re- really besides my, my first fight in UFC. And that, that still wasn't – obviously that fight doesn't sit well with me. Sure. So it, it, it's something that I – I'm, try, I'm I'm I am segueing into, you know, broadcasting or, or 
I guess podcasting. Uh, we guess are the same. Um, I have a podcast that just came out. My last or my first episode was last week with Psycho Mike Catherwood from from Loveline. Um, I figure with the stories that I have and the friends that I have, I, c- I can get a good following going. Um, uh, there's some other radio stuff that I've been talking about doing, mm. or talking to people about doing. So uh, if I can get paid to have a, another job that's just a hobby, <laughs> then then that would be great. You know, I can have a hobby job, and and I I can. I'm looking for ways to be at home as much as possible with my kid. Like I just pulled this out of my bed. Um, <laughs> see, it's a I'm a dad. Thing. Yes, <laughs> I love it. So, I I just you know that that's my goal is to be able to spend as much time with my kid as possible and 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 and, and also my team. I, I I'm so I'm stuck there. This is all I all I have is I have a master's degree in fist fighting and <laughs> and I I I, will, I always want to be part of the sport. I always want to at least coach. So, so I'm, I'm doing that. So congratulations, first things first, on, on, on the podcast. I understand that you're working with the great TJ DeSantis, so I know it's going to sound and, and feel and look very good. He's <laughs> fantastic at his job. It has a great name as well, right? What's the name? Storytime with Uncle Creepy. I love it. I mean, you gotta you got to capitalize <laughs> on that amazing nickname, arguably the greatest of all time as far as MMA is concerned. Um, is well, this something you. that you wanted to do, you know, you wanted to do for a long time? Did TJ approach you? Like, how did this all come together? Well, I, I've wanted to do it. I've done other shows kind of of my own, and they haven't worked out because I haven't had someone like TJ behind me. Mm-hmm. Uh, me, and T, me and TJ came together, and, and I, I was actually trying to do the show with Psycho Mike. I don't want to face it just so much today. Um, I was trying to do it with, T, or with uh, Psycho Mike, and he can't do it contractually. So you know, he, it was just a good idea for him. That, he's so big in the business where – it would have worked for sure. But now I have someone like TJ producing it for me. And, you know, without him, because I've had so much smoke blown up my ass my whole life about stuff like this, uh, he actually is getting it done. Uh, everything's working. You know, we have a studio and and it's fun. And I, I, we, we have a good working you know relationship. I like TJ. He's a, he's a smart guy. He knows the sport. And the thing is, we're not even talking about the sport. That was we're, my we're question, yeah. About, is this an MMA podcast? This is just a life podcast. This is a life podcast. Okay. I, I, <laughs> I deal with MMA enough in my life where uh-huh. I don't want to talk, talk about it anymore. <laughs> or at least, you know, for my job, I don't want to talk about sure. it. Sure. Because it, it'll come up. You know, we're, we're going to talk about it eventually. Uh, we always touch on it, you know, and, and it's more or less uh, – I kept it open with the name Storytime with Uncle Creepy because yep. – I want people to just come on and tell stories. That's all it is. It's me screwing around with people I know or people people that I've, I've met, and we're we're just telling stories. So, for example, like last week was your first episode. What's a what's a story? I mean, just knowing your history and what you've been through, I'm sure you have stories for days, uh, many that yes. we don't even know about yet. Uh, what's a, is there something that comes to mind that you shared last week or that you might want to tease for an upcoming episode that you can give us some insight into what we're dealing with here? Well, how. How how censored do I have to be? You can be whatever you want, my friend. This is the internet. Okay. It's a beautiful thing. So we were talking about you know drug, sex, rock and roll, your usual stuff. Yeah. Um, we talked. We touched on how Mike's dog loves the taste of his cum. We, we <laughs> talked about a guy getting fucked up by a horse. What? We talked about. Um, yeah, you've never seen it, Mr. Hands. Google Mr. Hands. No, I'd rather not. The, but thank you. There's a there's a video of it. Um, there's a documentary on it. What else did we talk? Yeah. We talked about all kinds of stuff. We talked about life, and those are just the silly things we talked about. But uh, I'm trying to get my good friend Chuck Liddell on there. Hopefully, he'll 
he'll uh, pre- you know grace me with his grace me with his presence. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the the lineup that I that I'm working on is is pretty good, and and you know especially someone like Chuck, we've got stories for yes. days. I've known him for since I was 18, and we have some some a lot of really fun stuff to talk about, like I do with most of my friends. So once I can get the big names out of the way, yep. Uh, you know, maybe for the first 10 or so that, then I'll, I'll, you'll see me dabble and I want to do a best friends episode with Chuck and Antonio Benuelos and Casey Olson. Uh, you know, every, every once in a while where, where, you know, we've traveled the world together. Yeah. We've, we've been, we've been all over the place and, and for us to just sit back and drink a beer and, and talk just utter nonsense, pe- people will be highly entertained. Um, now when does this come out? What day? Uh, it's Wednesdays right now. We haven't been approved for iTunes yet. Okay. We might. We'll probably get a, probably get approved today. I'm guessing because um, we we shot it. Or we recorded it last Wednesday, so I, I, I'm guessing we'll be approved for iTunes, and then we'll be every Wednesday. If I can go, you know, to two days a week. If I can get a big enough following, then I, I definitely will do two days a week. If I can do this five days a week, I'll probably do yeah. it. I, I don't want to go to I don't want to go to L.A. that much, but. You know, whatever. That's that's uh, <laughs> that's besides the point. I, I just really, I, I really like telling stories and or talking story. If you're Hawaiian, yeah. as you can see my my shirt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, so it, it it'll be a good time and people will will enjoy it. I promise. Because you're gonna hear some ridiculous stuff and and ha- like most podcasts or like some podcasts maybe, the stuff that I say is stupid. So don't take it with a grain of salt. Like I, like most of the stuff that I say on Twitter or it's it's either not serious or it's halfway serious i just say it to get a reaction out of out of people which seems to work uh is it is it is it the the goal to do this podcast it becomes the biggest thing you get paid tons and then that's your way out of mma fighting like is that what are using this podcast to try to you know ease the transition out of you know active competition yeah of course you know i have behind me the people that talked me into doing this was was joe rogan yep uh, Brennan Schaub, Eddie Bravo, we, they, I went up and did Joe's show and they kind of were like, Hey man, this is what you need to do. And I was like, okay. And I, maybe they don't even, maybe they didn't even really notice what they were doing, but those are the kind of people mentoring me or, or psycho Mike, you know, these are all people who are, who are big in the business and, and, uh, hi mom. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they, they want me to do it. So that was a, that was a, something that really sparked my interest, even though I already had it. And they, they, kind of made me make it come to fruition. Uh, forgive me for prying, but you are such an open book. I have to ask, does does Ian McCall live with his mom? I do. Wow. I do. That's a story in yeah, its own I, right. I live with my mom. That's incredible. I, I live with, yeah, at first it's my mom. Hey, mom. Hello. Oh, she's, so, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take you. This I, is I live with, so, yeah, it's me and my mom. Yes. But see, First off, it was me and my dad. My dad has helped me raise my kid, okay. and because you know it's it was just us. And yeah. then my mom, my parents have haven't been together for for fifteen years, and then <laughs> well, I don't know she's she's hiding. Um, so so she moved back in. Her and my daughter live in bunk beds in their room. And oh, we lost we lost you. Did you unplug something? All of a sudden, I don't hear you anymore. We were getting to the nitty. Oh, you're. Are you back? No, we lost you again. Something happened. Oh, is it maybe that your 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 headphones got unplugged or something? There you go. Can you hear me? Yep, you're back. You're back. Okay, there we go. Okay, so 
So yeah, I'm, I'm just taking a stroll around Casa de Creepy. It's kind of bright out here. I like that. Um, so so I, I moved in with my dad, and my mom lives there now too. My brother's on the couch in pneumonia. And, and you know, I live in a nice house up on the hill. There's the Well, you can't really see the ocean. Oh, wow. Because it's foggy. Yeah. But, um, you know, wh- why would I not live here? Yeah. Well, that doesn't suck. That's you know, incredible. I live in a nice place. Is is your is your daughter with you too? She she stays there as as, as well. Yeah, she lives here full time. Wow, what a life! Who knew, Uncle Creepy? That's amazing. And how far are you from the the gym, Timoyama? I'm about thirty minutes. About about thirty minutes, which is only like twenty miles in in Orange County. But uh, I live in a sleepy little beach town called San Clemente. It's it's awesome. It's the last town in Orange County south south of us is Camp Pendleton Base. So it's it's very mellow. I don't mind the commute. I mean, it's uh, commuting in Orange County sucks because there's so much traffic. Yeah. But I live in paradise, so I, as long as my kids happy and, and I have a lot of help with my family, um, why not? <laughs> and, and, and again, uh, I feel like I can ask you this question: living with mom and having so many people there, how's this for the dating life? Well, I'm now single. Okay. Well, that's I guess a good uh, thing. You know, and and I can't. Yeah. Uh, my mom's a huge cock block, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and, and you know, it, it, it's like we'll, we'll we'll say for instance the other night, the other night, Saturday night, um, I brought a woman home, and and see, I have a back door. That's what I just walked out of, and I also have a lock on my door, okay. so. You know, I can lock my door and just be like, "Oh, Daddy wasn't home. Daddy, Daddy was gone." But yeah, I and then I snuck out my back door and you know sent her away. But um, you know, I, I it it hinders me in a good way. I I can't bring a bunch of women around. I just broke up with. I've had you know two real girlfriends since my daughter was born, and she met both of them, and and they're both gone now. Well, she met Jade too, but we, that was like in passing. Um, I guess she's met two people she knew two people and i she's getting to the age where it's not fair to be bringing um a bunch of women around her and and i I, i'm not going to stop hanging out with a bunch of women so i just i don't bring them here okay fair enough wow uh the podcast just got a whole lot more interesting as far as i'm concerned if we talk about (laughs) this day-to-day stuff um by the way carlos sparza the former champion now back is she feeling okay Are, are you there coaching every day is that maybe another transition for you yeah, yeah, I, I have to, I have to watch over Carla. She, she's, uh, she's looking really good. Especially, you know, her wrestling jiu-jitsu has always been good. Her kickboxing was, you know, was the final thing, to, the piece to put together. And her punching power. She punched me the other day in the body and in the head. Mm. And I, I remember kind of go, wow, okay, <laughs> like wow, you, that didn't feel good. And, <laughs> and it, it, you know, so she's. She's she's figuring it out because all wrestlers have a chance to punch hard. She uh, it, it's just a lot of times it's hard for wrestlers to make it translate because they're so heavy all over the front foot for shots and stuff. Uh, we we've settled her more in her stance. Her head works moving really well. Her footwork. So so you're gonna see a a, a very evolved Carla uh, in this next fight, and I, I'm I'm excited. So will you become a full time coach there? Yeah, my, my coach Colin Oyama. He yeah. asked me not too long ago. Well, where do you want to be in ten years? Huh. And I was like, next to you, duh. <laughs> <laughs> so assistant coaching. You know, uh, I I don't I don't really see myself doing anything else. And, and for for most of my career, I, I didn't want to coach. I didn't want to be that heavily invested in people because mm. I I see you know things happen, you know that are 
it's hard. You know, it's really hard to be that invested in people, but I'm good at it and I, and I love it. And, and this is, you know, this is my, that's my family is at the gym, you know, besides obviously my, my family here, my blood family, that's, that's the Ohana back to mm. the Hawaiian stuff. Um, so I, I'm excited to, to help to start building more, more products like, like Carla, cause we, we've got these young up and coming hungry guys, two kids that haven't even fought amateur mm. and they're fresh out of college wrestling. And I've been training them since they were like nine. Um, this other kid, Red Richard Alacron, he's he's just started to go pro. We have Alex Perez. We've got a bunch of kickboxers. So it's exciting, you know. We're we're not we're not we don't care about taking in these guys that are already incredible. We're like, no, we have time. We're going to build them from the ground up, and because we have such an amazing facility. Hmm. Um, well, that is great, and uh, I'm happy to hear. You know, wow, it's great to catch up. I'm happy to hear that everything's going well. I'll I'll end on this. Two last things. Um, how close uh, on this April fourth of two thousand sixteen? How close are you to deciding whether or not you will ever fight again? Do you, do you have? Are you leaning one way? Do you know? Do you, is it impossible for you to answer that question? Where do you sit? Oh, it's impossible. I, I, I want to fight. Okay, that's the thing. I, I I do physical therapy almost every day. I work out every day. Uh, I I you know I do a I do a, a bunch of yoga. I, I have you know I get massages. Uh, I eat extremely healthy. So. It, I'm. I'll be ready. I. I. I really want to say I'm going to fight again. You know, okay. that, that's the plan. Um, but I again, I have to be realistic. So I. I don't know. But man, my arm is really numb today. Um, oh. I. I. <laughs> I'm sorry. Of, it's all right. It's you know that's life. Um, but. I. I can't really. I can't really say if I'm. If I'm. If I am or I'm not. It's just one of those things that I, we'll have to see. All right. Uh, by the way, while we have you, is very much in the news. DJ or Cejudo? Who's your pick? Uh, DJ. You know, Henry is great. He's very good, but his boxing isn't isn't good enough to catch DJ, I don't think, and he doesn't seem to have uh, the the one-shot power to not to knock out DJ. Uh, I mean, anyone can do that, but I don't see it happening. Uh, and also, he's, I don't think he's fast enough. And... and, and Kind of the the gap between his lack of speed and and you know the the technical deficiencies that that he'll have against someone like DJ is I don't see it I don't see him I see DJ outworking him for five rounds hmm. um, who knows if he'll get tired I don't know uh, I know he's a hard worker so he might not get tired but I, I see him kind of getting picked apart I mean he is good don't get me wrong but. I don't think he's he's champion caliber. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but yeah. I don't see it happen. Well, I, I know that you were going to tell it like it is. Do you see anyone in the division right now who can beat DJ outside of yourself, of course? <laughs> With one arm, yes, yeah. I'll beat DJ. <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't see anybody. I mean, who's going to beat him? Joe? Joe's going to be a bridesmaid for the rest of his life, um, just like a Uriah or you know, Chad. Uh, and and those are all, those, all those guys are, are studs. you got to think. All those guys are badasses, but... They're just not good enough to beat the champs. Um, so, who else would there be? Um, you don't uh, see any up and comers or anything like that, huh? No, not right now. I haven't seen anything. There might be somebody out there. Maybe I haven't been paying enough attention because I, I don't pay much attention to much, um, much anything really. But, <laughs> uh, besides, like I, I get to watch a lot of uh, what have we been watching lately? Been watching the the Krat Brothers. What is it? The the Wild Krats. Been watching a lot of Wildcats. I, I I wanted to be a scientist as a kid, like a 
you know, some sort of scientist to work with animals. And my daughter, my daughter's going down the same route. So she, she's obsessed with animal shows, which is cool because she's not watching, you know, something that's going to make her, sure, you know, more, 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 <laughs> not going to dumb her down. Sure, sure. Um, so I, I would love to see a good up and coming kid. I, I just, I don't even know who's out there right now. I, I, I watch a lot of fights mainly because my dad watches every fight. Okay. But, but I, I just, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't been paying much attention. Fair enough. For now, uh, we will say goodbye. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you for doing it. Congratulations on the new podcast. Again, it's called Storytime with Uncle Creepy every Wednesday. Hopefully soon, it'll get on iTunes. I suggest anyone who listens to this show to check it out. I'll be checking it out. I can't wait. Just uh, knowing you a little bit. Great stuff. Uh, I wish you the best (laughs) with that. Uh, And and get well soon, my friend. I hope you heal up soon. And and good luck, of course, to the team as Carla returns to action later on this month. Looking forward to that. Thank you very much, man. Have a good time. All right. There he is, Ian McCall, Uncle Creepy, one of the very best flyweights in the world. Unfortunately, uh, a little banged up right now. Looking forward to his debut. For now, we can uh, listen to his podcast. That sounds like a lot of fun, and I will be doing that as well. Okay, let us move along. Uh, Very excited to talk to our next guest. He woke up Saturday morning looking for a fight. Not that long ago, uh, we were... We were talking about, or I put out an article from his team saying that this guy couldn't find, couldn't find an opponent to fight him at, at light heavyweight and heavyweight. Now here he is, less than three weeks away from fighting the fighter that I believe is the greatest of all time. How about that? How quickly things can change in this sport and in life. We're talking to Ovin St. Prue right now about his fight against John Jones. OSP, are you there? Yes, I am. Well, thank you so much for joining us, man. I know your life must be uh, must be pretty hectic, a lot more hectic than it was just a few days ago. Uh, let's start from the beginning. Where were you when you got the call that you were being considered for John Jones on three weeks' notice? Uh, I was just out running some errands and stuff, and um, end up uh, I actually pulled up to the drive-through just to uh, I actually put up to the drive-through. I was at uh, KFC. <laughs> And then after that, the lady asked me um, what you wanted, and I went ahead and paid the lady, and I just kind of took off. I was like, I don't want the food anymore. Wow. So uh, I was like, uh, I think I'm going to have to start doing an, an extreme diet. So, But I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident. I'm feeling really good. Um, my coaches uh, are kind of um, throwing me in the deep end of the water. It's going to be like that for the next two weeks, and I'm more prepared for it. So, you know, um, the fights like this don't come around that often. <clears throat> an opportunity to present itself, so you know, it's, it's um, I'm definitely uh, you know taking advantage of it. So, so okay, so you're there. You, you get the call. When you get the call, is this from your team saying, "Hey, we got you this fight," or is this from someone saying, "Are you interested in this fight?" What was that call like? Well, initially, like I was, uh, um, um, my trainer Joey called my phone, and he didn't say anything, but. He, he called our head trainer. He, he, he The only thing that came out of his mouth was, like, call Eric right now, which is uh, Eric Turner's line, um, head coach. And uh, we said that, and that's when I was like, ah, shoot. And I called him, and I just kind of had a giggle when I called him. And I was like, okay, give it to me. And he was like, well, and I was like, yeah, we can go ahead and go for it. It's something that we wanted. Um, um, it's something that we're pretty excited about. And uh, like I said, it just, it's one of the opportunities that, you know, won't come. And, uh, you know, um, it's either me stick around for another, you know, two years or so and try to wait for this opportunity to come again or me just jump on it right now and I'd rather jump on it right now. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that you were pulling up the KFC, so I have to ask, I mean, what kind of what kind of shape are you in? I feel pretty good. I'm actually in pretty good shape. It's just the fact that I got to push, 
you know, I'm in really good shape right now. Just the fact that I'm, I want to make sure I'm pushing myself for a five round fight. Um, you know, um, I was still running. Even like on Friday, I was running on the treadmill on Friday, and um, shoot, I ran three miles in twenty minutes, twenty wow. twenty forty. So I, I was feeling pretty good, and uh, you know, um, it's just one of them things. I, I knew this was going to happen, and the weekend usually. You know, somewhat of my cheat meal, that's usually on Saturday. And on Sunday, I get back on my diet. But um, I'm feeling good. Um, my team, um, we got together Sunday. We all met together on Sunday. Came up with a game plan for the next two weeks to actually push me overboard. And uh, I've been feeling it thus far, so I can't complain about that. You said that you knew that this was going to happen. What did you expect to happen? Um, I don't know. Just It was funny. Like, all last week, I just had a little funny feeling. And um, just because of uh, the Cormier situation, you know, rumors, you know, speculation was online saying that, you know, he was limping at a, at a wrestling match and stuff. And, uh, mm. and just and just kind of looking up and down the two five weight class, okay, what would happen? Just kind of looking up and down the two five weight class to see what would happen. I mean, um, my name was probably uh, the, the best choice for that fight. So, you know... Um, so I was prepared for it. Uh, you put out a statement recently saying that you were very frustrated that you couldn't get a fight, that you thought that the light heavyweights were a little scared to fight you. You were even thinking about heavyweight. If you can verbalize it, like, where were you at? I mean, you just fought in May, but it seemed like you were very anxious, excuse me, in March, early March, against Fei Zhao, and, and you, were, you were banged up in that fight early on and still pulled through. Mentally, why did you want to come, like, why were you so frustrated just a month after a fight in which you got a little banged up? Well, the fight was February 6th. And, uh, February 6th, that's right. that's right. Yeah, February 6th. A lot of the 205 pounders didn't have a fight after, after I was. And um, it was crazy because I was like, okay, I'm thinking, I was thinking in my head, okay, I'm kind of going to hang out for about a month or so, and then I'm going to end up getting a phone call. You know, a month went by, almost a month and a half went by, and then I was like, no phone calls. And he just, I started seeing everybody else getting fights. And I was like, look, I don't want to sit around like I did last time, you know. You know, I was trying to keep myself active as possible, you know, preferably every, you know, four months, three to four months. Oh, oh or hey, let me hear about a fight. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, um, I was just thinking about it. My coach was like, how you feel? I was like, man, I want to actually get back in there right now. And I was like, I'll, I'll fight one of the smaller heavyweights. I have no problem doing that. And he was like, okay. So I was like, look, it's one of them things where um, – a lot of two or five, a lot of guys within the weight division, they'll probably take the fight on. They, they'll probably take the fight, but they want to make sure they take the fight on on a good camp. But at the same time, you know, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty, I'm pretty big for this weight class too. So, you know, that can have a lot of factors to do with it. So, plus, you know, even with the the fight against Fajal, you know, um, I got hurt early in the in the first round, and I was able to overcome that. And, you know. Um, I was limping around for the next two days. And after that, it was just like that following week, I was back at it again. So you're 100% now? Yeah, I'm 110%. Um, John has been the gold standard at 205 for many years, for around five years. When do you recall first dreaming about this, this opportunity to fight the best there is? I mean, my opportunity started when he actually, you know, um, had the bill. I mean, mm. he's just one of them things where, you know, he fought guys and the way he, he went about doing that, he's, I mean, like you said, he's going to go probably down in history pound for pound one of the 
uh, the best fighters ever in the UFC. So, you know, for me, stepping in there, actually fighting him, hey, look, it's a hell of a story to tell my kids. Yeah. Um, and, and, and people, you know, you know this uh, as well as anyone, they put out the odds. A lot of people are not picking you. They don't think you have a chance. Have you seen that stuff, and are you bothered by it? No, me personally, I don't get bothered by stuff like that at all. I'm, 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 I'm pretty cool, calm, relaxed. You know, uh, you know, I know people, people that have been around me. You know, people that have been here since day one with me. Uh, my coach Eric Turner, Joey Zona, my strength and conditioning coach uh, Nate Hoffmeister, and uh, people that have been helping me out from day one. Um, you know, even with my diet, even with my diet, uh, my dietitian Eddie Raymond, even him helped me out from day one. I know. Those people, those people that, those are the people I need in my corner. Everybody else, you just like, you're always going to hear things online, whether it's good or bad. You're always going to hear things online. So you know, me, I just kind of shrug my shoulders, laugh. You know, April twenty third will get here. Does a part of you feel like this is the perfect time? If you're ever going to fight John Jones, this is the perfect time. He hasn't fought in a year and a half or so. He's been dealing with a lot outside of the cage, and just last week he was behind bars. Do you, do you feel like he is ripe for the taking here? I mean, he got a lot of situations going, but the thing about John is, you know, he makes himself, you know, mentally prepared for every situation, especially when it comes to fights. And uh, I think he said he's going to be there in the fight, but, you know, um, that's the biggest thing about myself, too, is uh, mentally I can get to myself. And, uh, you know, my last fight proved, like, I didn't get to myself. And it's something my coach, you know, you know, caught, caught on to. And uh, we were able to fix that, you know, just just alone doing, you know, mixed martial arts training. All that training is hard physically, but a lot of times people don't realize you need to get the mental training in too because that's just as hard too. When I first started, it was extremely frustrating. And um, like now I'm pretty much cool, calm, collective. You know, even now I'm, 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 mentally, I'm, I'm mentally aware of what's going on, but I know these next two weeks is, is going to be hell. But at the same time, it's something that I need. It's something that I want. And um, I'm prepared to sacrifice everything. Shoot, I was actually supposed to this weekend. I was supposed to Friday is my birthday. Oh, happy birthday! Flying down. Oh, appreciate it. Friday, I was supposed to be flying home to Florida, and I was my birthday with my with my family. And um, my dad's birthday is on the 12th. We was gonna do like a dual birthday party. And uh, you know, I had a I couldn't even break down to my mom and tell her that I wasn't gonna come home. So I was like, hey, told my brother to call my mom. I'm like, hey, can you tell mom I'm not gonna be coming home? Um, so my parents are Haitian. They don't, and it's crazy too. He's just like my parents don't put a lot of pressure on me. They don't understand the magnitude this fight is, just wow. because you know uh, my parents they, they they born and raised in Haiti. So you know they don't they don't understand. They just kind of hear people talking about it. Oh, you gonna fight again? Okay, they're just kind of not in their head about it. So I just leave them in their own little world or whatnot. <laughs> and, uh, just let them be happy. That is amazing. Will they go to the fight? I mean, this is the biggest fight of your life. You're big, you've been an athlete your whole life, University of Tennessee, all that stuff, but nothing bigger than this. Will they attend on the 23rd? I don't think so. I mean, I don't think so. You know, my dad uh, my dad got a little complication going on and stuff, so I think my mom um, just kind of hang out um, with my dad at home. So, you know, um, they they went to one of my fights. They, they enjoyed themselves. My mom was like, she probably won't go to another fight. <laughs> but, you know, um uh, but um, that was that was good. So as long as they they can see on TV, um, they'll, they'll be good. Now I don't know if you know this. I know you've been training and busy. An hour ago, Daniel Cormier was on this show, 
and he said that he would love to extend the invitation to you and your team to go to San Jose and train with him, uh, Cain Velasquez, Luke Rockle, those guys, and, and he can't be very active right now, but he wants to help you beat John Jones, and he wants to pay for your travel. And I know you're just finding out about this, and it's a lot to digest. It kind of threw me for a loop. But does this sound like something that you would be interested in? Well, actually, I was listening to the show when oh. he actually said that because uh, he actually, I, like, I, I know Daniel. We talk every time I see him, we get to talk and stuff. And uh, him and uh, my manager, Joey, they always text him time to time. But um, this is one of them situations. Is, uh, like I said, since day one, I've been I've been here with my trainer and stuff. It's one of them things that we talked about. I've been with my camp since day one, and um, I appreciate the invitation and everything. Our hospitality, even going back to the you know the strike for the strike for days with. Uh, you know, um, Bob Cook, definitely appreciate the invitation, but um, I think uh, with the, uh, with everything we got going on over here, my coach came up with a solid game plan, and I think we're, we're definitely going to be okay. All right, so you're respectfully declining. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. You know, I spoke to you, uh, the first time I ever spoke to you was after your win over Benji Raddick in December of 2010. That was an amazing year. That was really a turning point year for you. Uh, You fought six times in 365 days or so, went undefeated. And I remember talking to you... I fought eight times. Eight times. Yes, that's right. Okay, well, some of them was in 2009, right? Well, I fought... In the U.S. calendar, I fought eight times. In a period of seven weeks, I fought three times. Okay, yes. I'm looking at it right now. You're right. I can't count. Um... In any event, I remember talking to you after that Benji Raddick fight, and you said that you know prior to 2010, you, you were getting a little frustrated. You know, you, you, you lost a couple in a row, um, and you actually considered retiring. Do you remember that? How close were you to actually walking away from the sport? I gave myself a year. I was like, I, if I can't turn this around in a year, um, you know, I'm going to uh, probably call it, a, call it a quit. And the reason that happened, because when I first started off, it was just one of the things when you know, the talent level was always there. It's just I would never – I was always like, okay, I was working out on my own. I was doing the cardio on my own. I was, I was always pushing myself on my own. And, you know, as people, you can only push yourself for a certain limit. You're not going to push yourself to the max. That's why you need a personal trainer. You need somebody to push you. So we got with my strength and conditioning coach, uh, Nate Hoffmeister, hmm. and uh, he just basically lit me up. And after that, I started lighting everybody else up. What do you think you would have you would have end up doing if you didn't continue on this journey and, and go on that streak, end up in the UFC, all that stuff? Do you have any idea what you'd be doing now? Um, you know what I I had a couple job offers that I could have probably been doing, but at the same time, it's different. Like if you asked me back in two thousand four, two thousand five, when I was still in college, if I'd have been doing this, or you would have asked me that, you know, I'd have been headlining, you know, the main event April twenty third. Um, to fight for the interim belt, I would look at you and be like, "You need to lay off the drugs." But, <laughs> you know, back then, I, I used to watch. You know, I used to watch. You know, MMA all the time. He just, but I was that guy who was sitting back and be like, "Man, I don't know how these guys would do it. They, they're freaking nuts." It was like, "I can't do that." And look at me now. It's amazing. It's an amazing story, and you have an opportunity to to shock the world and beat the greatest of all time in just three weeks. How crazy has life been the last 48 hours or so? Is this unlike anything you've ever experienced? I mean, it is. You know, I'm taking everything with it. Um, You know, um, instead of pushing everything away from me, I'm actually grabbing towards, I'm I'm actually accepting everything. You know, the more I accept everything, the easier my my day gets. You know, my trainer told me, he's like, these next two weeks, you're not going to like it. And to be honest, 
I got my trainer, Joey Zonar, and I got my strength and conditioning coach, Nate Hoffmeister. So they're both going to be living with me, and I'm going to need that because I can feel myself at times I'm going to be like, man, okay, I'm pushing myself to the max, and um, I'm doing it in the fashion that I'm keeping my body healthy too. So pretty much every day I'm pushing myself to the max. Every day I'm doing some type of recovery, some type of treatment. But um, I'm excited. You know, I got three weeks to do this, and um, I definitely think I could do it in three weeks. You know, there's times where, you know, like you said, the Benji Raddick fight, I was home during Thanksgiving, and when that happened, I got a phone call on Friday. Sunday I'm flying out, you know. Wednesday I'm signing, signing a contract. I'm fighting Saturday. And, you know, crazy. Uh, those type of fights, the short-notice fights, I've done those before. I've done those all the time before. So usually those end up working out to my favor too. By the way, if you don't mind me asking, how much do you weigh right now? I'm about 229. Okay. I'm about 229, 228. So it's not bad. <laughs> if you compare to my last camp, my, I didn't tell my trainer, it was in my last camp, I think three weeks out, I was almost 238. Wow. Wow, that is insane. So, um, so you're fighting for the interim belt. Did you know that when you accepted? I'm sure you would have taken the fight regardless, but did you know that the interim title was on the line when you accepted? Um, initially, the first the, the the first phone call, just like, you know, you do you want to fight for, uh, um, do you want to fight a pay-per-view main event? And I was like, talked to my trainer, I was like, yeah. And, um, and I was like, man, I kind of sat back and kind of thought about it, and I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. And then uh, they get a call back again. And, uh, I think Dana called Joey. He was like, hey, this is for the interim title. And I was like, oh, for real? <laughs> Makes it even more interesting. And, you know, a lot of people say I'm crazy for taking the fight. And I tell them they're crazy for not taking the fight. Of course. You know, when are you going to have another opportunity like this? You know, people, people die for opportunities like this. So, you know, and, you know, the opportunity presented itself, and I took it. I don't care if I was 250, I would have took the fight. Uh, two last quick things, and that's an amazing attitude, and I, I give you a lot of credit. Um, in a weird way, I know it's the it's the interim title officially, but in a weird way because he never actually lost the belt, and most people, including myself, consider him undefeated. He's had some weird situations, Matt Hamill and whatnot. That it makes it even better. Do, does it kind of if you win, are you, do you kind of feel like you're fighting for the real belt here? Um, it kind of does, but you know, it's one of the things where, like, not necessarily for the for the belt, it's just for like fighting the best of the best. And, you know, within that weight class, he was the best of the best. He technically hasn't lost the fight at all. He lost the fight because he got uh, disqualified. So it's one of the things where he's fighting the best of the best. And, you know, it, if anything, I told, I can tell everybody I fought the best of the best. Yeah. Um, and then finally, he, as you just said, best of the best, and he's looked so good throughout his career are you already starting to dream about a scenario in which you actually do shock the world? Is something coming to mind? Are we too early in the process here? I don't even know if you're that kind of guy, but it, do, you, do you foresee the scenario in which you will shock the world on April 23rd? I mean, I have to. You know, a lot of things that I do is uh, imagery, visualization, and stuff. And every time, you know, every time I wake up, I have to tell myself that. Every time I go to sleep, I have to tell myself that I'm dreaming about that. Every movie that I put on is some type of movie that's telling me that, you know, I'm fighting for glory. And, um, you know, if I, if I, if I doubt myself in any which way, I mean, I'm, I'm, I already lost the fight before I got there. So I'm doing a lot of imagery and visualization. And every time that happens within every scenario, it doesn't matter what happens. I have my hand raised at the end. Is there a finish that emerges every time or are we getting that specific? Uh, no, it's, it's just me. Every time it happens, it can happen, you know, 
within the decision finish. I don't care. I just tell myself I need to get my hand raised in the end. It's just I can. There was one time I was like, damn, I got my ass beat for three, four rounds, and somehow, some way, I end up pulling it off. Wow. And it, 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 I can't. There's no way in my head that I will tell myself I've lost the fight. With every situation, every time I played play that fight through my head, I can't lose that fight. They they will be dancing from Florida to Tennessee if uh, if that happens in a little less than three weeks' time in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. This is this is part of the beauty of the sport when 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 stories like this emerge. Uh, unfortunate circumstances, you grab the bull by the horns, and now here you are, uh, just days away from you know a, a massive massive opportunity and an even bigger one if you win. Uh, I really appreciate. Like I said, I know you're super busy right now, OSP, but I really appreciate you coming on and talking to us. Good luck in training. Good luck in preparing for the fight. And, of course, good luck April 23rd. Looking forward to seeing you uh, seize that opportunity. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. There he is. Ovince St. Pru, who has a massive, massive uh, <laughs> task on his hands. Unbelievable. Wow. What, what an opportunity for him. Um, it's amazing. Like I said, looking for a fight. And then here he is. Pardon the pun. And here he is, uh, less than three weeks away from fighting John Jones for the interim title. Who saw this coming? And of course, it wasn't the fight that everyone was looking forward to, and hopefully we'll get that opportunity. But uh, these wacky scenarios are part of what makes MMA so much fun. Uh, Another thing that makes MMA so much fun, May 14th, UFC 198. You know, I I said on the MMA beat last week that this might be one of the best cards that the UFC has ever put on for a specific market. They put on great cards all the time, but... More often than not these days, it seems like, okay, there's a car and it's in a place and there's no real connection to the place. And I'm a firm believer that that needs to be done more so than often and, 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 and more so than not, I should say. And if you look at that 198 card with all the great Brazilian fighters, but in particular fighters like Shogun Hua, who is from Curitiba, like Anderson Silva, who is from Curitiba, and now like Chris Cyborg, who is from Curitiba, who will be making her long-awaited, much-anticipated UFC debut on May 14th at 140 pounds against Leslie Smith. This is a massive deal, and it makes that card that much more important, and we're so excited to be talking to her right now. She's joining us via the phone, one of the newest members to the UFC officially, Chris Cyborg, on the show right now. Chris, how are you? I'm great. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. This is a, a lot of fun. I really appreciate the time. Um, okay, so I, I, I'm very curious because we had heard some whispers that they were considering putting you on the card. When did you find out that it was a real possibility that you'd be fighting on this card? You know, I was in Brazil after my last fight, and I saw it have a 198 UFC in my city, Curitiba, and I started talking with my fans, let's go ask for Dana if I can make this fight happen. And and after a couple of weeks, I bet you Brazil. I bet you from Brazil to America, and I was to talk to my manager and said maybe can fight 140, uh, but have to be 140. And Giovanni was to Brazil president. He say would you like to? And I talked to my team. I say if it possible, I talk with George Lockhart, my nutrition. We worked together almost two years, and he say yeah, we can. And they say, okay, it'll be fun. And I feel really blessed because I'll be fighting Curitiba, my city. I was my last fight. I did it there almost 10 years ago. Wow. Uh, that, that's an amazing story in its own right. Um, I know it's been a long journey to get to this point. Was there ever a point where you thought, you know what, I just, I just will never fight in the UFC? And, and if so, did that bother you? Did it bother you that you couldn't fight for the top organization? 
You know, when I start training, of course, I see the best fire, the best event in the world and the big ones, the biggest. And when I start training, of course, I have a dream be UFC one day. But after everything happened in my career and ever everything happened, I would say, man, I take off this dream my heart and say, man, I have to keep work. If it's opportunity to come in my life because God will bless me about this. Okay, if not, I will keep working other organization and I try to do my the best. And I keep work hard. And Shannon gave me a big opportunity for fighting Victor. And I really happy that. And I feel really blessed coming from Victor for doing super fight with FC. And I I will be there. I will be there representing Victor. You know, you were champ 145. And before, before yes, I would like to UFC, but after everything happened, I was, I was thinking this dream so far, and but that's it, that's come again, you know, come true, and you, I'm really happy. I'm trained so hard for making nice fights for everyone. Um, recently, Holly Holmes' manager Lenny Fresquez. Uh, told the Albuquerque Journal that she was approached about fighting you. Other names I know were discussed as well. Um, did did you did you hope that it was someone like Holly, you know, a former champion, a bigger name, or were you hoping that because this is 140, your first time fighting there, that it would be, you know, with all due respect, someone a little, you know, lower ranked, so that you can get your feet wet? You know, I never choose my opponents, and and my my manager talks to UFC, UFC try find opponent for me. And when Sandy Paper me sign the paper, I sign the paper. Doesn't matter who I fight. I think you, when you fight, you have to be ready for fighting the girls. And then you were champion 145. And when the champ, you have to be ready to fight the girls. You know. And of course, Holly Holm is a great fighter. And maybe we can fight soon. And but I would like if I make more fight, I would like fight the champion 135 or Ronda Rousey. Wow. And maybe Holly Holm, you know. But sure. Holly Holm, I. I think we can match the 145 because she's fought before 155. Sure. But I can make 140 for the champ because we'd be champ against champ. And Ronda, of course, everybody wants to watch this fight. So, so your plan is, just to be clear, you want to fight this fight at 140 and then the next fight, fight at 135 for the belt or the next fight, fight Ronda and then for the belt? Uh, you know, I don't, have, I don't have any plan for make 135. You know, before my last fight, I said... Uh, we know make 135, I will keep my division, and I can make one super fight 140. I never said I make 135. I said I can make one super fight and keep 145. Have a lot of girls, big girls, you know, coming from boxing, 155. I think I think I have to keep representing the big women, you know, big weight women, 145. But if I have opportunity to fight 140, I can fight. But I want to keep defense my belt 145. Did you try to convince them to keep this fight at 145? In other words, why does it have to happen at 140? Uh, I really don't know why it don't happen at 140. They didn't say they don't have so much girls, but I know a lot of girls coming from boxing, 155. And, you know, Bellator have girls 145, and have a lot of girls 45, but people don't know too much about it because they don't give you attention. You know, and the Marlos Cone fight, fight, I think, uh, uh, other girl, and, you know, pass on TV, you know, but my division and fight for the belt. And I think I have less respect for this division. And, but I, I represent Mo 45, you know, world champ. And I, I can make a super fight 140, but I cannot forget where they come from. 
Um, and, and you mentioned that one super fight and that you still are proud to represent Invicta and be their champion at 145. So is this just a, a one-fight deal for the UFC? Are you going to go back to Invicta after this fight, or are you hoping to stay there? Uh, you know, I, I had contact with FC 145, yep. and I fight for Invicta because I have a division. Yep. And then giving me opportunity to make 140 and fight this fight. After this fight, I really don't know what's happened, but it doesn't matter what happened. If I have to make just one fight, of course, I'll keep defense my belt 145. What was it like for you to be there, press conference, you're there with Anderson and Shogun and Verdum and Little Nog, legends of Brazilian MMA and MMA in general, and now you're finally there. Such a big show, 40,000 in your hometown. I mean, you couldn't have scripted a better story than this. What was that whole scene like for you last week? You know, when I was there, I, I cannot believe it. When I, when I talked to my manager about this fight in Brazil, I said, man, I just will believe when my C put in Twitter or... Dana White put in the reader Cyber 5 FC 198. If it, he don't did this, I cannot believe. Huh. And I feel really blessed because, you know, it being Curitiba, my city, and all the, my partner trains like Shogun, like Verdun, and all the guys I know will fight the same card. And it'll be hard for making the best fight in the night because just have a lot of fighters, stars fighters, you know. Uh, you've been in this sport a long time. But to fight in a stadium in your hometown in your UFC debut, do you think you're going to be a little more nervous before the fight? Uh, do you know, uh, I was fight before Strike Force and against Jacaran and they have a big crowd too. And you know, inside Octagon, it's just you, your your opponent. And I have something improved for me because all people will be my side. You know, it's Brazil. And but I feel very blessed. The last accepted the fight and. Through hero and I, I don't know. I think it, I think it will be home. I think it will be home, and it will be a member when beginning my career. Um, how concerned are you about making 145? What do I mean? Are, are you worried? Uh, do, you, do you think it's going to be difficult to make 145, or are you confident it's going to be relatively easy to to make 140? Excuse me, 140 pounds. Yes. Uh, you know, I've been working almost two years with George Hockerhart. We tried to up to 135. And uh, I work a lot for make 145 easier the other cuts. And you, we get at this point, and you make 145 easier than before. And I think you'll have a great success make 140. I'm I really confident about this. And I think it'll be hard, but no impossible. We know always it's the first fight for me to make weight and make help and make you be... Great for me to do a super fight. And uh, this is a nice treat. I believe we're actually being joined by George Lockhart on the phone right now. He's right next to you. George, are you there? Yeah, what's going on, boss? How you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, it's great to hear from you, and, and I'm excited about this fight. From your perspective, you've been working with Chris for two years. You've been working so close to her. Um, what, what are your concerns, if any, about her going down to 140? I mean, you know, it's funny when everybody talks about, like, cutting weight um, or losing weight. I, I think they think of it uh, from a very basic standpoint where the average person, you know, hey, man, they just got to lose five pounds. They got to lose ten pounds. Or, you know, when you got somebody that is, is already, you know, going above and beyond in, a, in, a, in elite, um, you know, conditioning and training, um, a couple of pounds is it is a lot when you're already eating perfect and you're you're just lean is all get out. You've got very little to take from. Um, 
going down and keeping performance top notch. You know, that's the that's the most important thing. You know, anybody can make any weight. I just want to make sure that that when Chris fights at 140, you're going to see the Chris Cyborg in her hometown. You know what I'm saying? Not a not a a person that that weighed in and and, and doesn't fight at uh, the you know 100. percent So this fight is around 40 days away. Uh, are, are you guys comfortable in saying how much Chris weighs right now? Like, what kind of challenge this is ahead? <laughs> we're, we're right, you know, we're right where we need to be. You know, I'm actually, I'm really happy um, with where we're at right now. Um, you know, we're we're both really excited. You can tell um, the 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 aura in the in the camp is, is great right now. Everybody, you know, the 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 energy is really high. Everybody's motivated, um, and, and it's funny because uh, working with a lot of female athletes, it. That's the real fight, man. You know, um, you know. I was talking to Tito uh, for her last fight, and, and he said it best. He's like, "This is what you get paid for. This right here. You know, you fight for free, but it's the cut that you're getting paid for." And it's so true. You know, she's got to eat perfectly every single day. She's training so hard every single day um, to, to to make that weight, and um, you know, it's 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 a 24-hour process. And George, you've been confident in the past that she can make 135. Do you still feel the same way? Man, it's you know with 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 everything that has happened the last couple of fights, you know I I don't man I don't see it I don't see the 135 mark. Hmm. Um, I, I think if if it happens, it, it's going to take it would take a long time. And honestly, this it, it's one of those things like the why you know what I mean. Um, if if she ever decided to, I would I'm 100 percent with her no matter what. She wants 145, 140, 130, no matter what. You know uh, I'm there. You know. Um, but yeah, it's a very difficult, I don't think people realize how difficult a process is for 45. Um, you know, anybody that has worked with guys, guys are so different. We're very, you know, we're very, uh, consistent. You eat right, you work out, you lose, you lose weight, you know, uh, women on the other hand, a lot of hormones come into play and it, it's crazy. You'll go down two pounds and then three days later, you'll eat everything right and you go up five. So it's, uh. It's definitely a challenge. Chris, as you know, in the UFC, uh, you can't use an IV to rehydrate. Is this a problem for you? Or are you worried about this? Uh, my last fight, I, I was worried about, but I did I fight great. I made my fight great. And I think if you have a doctor, and you can use, but if you really need. But I don't think I will need it for my next fight. Are, are you hoping now you see... Uh, Conor McGregor fighting at 170 and, and, and guys kind of jumping up and down. The, the times have changed very quickly. Are you hoping that you can now get this Ronda fight at 140 or Holly at 140, 145? Like, do you think that in the past they were a little too stuck on that 135 number, but now that things have changed, do you get the impression that the UFC is open to making these super fights more? Uh, you know, I think if then they start making fights, the fans want to watch. You know, because then pay per view. I then want to watch. If I run the 140, then want to make fight. But the buffs have to agree about fight. You know, me and the Ronda Rousey never have never happened because she too scared for lose fight. You know, mm -hmm. but you, you you can lose, you can win. You have to be ready for the fight. Fight for the fans. Make the best fight tonight. And but the thing don't happen just because her. And now McGregor opened the door for make a, a super fight. On 40, I think it now opened the opportunity for me too. And no secret that you've had your your differences with UFC President Dana White. I'm wondering now that you're officially a part of the team, you're fighting on the card. Have you talked to him? Have you cleared the air? 
Is everything in the past now? Uh, you know me, don't know. I just have business. I go inside the table, make my job, and he'll be my boss and pay my check. I don't think pass after this. Okay, fair enough. Um, what about Leslie Smith? Uh, does does she do anything that concerns you, uh, that that you need to really focus on uh, as far as her fighting? What do you think about it? Uh, you know, Leslie, I was watch, watching her fights, but no, because I know I knew I knew she would be my next opponent. And I know her. We trained a little bit together a couple of days. Oh, wow. And she's a great, she great fighter. You know, she knows character. She likes to fight strike. And when I knew she's my next opponent, I said, man, we can be super fight because she's not the type of girl I can push and she wants to hide. You know, she, she wants to fight. She likes to fight. And just make the fight exciting for can people watch. She's a very tough fighter. She has a big heart. Are you looking forward to, if you do stick around in the UFC, are you looking forward to fighting opponents who are closer to your level? I felt that for a while. And I know your last fight, it got a little tricky there for a second. But for, for a while, it's, it's just been, you know, it, it's been too one-sided. Do you want to be tested more or do you enjoy these quick fights? You know, I'm waiting for five, five, for training for five rounds. You know, I never trained for one round. And my last opponent, she's having nine zero. And she's from Russia, and all the girls are waiting for fight for the belt. You know, I know said, and Shanna, she no send for me. Ah, Chris, who you want to fight? No, she say, Chris, you fight this girl. And I just have to be ready and, and train. And I don't choose my opponent. Everyone wants to fight me and be ready. Uh, final thing, I've often felt that as far as the Brazilian MMA fighters, you should be a lot more popular, but. For whatever reason you aren't, maybe because you haven't fought in the UFC, do you feel like this is, in a way, like kind of your debut? Like you can show the world people who haven't seen you fight in Invicta or Strike Force, Elite XC, who you are, and and life can really change if you win this fight. You you could become an even bigger star. Are you looking it at? Are you looking at it that way? You know, I think it's opposite. I think uh, I never been UFC, and ever every place in the world people know about Cyborg. Ah, okay. And I never, I never had UFC in my back for make promotion for me, for make growing my name. Always I do grow my name by myself, fighting and the other events, of course. And I feel, I, I feel very blessed. I don't have to be UFC for people know me. People know me before I go to UFC. Of course, it didn't change because when I go to UFC. People will know more of me, but the, every place you go in the world, people, ah, you know, cyber, people know cyber. And this is making me feel okay. I'm doing great work, you know. People like my work, and I keep going, motivate me for getting better. That is a great point. Uh, you certainly haven't had their help, um, and I know a, a lot of your longtime fans are excited about this moment. Uh, again, thank you so much for the time, Chris. I really appreciate it. I wish you the best. Obrigado, as they say in Brazil. <laughs> Uh, I wish you the very yeah. best in the fight and, of course, with the weight cut. And, George, thank you as well. You're the man. I appreciate it. And, and I wish you guys the best uh, as far as all the training and the nutrition and, and the cutting weight and all that fun stuff is concerned. Looking forward to May 14. Thank you again to both of you. Thank you. I appreciate it, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you. There she is, Chris Cyborg, the newest member of the UFC's well, not quite bantamweight, not quite featherweight roster. And longtime fans of this program and other MMA media outlets will know that the, uh, the UFC and Zufa in particular, their parent company, has actually been paying uh, Cyborg for quite some time. A unique scenario in which Cyborg was fighting for another promotion, Invicta, who obviously appears on UFC Fight Pass. 
Um, but because she is a big name and a big draw, and perhaps because they didn't want her to fight for Bellator, they've actually been paying her. And now it's time to to make good. And this is a brilliant move. This is the way to go. This is the smart move. And 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 how about that bombshell from George Lockhart saying that uh, she cannot make 135 anymore. He has always been very um, he has always been very confident that she she could. Now he changes his tune and probably for the best and 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 for her health, of course. Um, in mind, that's 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 for the best, 100%. She shouldn't have to push herself. So I'm happy that they've relented, that they're making fun fights, and that she'll finally make her debut on May 14th. Okay, I have been trying for weeks, if not months, to get our next guest on the program. I have been working so hard for this, and I am so excited that we finally tracked him down. We are now being joined via the magic of Skype by the legend himself, the axe murderer, Vanderlei Silva. How about this? What an honor this is. Vanderlei, how are you? Very good, very good. Hello, how are you guys? Good? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for joining us. Where are you right now? I'm at my house in Brazil. Wow. Where in Brazil? In Curitiba. Curitiba, Curitiba in South. Yes. Curitiba. We were just talking Side to... Park City, this, the, the Shogun City, Rafael Cordero. I'm back to the Mecca. That is amazing. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, so, a, a very busy time for you. You're actually uh, fighting for Ryzen in what? Uh, 13 days, April 17th, in a, in a very unique fight. We have so much to talk to you about, but let's start with this one. It's it's a it's a tag team grappling match. Uh, again, exactly. Yeah. Explain. You you have not revealed your 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 teammate yet, right? Who is your teammate going to be? Going to be Tamura. I am Tamura against against uh, Sakuraba and Tokoro. And and where did they come up with this idea? This is a very unique thing. Explain how this all came about. Yeah, because uh, this, uh, I'm gonna fight on Sakuraba's. When Sakuraba is better, supposed to be, is better than me. Yeah. On jiu-jitsu. and I'm gonna fight MMA on June or July in in in, in Bellator. And I'm gonna, gonna maybe in September and raising. Wow! So you are all of a sudden a busy man. Yeah, yeah. Finally, I'm back to the to the business fight. This is my job. This is what I what I like to do. What I know to do. And I'm so happy to to back to the great events in the world. So um, you recently announced your retirement, and then you came out of retirement. Why did you initially say that you were done fighting? Why did you retire? I retired because I'm I'm not agree for. I'm not agree with the, the, the MMA situation, no, because I'm not I'm not happy anymore, and just take care of my take care of my take take off my I don't want to fight anymore. Mm. But after after I, I finish my 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 contract with the other event, uh, the, the, the UFA and, and, and Rise and Bellator offer a, a good situation for me. Can I decide back to the ring? Are we gonna look at how I feel? So I feel good. So I can do. Then so I can make a great show for my fans, because the the biggest challenge in our world is we we are one sport or we are one entertainment. Hmm. Because so we are a sport. We need to change a lot of things because we don't have one official ranking. When you know when you are, we feel who you're gonna fight, who is our next. Sometimes the number ten. Fight with the champs. Hmm. This is a show. This is not sport. Hmm. No, and I think the actors make more money. I think it's gonna be better for us. I wanted to be an entertainment man right now. When did things go wrong for you and, and and the UFC? Because it seemed like for a while you guys were cool, and then you you just you wanted to leave. 
When did that happen and why? I think I think it's, uh, something is like uh, going wrong, and I'm, I'm coming from the old school. When I talk direct to the manager, and I feel a little bit sad when he start talking some things about me. He he and he no no talking face to face to me in the bad moments. But that's the, the new moment in the sport. No, hmm. this is the professional thing. Maybe not his fault. Maybe no. But I don't like that. And when when you not feel happy more with your your boss, you need to change. Hmm. No, I, I I like I like I like him. He's a great guy. He changed the sport. I respect him a lot. And I need to say sorry. And I said I said I talk too much about him. Hmm. No, he's the boss. No, he paid the bills. He have the responsibility. But we finish our we finish our history, and now we're going to start the new history. And of course, you had the issue in Nevada. I've said on this show and many other shows that I, I, I I've long believed that you didn't deserve any punishment because you were never um, a licensed fighter. They didn't have the jurisdiction to ban you for life. Now they've made it a three year suspension. Um, do you still want to fight this? Do you still want to to, to to try to get this suspension lifted altogether? No, no, no because that commission will have it. Any, 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 any rules in, in me? Because no, no, I don't saw the rules when the guys tell, "Hey, happen this, that's the punishment." Happen this? No, these guys doing what these guys wanna do, and this is the past. I don't want. I, I don't care about these guys, and I don't respect what these guys doing. I don't like it. So you want to fight before that three-year period is up, right? You're hoping to fight, you know? Yeah, I, I'm gonna fight soon. I can. And because these guys don't have any rules against me, I don't sign nothing. I'm nothing. I'm not working for these guys. Sure. Long time. Yeah. Okay. Um. And and what about this? The whole thing. Did that contribute to your, um, your displeasure with the sport? Like with them giving you the lifetime ban? Is that why you said, you know what, I'm done with this. I don't want to deal with this anymore. Is that why you retired also? Yeah. Imagine somebody talking you can't do it. You can't do in your job anymore. Yeah. This this is who make that rules. Who who tell who can work and who can't work. Hmm. I, I I I have my son to feed. I have my wife to feed to give the food to make the food in my in my my in my in the mouth. No, and that and that's bad for for everybody. That commission no have any 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 credibility to talking about nobody. After the guys catch one fighter in the test, and in two months after the guys gonna hey ah we catch this guy in the test. Hmm. This 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 guy this guy be one 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 guy can not so famous is a one rules and for the famous guys is other rules. Hmm. I don't accept that. We need to make it one rules to everyone. It's them. Are you are you worried that other commissions in the United States might listen to them and not want to? allow you to fight in their state or are you confident that you'll be able to fight in the u.s as well i respect the rules no, yeah. when i have the, the when i have the commission with the credibility are we gonna respect are we gonna are we gonna respect okay um so is there a state or two in particular that you want to fight in when you fight in the u.s perhaps for bellator the true uh, i wanted to make the interesting fights yeah I think in Bellator, uh, one guy that we would love to fight is against Kimbo. Ah. Kimbo gonna be, and I don't think going to the ground. I want to, <laughs> I want to fight in his area. No, I want because wow. the truth. 
I wanted to make a good show. I wanted to make it. I want to make the, 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 the give the emotion to my fans. And when I can do that, I'm gonna do. When I can do, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really stop it. Uh, But right now, I feel good. Have you told this idea to Scott Coker, and what does he think of it? If so. No, not yet. Okay. He's going to know in your, in your, <laughs> in your show. Um, uh, what was it like when you met up with Scott? Why did you feel like, okay, this is someone I want to work for? What was that, that meeting like with him? No, he, him, I like what, what him and, and, and Mike doing. This yep. guy's talking with the, the, the board. Yeah. And, and words. And offer for me a really good money, more than what we received before in, in, in the other event. And I like the numbers, and and it's good for me, it's good for him, it's good for the fans. I'm gonna back. What about meeting up with uh, Sakaki Bara again in Japan, uh, a man who helped make you famous in Pride, and now you're back with him? What was that like to reunite with him? Did you ever think that would happen? This be great because him is a, is a great promoter. He respected the fighters. You know, talk any bad things about the fighters, and I feel really, really happy to back to fight for him again. Uh, why is this fight or this match on April 17th not an actual fight? Like, why are you doing the grappling first and then fighting? Why not just do the MMA stuff right off the bat? No, because the truth, I, I'm out for, I'm stopping to train and fight for close to three years. Uh -huh. And this happened fast. Yeah. No, and I have so much time to prepare myself. And I like to do my best. I like to make a good shows. And this is like one warm up to I'm back to the, to the ring. The true, I wanted to fight on the on the old pride rules. I want to kick the guys in the face <laughs> to the ground. So with that rules, I thinking I can I can fight with anyone. Wow. Um, okay, so that's what you're going to be doing when you fight. You're going to do MMA for them later on, right? Yeah, yeah. First one, are we going to do that? going to do that grappling, and after, are we going to back to the the X Games from the from the fights because that. That old school rules is the best for me. I love it. So you said you want Kimbo and Bellator. What about in Ryzen? Who comes to mind as, as an opponent? Anyone that you have now? Yeah, there, there are we gonna make one are we gonna make one the tournament. The first the first the first the first the first event gonna be September and the finish the event gonna be December. Wow. With two fights in, in, in the in the night. I wanna back to the to fight with the, 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 the tough things in the world. You're going to be a part of this tournament? Yeah, we're going to be part of this wow. tournament. And, and, and the rules for the, the tag team grappling match, what exactly, like, is it like pro wrestling where you tag in the guy? How does this work? No, the, 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 going to be like a jiu-jitsu yeah. grappling fight. I, I, I don't know if it's going to be one by one or two by two. I'm going to fight against two, no problem. <laughs> Grab the neck into one, the leg to the other. It's gonna be really interesting. I think the fans gonna like it. And this is like a the new moment of the of yeah. the Vanderlei Silva, and I hope I make my fans happy. How much did you miss fighting? Do you, do, you, do you really miss being out there in front of the people? Is this something that's bothering you that that you really need again? No, I I I missing a lot my fans because. When you wake up in the morning, you know, having not, no nothing to do. I do other things, but I like to train. I like to prepare myself. I like to have an opponent. I like to have my, 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 my life, my life fight. Mm. And I know, I know, I, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't do that for a couple of years more. I hope so. I feel good. I, I'm doing good in the training. I train with Andre Gida and Evolução 
tie here in Brazil, and I, 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 the young guys have a tough moment to <laughs> for me. Really? Wow. The Vanderlei Silva's back. He's still got it. What about Kings MMA? Are you training there as well for these fights? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to train at Kings MMA too. I trained with Verdun last week here in Curitiba. He came to promote his event here. And man, not too fun. <laughs> Verdun is in his best moment. I see, I see him. Wow. I saw him. He's great, man. I think he's going to be champ for a long time. I don't see anyone to take off his belt in that moment. So so now do you live full-time in Curitiba? No more Las Vegas for you or California? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I moved to here because Brazil, we, we live in, in, in the tough moment right now. Yeah. Because that that, that shirt is a, is a one judge here. Thomas Moro. Moro is a one judge here in Brazil. He put any the, the and put the corruption guys in the jail. Oh. And we, we, we tried to change the president. Because the, the situation here is terrible, 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 really? terrible. Too much corruption. The guys don't take don't take care about the the population. You know, a lot of guys lost the job. You know, and, and we, we 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 live in the one of the most bad moments in the history of Brazil. Wow. And I back to help our, 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 the population to try to change that moment and go into the new moment because we are in bad 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 moments. Did you always believe that you would fight again? Did you always believe that you would be free, or were you worried that your career would have been, you know, cut short and you wouldn't fight again? The truth, I think, when you when you are when you, como fala verdade, truth. Yeah. When 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 you tell the truth and you you are in the side of the truth, the truth gonna happen. No? Mm, mm. And I know I'm right. I know I know making the default too to the bed for what these guys tell. And I know I, I, I with the truth, and this makes me confident. I know you have a fantastic lawyer in, um, in, in Las Vegas, uh, Ross Goodman. Are, are you hoping that change will happen as far as the commissions are concerned, that they'll be able to free, you know, um, uh, not, not have the kind of impact on the fighters like what's happened with you, lifetime ban and three-year ban? Are you, are you hoping to spearhead that movement where you can change things a little bit with the commissions? I think I think the truth. Um, some some rules. These guys need to. We need to fix the commission's rules. Mm. We need to have the same rules to anyone. And the guy say, "Hey, you do that. This is gonna happen." Don't say, "Ah, happen this. Ah, for you is one year. For you is two year. For you is two year. Three years. For you is a lifetime." No, this is not. This is 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 is, is totally wrong. We need to have. The, the, the rules to everyone, the same rules. That's what we want. Do you, foresee, for do you foresee that happening? Do you foresee it changing? I think uh, you can repeat. Do, do, do you think that it will change the sport as far as the commissions and the way they, they put out the rules? Do you, are you confident that this will happen? Exactly. I, this is what we need. We, we need to saw the rules. We need to know the rules. And we need to, to look in. Can that rules is the same rules to everyone. Okay. Because it's impossible you catch one guy two months before the fight and say, hey, you can fight. Uh -huh. Ah, we catch him. Now he's on time. No, this is not, not, 
not good for anyone. Uh, what do you think it's going to be back, uh, be like back in, in Japan when you're with your fans there? It's been a while since you've been there. You've had great moments, even you know against Brian Stan. What do you, how do you think it's going to be like for you? It's going to be great. I, I feel so happy to back to Japan to fight in Japan again. And the true when I fight there, I feel difference. I feel the energy. I feel inspiration from the fans. And I'm, I, I hope. Uh, I feel I'm gonna back to the one of the great moments in my in my life. Has there been any talk of you versus Fedor? Yeah, I hope I can fight against Fedor soon. Soon, we're gonna fight a couple couple guys before, of course. But I will love, I respect him, I like him. But the truth, I would like to test myself against him. Wow. I don't know why when I am the best moment in my life. And he's in his best moment. I don't know why these guys don't make this fight happen. Yeah. These guys never offer this fight for me. Never. And the other day, I think, why these guys don't make this fight when I am champion and he's champion? No, but we can do now. No problem. I, 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 think, I think it's going to be really interesting to, to the fans. Okay, two last quick things. And again, obrigado. Thank you so much for the time. <laughs> when do you think you'll make your debut for Bellator? Do you know yet? Do you know the month, the date? I think maybe in June or July. I wow. Think so. Oh, wow. So this is happening. Soon, soon. It's going to happen. And it's going to be great because I think in Bellator, I be in Bellator when, when Shenrock fights against Kimball, against, against Shenrock. Yeah. And I like, I like the event. I like the production. These guys make a really good job. And the guys treat, right now, the guys treat me very well. With the respect, with a good morning, and I hope this I help these organizations to grow because you, you, the FC, the the moment is the biggest, but we need the, the competition. The competition is good. We need to have the others, the other, the other options to the fighters. Mm. No, because you are not happy in one event, you can fight in the other because, because, because. The competition is good, yeah. Uh, because the, the goal is we we, we make it a better situation to the fighters. No, I hope the guys uh, the guys have more opportunity to fight and and, and feed his feed his families. Right. And to be clear, you don't have your opponent yet, though, for the debut, right? You don't know who you're fighting yet. No, not not, not yet. Okay. But uh, I'm I'm open to fight to anyone for okay. me. Uh, the axe murder. <laughs> I think it's interesting to the fans. It's interesting for me. All right. We'll leave it at that. Uh, April 17th, you make your long-awaited return to MMA. Um, congratulations on coming back and all these exciting things happening for you. And Vanderlei, again, thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate it. And thank you to your <laughs> lovely wife, T, for hooking this up. I appreciate her as well. Uh, good luck sure. to you, and we'll talk to you soon, Vanderlei. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye. There he is. Obrigado to the axe murderer, Vanderlei Silva. Um, wow, exciting stuff there to talk to him after all this time. It has been a while. And to, to, um, to recap, Kiyoshi Tamura will be the tag team partner for one Vanderlei Silva. This is April 17th, Ryzen 2. Kazushi Sakuraba and Hideo Tokoro will be on the other side of the coin. Uh, a fascinating <laughs> a, a tag team grappling match. Only in Japan. 
the first time since December of 2008 that the 46-year-old Tamura will actually be in action. So coming out of retirement himself, the legend in Japan, Kiyoshi Tamura and Vanderlei Silva teaming up against Kazushi Sakuraba and Hideo Tokoro. Of course, also on that card, uh, Darren Cruikshank will be competing. Recently released by the UFC, uh, now a member of Ryzen. I think a lot of people did not see that one coming as well. So interesting times over there. And as he mentioned, he will be uh, competing, hopefully, for Bellator in the not-too-distant future. Uh, interesting things about, I've said it uh, time and again, that, uh, look, this is, this is, you know, to me, it, it, it's pretty clear. And I've had a chance to talk to Ross Goodman, his, his lawyer, in Las Vegas on, on a few occasions. It's pretty clear, in my opinion, that he should not have received that lifetime ban. And then he gets a three-year suspension, which is interesting because Chael Sonnen, remember, he was supposed to fight Chael Sonnen. They have the press conference. Um, they do the random drug tests. Chael failed his. Vanderlei did not take the test. And then it comes out that Vanderlei wasn't a licensed fighter. And it clearly states in the Nevada Athletic Commission statute that they have jurisdiction over licensed fighters. And this issue came up when they asked Vitor Belfort for a random drug test. Remember that at the MMA Awards? They asked Vitor Belfort for a random drug test, and then they realized that he was not a licensed fighter. Every year, in case you don't know, every year a fighter has to apply for a license in Nevada. It doesn't just last forever. It doesn't last five years like a, a, a driver's license. It doesn't last you know, uh, five years like a passport. It's, it's every year. And if you don't fight there for a couple of years, you, you, don't have, um, you don't have the need to do it. You don't have the need to sign up for it. You don't have the need to apply for a license. So it, it, it just so happened that Vandalay had not applied for a license in the state of Nevada and, and had not been active there. So when they asked him for this random drug test, I'm not sure if they knew this or not, but he was actually not a licensed fighter. Now, he did admit to taking or to, to having ingested some diuretics, which are actually, um, they are banned in their own right, but that would not lead to a lifetime ban or even a three-year suspension. Initially, they gave him the lifetime ban for running away. His team maintained that he was not a licensed fighter, so he did not have to take the test. A very smart move on his legal team's part. And then after they gave him the lifetime ban, they fought it. Um, a, a superior court said that you know that it was uh, arbitrary and capricious the the suspension the lifetime suspension given the lifetime ban to be more exact given to Vanderlei Silva so they did the hearing again after several several delays and they came up with three years which I still think is too much when you consider the fact that Chael Sonnen with all due respect failed two tests and he's free to fight this summer I believe July 23rd is when his suspension is up so why is Vanderlei getting the three-year suspension very strange, right? Well, um, he had his issues with the UFC. Uh, he said he wanted to retire. He made some some claims um, about them that he later on retracted, which were, was obviously the right thing to do. Um, and they parted ways somewhat amicably, I guess you can say. Uh, and, and recently he signed with Bellator, and now it appears as though he is going to try to, uh, as we 
someone predicted earlier, going to try to fight before that three-year suspension is up, saying, look, they had no jurisdiction over me. I didn't sign anything. I was not a licensed fighter. How can they stop me from making a living? So first things first for Vanderlei Silva. It's April 17th in Japan, returning to the scene of his many great moments, um, teaming up with Nobuyuki Sakakibara, the former head of Pride, and uh, this is uh, this is sort of a uh, a homecoming, if you will, for Vanderlei. And then later on in the future, he will be competing, hopefully, for his sake, for Pride. Um, excuse me, Pride, Bellator, I should say. Old habits, die hard. Bellator, of course, now teaming up with Scott Coker and his crew. And, and thanks to them for helping me track down Vanderlei. I, I really appreciate it. A hard man to track down. And like I said, thank you very much to his wife, his wonderful wife, T, for that as well. Uh, in a minute, we are going to be joined by John Jones. He was on the program uh, last week, as you can remember. Um, it was a fascinating interview because he came on the show to tell the world that he had been pulled over by the police, which is uh, a very rare thing. And again, I give him credit for it. I, I know some people want to dismiss that, but it takes a lot. Uh, whether it was it was you know put together by a PR team, it was a strategy or not, it takes a lot to tell the world this. And that, of course, led to the snowball effect where the video came out and 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 then he, and then he was arrested on Tuesday, and he was uh, put in jail for two days. Could not see a judge for um, for two days. He was unable to get on the docket on Wednesday. Oh, okay, <laughs> Guillermo telling me that uh, that his wife name that that Vandalay's wife's name is Taya. Excuse me, uh, I didn't mean to mispronounce that. Anyway, uh, it all worked out for John as of Thursday, free and clear, and we all thought, okay, great. Um, we are going to see this fight. This is the fight that the world has been wanting to see. I've been saying for some time that this rematch is fun. It's so great. There's so many great storylines. It's amazing. We're going to get to see Cormier versus Jones with Cormier as champion and all that stuff. Well, a, a funny thing happened. And as I said at the top of the show, um, what, what a crazy week in the sport it was. A funny thing happens on Friday. Uh, news leaks via BJPenn.com of all websites. And um, on April 4th, Fool's Day, no less, which made it very strange. And I, I reiterate to people once again, I would never, ever in a million years, ever in a million years, ever, again, I'll say it, um, I, I would never, ever do an April Fool's joke. Uh, as far as news is concerned, no way. Um, I, I cannot lose that trust. If I did that, you can you can unfollow me. You can uh, give me the FU. You can say that you're never going to listen to or, to or believe anything that I say. No, I, I, a news person should never do an April Fool's joke. It's just ridiculous. And I couldn't believe how many people were actually asking me if I was pulling an April Fool's joke. First of all, why would anyone do an April Fool's joke at, you know, what was it, 11 p.m. at night? Come on now. No one's doing that. The day is gone. The day has passed. And there were some pretty bad ones. Yes, Alexander Gustafson has not retired uh, yes, Neil Magny, who did sign a new contract with the UFC, is not getting a title shot next. There were some ones, and, and you always kind of have to predict anything. Although I will say, the, the Gustafson one, that was written nicely. They put it together. It's clear that they, they thought of this. Um, when it wasn't just some, some thing that they put together, you know, randomly. But April Fool's, when it's coming from a fighter and not a news site, typically don't believe it. There are some quote-unquote news sites that will do it uh not this one not me i'm not going to do it so please don't ask that question again it's never going to happen anyway it comes out on friday cormier is out and then uh for the next 
I don't know, 18 hours or so, there's this constant stream of information coming out about who is going to fight John Jones. First, it's, will he fight? He puts out a video. Yes, I will fight. Uh, it will either be at light heavyweight or heavyweight. He was saying, you know, I'm down for whatever. Uh, then I was told that Anthony Johnson was the, the top choice. That's who they went to first. And, of course, that's the most obvious candidate. Unfortunately for Anthony Johnson, he just recently had a procedure done uh, on his mouth, and he's not allowed to bite down on his, um, his, his mouth guard for several weeks. So that ruled him out, unfortunately. What timing? Of course, how could he have predicted this? Got to do what you got to do. And to a degree, he probably wanted that full training camp. This is a very important fight. If he loses to John Jones, then he is uh, now down one to Jones and to Daniel Cormier, um, which is not a great spot to be in. So Anthony Johnson ruled out, and it really came down to from everything that I heard. And and by the way, I was I was updating this as I was at the park, and then the the Natural Museum of History, I think it is, on the Upper West Side in New York. Like this this was my Saturday. Um, as I was trying to, you know, get ahead of this story and 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 update all of you, this is what I was doing. I kind of felt horrible that I was completely ignoring my family. Um, but once again, the the glamorous life of an MMA um, journalist. Um, so so it went from Anthony, then then OSP was discussed, Rashad Evans seriously discussed, and in the end they went with o- OSP. And I know Mark Hunt threw something out there. It was a little too late. Uh, they had already settled on OSP, and I know that. Um, Heavyweight was thrown out initially by John, but that, from what I understand, was never really considered. They wanted the the light heavyweight fight. They wanted the interim title fight. They wanted him to main event, UFC 197. And how about Demetrius Johnson, by the way, who once again is in the co-main event of a, of a big card and then has to deal with something like this. Now, luckily for him, he and that's why I thought this scenario was so great. He got to play second fiddle to Jones and Cormier, and and the questions about him headlining and his drawing power and the flyweights, all that stuff, all went out the window. And then for a second there, we thought that he was going to have to main event again. Well, it, it works out in his favor. John remains on the card, and we get to see the great story of you know, as I called him last week, and we'll continue to call him the greatest of all time, returning in a somewhat you know. I don't want to call it a tune-up fight, but this sort of special attraction fight, if you will. And he's fighting for the interim belt. And how weird is this scenario? Uh, John Jones, who was the champion as of you know April or early May, I should say, um, gets his belt taken away from him, and and now he returns. He was going to fight the guy who ended up winning the belt, the you know the vacant title, and now he's fighting for the interim title. The interim champion, in a weird way is still the lineal champion, if I got all of this correctly. It's, it's a very strange scenario, and, and, and one, uh, once again, with the interim titles, Frankie Edgar, Jose Aldo, uh, these interim belts. I, I get it in this case. Like, John Jones should probably be fighting for the belt. Um, I mean, that, that obviously makes sense. He was the champion beforehand. It's just who, who could have ever predicted that he'd be fighting for the interim title against OSP? What a strange and wacky sport that this is. It's... it's you can't, you can't predict these things. Bizarre. So like I said, in a minute, we are going to be uh, joined, hopefully, by John Jones. And then after that, we'll be joined by Mike Wilkinson. And uh, he has some news to share with us as well. And then we will get to your questions and comments, as I said at the top of the show. A bit of a, a postscript, an FAQ, if you will, on uh, everything that we talked about last week regarding... Um, 
uh, Fox, and uh, there's a lot, obviously, to discuss regarding UFC 200, and there's also a, a, a show this Sunday that has somewhat flown under the radar, not the deepest card of all time, but certainly a very interesting and important main event between Junior Dos Santos and Ben Rothwell. Uh, hard to deny Ben Rothwell a shot at the belt if he wins this fight. Uh, he's coming off a win over Josh Barnett. He submitted Josh Barnett the first time that that has ever happened to Josh Barnett. That was back in January. And now here he is fighting the former champion, Junior Dos Santos. That is a Sunday afternoon card, a very unique one in Zagreb, Croatia. And that airs live on FS1 this Sunday. Uh, the co-main, if you will, if you want to call it that, the uh, heavyweight fight between Derek Lewis and Gabriel Gonzaga serving as the co-main I, I would expect, I still feel like that Derek Lewis-Roy Nelson fight is going to happen, especially if he wins. I think Derek Lewis, if he wins this fight against Gabriel Gonzaga, could probably get uh, Roy Nelson first. Remember, there was that video that emerged following, um, you know, actually in the midst of, what was it, 196, where Roy Nelson and Derek Lewis actually shook hands, and Dana White was there. It seemed like they had come to some sort of agreement as to uh, you know when and, and where and why. And, like It just seemed like everyone... Was, uh, was on board with this idea, and then uh, an injury happened. Derek Lewis takes a fight on short notice. I don't know if any of you follow Derek Lewis, by the way, on Twitter, but he, <laughs> very different than his uh, public persona, than, than the way, uh, sort of like Stipe Miocic, but in a different way. He, he tweeted out some pictures of him um, uh, dropping off some kids at the pool, if you get what I'm saying without being too graphic, saying that this is the way he cuts weight. I did not expect that from Derek Lewis, a very uh, entertaining follow in the world of mixed martial arts. Um, so anyway, he's back in action, and then the schedule ramps up once again. Um, April 16th in Tampa Bay, the Fox show, headlined by Khabib Nurmagomedov and Tony Ferguson, and then, of course, UFC 197, now headlined by John Jones versus uh, Ovin St. Preux. Uh, while I have this quick break, I do want to uh, give a shout-out to our good pal Paige Van Zandt, who joined us in studio the day before the news came out that she would be joining Dancing with the Stars. She has been killing it on Dancing with the Stars. Uh, I mean, it's actually been downright inspiring to watch her do what she's doing. And I know that she has a background in, 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 in dancing, but uh, she has absolutely been killing it. And I think that she is going to really, really, um, she, she is really going to see her star rise when this is all said and done. If you have not been watching the last two weeks, she has been doing great. And I'm told, it's every Monday that she competes. Last week, her, 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 her partner had a, uh, an injury and she had to go a short note, a very crazy thing. Anyway, uh, I'm told that tonight, uh, her, her plan is to pay homage to the great sport of mixed martial arts. That is the plan tonight. Uh, so if you are a fan of Paige Van Zandt, um, if you are a fan of Dancing with the Stars, if you are a fan of both and MMA, then watch tonight and support her. I think it's a pretty damn cool thing, and it could coincide very nicely with uh, UFC 200. You had to expect at some point that she was going to uh, link the two and and obviously, you know, get people in her world excited about her and, and voting for her. If you look at the videos, I actually went on the Dancing with the Stars uh, YouTube channel, her videos have like double, triple all the other videos, the ones of her dancing. So clearly the MMA fans are interested in this story. And um, yeah, I, I, I almost feel like it's not fair. She's, she's, she's an actual dancer. And she's competing with, uh, with a partner on short notice. And, they're, and they're, they're, they're in unison like that. It's great. So I'm curious. I, I don't know exactly what 
the deal is, but uh, I am told tonight she is paying homage to the sport of MMA. So it appears as though there's going to be some kind of MMA theme, I would guess, from that. I think the show airs at uh, 8 o'clock on, uh, on ABC. I used to watch it. I watched a little bit when Chuck Liddell was on. It's fun. It kind of it kind of makes you feel like wow, Doug Flutie. Seeing Doug Flutie at his age, and I'm sure banged up and everything in that tank top. Damn, Flutie, the man, former Buffalo Bill quarterback, former uh, CFL legend, Canadian Football League legend. Seeing him dance like that is is pretty damn amazing. And of course, who can forget the great Jody Sweeten of uh, Fuller House? I have not seen the new Full House. I don't know if anyone else has seen it but she is on that show as well. Anyhow, if you want to support Paige Van Zandt, uh, I, I, I suggest watching or at least voting for her tonight. I think that would be a very cool thing, especially as she you know, has a, some sort of MMA plan going on. I'm curious to see what that is. If not, we'll probably have the videos up shortly thereafter on MMAfighting.com. Okay. Let's go to John Jones. A week after we spoke to him, he is back on the show, back to back. This is very exciting. John, are you there? John Jones, are you there? Yeah, what's up, Ariel? Hey, John, long time no speak. Yeah, I know. Well, thank you again for joining us. I, I really appreciate it. Um, it's uh, you know, it's been a very interesting time for you, and and coming back to back. Wow, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna get I'm gonna feel a little spoiled here, and almost expect this out of you that you're gonna be joining us every week on the show. Is that wrong on my part? Ariel, whatever you want, you're that guy. Oh wow, I am honored. Um, okay, well, well, let's talk about this. So much has changed since we last spoke to you. Let's talk about the new news first. You're fighting Ovin St. Pru. We know this. April 23rd, interim title. Did it take a lot of convincing on anyone's part to get you to take this fight on three weeks' notice, or were you down right away? Um, I was, I was, uh, you know, originally the UFC called me and asked me to fight Anthony Johnson, and um, they said that he had already accepted the fight, and they asked me if I was going to accept the fight, and uh, I told them I needed to have a meeting with my coaches, and, um, I had a meeting with my coach, and uh, the next morning, um, the next morning I called the UFC and said, hey, let's do this thing. And um, they said that Anthony Camp changed their mind, I guess, because he had some dental work he needs to do. So that made no sense to me whatsoever. Um, for him to be ready at one point, and then the next minute there was some dental work. Hmm. So I just told Dana, well, listen, you know, I told Lorenzo, actually, um, you know, whoever, whoever you need me to fight, you know, I want to make things right from UFC 151, and, you know, I you know, I want to do something for, for my fans, you know, something positive. Um, you know, I know people who have been saving up for months to make it out to Vegas for the fight. I know guys who... This is their anniversary gift, and this is, you know, birthday gifts for some people. And I was just like, you know, I have to put my fans through so much already. I need to get out there and just put it on the line. Um, and so I, I said, I'll fight anybody. And they came up with a uh, whole 
And and you just said yes. You, you you were sticking true to that word that you'll fight anyone. You didn't even think twice. You just said yes right away. Oh, what happened? Are you there, John? What that was? Who's there? I don't know. Maybe someone's vacuuming. Um, I don't know if you heard me there, but uh, so so when they said, "Oh, Vince," you just said yes. No no questions asked. Yeah, yeah, said yes. No hesitation. Okay. Than anyone. Uh, what was your yeah. what was your reaction when you heard that after all this that DC uh, was not going to be able to fight? What, what, how did you react to that news? How did you take it in? You know, it hurt. It hurt. At, at first, I, I had a feeling of sadness um, because of how hard me and my coaches have been working. You know, how hard me and my coaches have been working. You know, everything that, that I have been doing was to beat D.C. Every position, every move, every every zig, every zag, every reaction, every counter, it was for D.C. Um, my, my defense is my, you know, everything was for D.C. For D.C. and... Um, and, you know, I'm sure my coaches are really excited to have a, you know, champion in the gym again. And I have some new trainers and new people in my life who I will be their first world champion athlete that they're trained for their resume and stuff like that. So I was just, I was excited just to make a lot of people proud. And for that to be postponed, you know, I was more sad for the people around me than I was for myself. Um, but then again, I'm, I'm a person who I'm very optimistic and, you know, I, I try to take negatives and, and make it work out for my good. And so I said, you know, man, God has a plan, and, and maybe I wasn't meant to fight D.C. right now. Maybe I was meant to, to fight someone else. So um, so I, I'm, I'm not questioning the way things worked out. I'm just rolling with it. And um, I want to make the best out of this opportunity. And, and, and so you talk about that belt. I have performance. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, you you mentioned that belt and what it means. Does the interim belt do the trick? Does does that will that mean anything to you if you if you get it back? You know, if you get that interim belt, a kind of a weird situation as I talked about before. You joined us. You were the champ. It was taken away. Now you're fighting for the interim belt. Will that feel like uh, an accomplishment to you at all? You know, initially I felt that I didn't care about an interim title. You know, in my heart, I feel as if I'm a champion. You know, I know that I'm a champion, you know, the things I've been able to do in my career. You know, if I were to never fight again, I, I would be able to tell my kids and grandkids that, that you know, I was a champion and I'm a champion. But I feel like a champion. Um, so when I was offered the interim title, it, it really didn't do much for me the way it would probably do most. I want the actual thing back. Um, that, was my, that was my first feeling, like, oh, what do you do an interim title? Um, and then I started to think about it, and I thought, you know what? Um, you know, it, it'll, it'll make a lot of people proud. You know, a lot of people proud to see me with the belt, even if it's the interim title. And, you know, it, it'll just be something really positive surrounding me. And, um, you know, Is there a silver lining here? Is it perhaps because you've been away for so long that you get to fight? Like, you, you know, you, you know how it is. The odds makers have you listed as a huge favorite now. 
Um, you know, he's not ranked near you. I believe he's six or seven at the moment. You know, uh, DC earlier in, in the show called this kind of like an old-fashioned tune-up fight, and maybe that's not the worst thing um, considering the layoff. Do you view it that way as well? No, I don't look at this as a tune-up fight. You know, I felt, I felt pretty tuned up fighting, uh, you know, all these upsides I have here at practice. I feel ready to go. Um, you know, to look at all this as a tune-up fight would just be disrespectful to all this, and, and I'm not... I'm not trying to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, I, I think when when you fight someone who is such an underdog, you know, I think they're more dangerous than ever. The guy has absolutely nothing to lose. Um, so I want to treat him not as a tuna fight, but as another fight. Somebody who's uh, who has his own story, who has hunger and his own ambition and you know, he has an opportunity of a lifetime, so I want to treat him out really, really seriously and uh, look at, you know, myself playing another top guy in the world, treat him with the respect he deserves, give him all I got. Um, of course, I'd be remiss if I don't ask you about last week. Uh, what, what was going through your mind, John, when you were behind bars just a couple of days after all this happens? You didn't expect it, obviously. You told us on the show you know, mentally, how, how are you dealing with everything, and, and how are you mentally? A lot of people are, are thinking, like, what what do, what do you? How are you moving on from this? How are you dealing with all of this after what happened to you? Uh, a very a very unique thing to happen three weeks out before a fight. Well, I, I just can't stop thinking about my my boyfriend. I left back there in that cell, and we had some really good times together in those short few days. So, so yeah, it's kind of sad. I wrote him. He hasn't wrote me back yet, so I'm just hoping he got my letter. <laughs> um, so clearly, no sweat. No, man. Um, you know what? It was um, it was uh, it was an opportunity to be rehumbled. You know, to you know, you know, it honestly made me think about some of the things that I've earned. You know, my my home and just my bed mattress and my beautiful fiance and. My kids, you know, it just, it made me really think about how blessed I am and uh, made me more grateful than ever, you know, to to be, to have freedom, to be famous and like, you know, all all this stuff, man, you know, uh, you know, things that, we, that I take for granted, things that sometimes, you know, I just thought to myself, man, I'm sitting here in a jail cell eating ramen noodles. You know, eating the worst food ever. Twenty-three hour lockdown. Um, it was just like, man, what a different way to live. You know, just to go from you know having so much to just. You know, I remember a guy gave me a pen and paper, um, and I remember feeling so grateful for such a simple thing, pen and paper. I was just like, dude, thank you so much. You know, it was just like, you know, it was it was for a reason, man. It was for a reason, man. I think, I think, uh, I think God has a plan for me, and uh, and you know, uh, he was just maybe I needed more humbling. I don't know. I mean, it definitely did that. It definitely, definitely made me more humble than ever. You know, you know, I said I saw things like you know the opportunity that that I have to compete in the UFC in front of the whole world, and. Uh, 
how much of a special thing that really is, how my life could be so different. You know, and it's just, I just thought about these things. And, uh, yeah, you know, you know, I, I took a lot of positives from it, to be honest with you. A lot of time to reflect on what a blessing it is to be in this sport and in my position. And, you know, I'm more grateful than, for, more grateful than ever. Your coach, uh, Greg Jackson, told us a couple hours ago that you now have a full-time driver. Um, I just wanted to know if that was accurate, and, and, and if so, are you confident that the issues are gone, that you won't have these issues anymore? Yeah, I, you know, right now I have a nutrition here. Shout out to nutrition. You can check him out on Instagram. Great meals, weight special, weight management specialist. Um, I have him here, and... Uh, He's uh, he's driving me in between every practice and you know all day, even at night now, and um, and you know I, I figure you know you know I take getting in trouble out of the police's hands by simply not driving. I'm starting to realize that. You know, if you look at my you look at the things that's happened throughout my career, I've never gotten in a street fight or like or like nothing crazy, you know, it's always been something behind the wheel. Um, and so, you know, simply not driving. I'm pretty positive that there won't be any issues uh, coming up in my life, especially, you know, sobriety as well. You know, I've, I've felt some drug tests in the past, and, um, and I've gotten some, you know, traffic issues in the past. So now that I'm sober, now that I'm, you know, just not going to drive anymore for a while, uh, I think we're going to be good. Not sure if you heard this, John. Uh, a, a little wacky development happen, happened on the show today. Uh, Daniel Cormier extended an invitation to OSP to come to San Jose to train with him and the team to prepare for you to help. He wanted to help him beat you. And then later on, OSP respectfully declined the invitation. I'm just curious what you think about it. I mean, it, uh, most people are expecting you at some point to meet Daniel in the near future. What are your thoughts on this invitation? Daniel, Daniel is a... Uh... Daniel is an absolute power who who will never beat me. And I say that not from an arrogant place. I say that from a place where where me getting my belt back means it means it means everything to me. I represent it with that belt right now with as a big part of my life. It means everything to me. You know, me losing to OSP should be the last thing that he would want. Because if I were to somehow lose, that means he doesn't get to revenge his only loss. Him inviting OSP to his training camp shows me uh, that he's so grateful that he's not fighting me in three weeks. That he's so grateful that he gets to have one more family photo op with that belt. Um... Because he knows he's not going to beat me, especially now with a knee injury. You know, he's going to be nursing his knee to get back to 100%. I'm going to just be getting stronger, better, faster, and more rehearsed in my game plan to beat him. So, so Daniel, man, he's a, he's a mental midget. I'm not worried about Daniel. Obviously, him inviting OSP shows. But he's so lucky he'll be watching from the sidelines and not actually in that cage with me. Um, you put out the tweet saying, you know, you don't wish injuries upon anyone. 
Um, and you said, kind of like what you just said now, enjoy the belt. And then I, I was sleep. I go to sleep at like nine o'clock, but there, there was some talk that you put out another tweet late at night saying, you know, so much for willing to die. But then you took it down. Right. Was that you, I John? I thought it was funny. I actually, I actually stole that from a fan. One of my, uh, <laughs> one of my Instagram followers wrote that uh, on my, uh, on my uh, wall. Hey, what about Daniel being willing to die to, to beat you? And now he's uh, sitting out because of a knee. And, and like I said, I don't wish injuries upon anybody. I, you know, it's unfortunate that he's hurt. Um, but then again, I, I hear that his knee will be recovered in four weeks. So how bad is it? You know, and if you're willing to die to beat me, and, and you know, it's like, I don't know. I don't know. Obviously, Daniel knows fighting me, not at 100%, not a good idea. Um, and I don't want him to have any excuses for why he loses the second time. So let him take his time off. Like I said, let him get his family together, go down, get some more photos done, hang over there, the chimney or whatever, because he knows this belt is going to be back around my waist really soon. Might as well go do some autograph signings, bring the belt with him, do some seminars at the champ. Because all this shit's going to be over for him real soon. Do you have a plan in place, John? Do you, do you, do you feel like, okay, April 23rd, I'll fight this, then maybe uh, UFC 200, we can have that massive fight, and it's a big stage. Like, do you, Have you sort of planned out how you want things to go here? Well, I, I would absolutely be honored. Like, um, you know, if, I, if I don't have any injuries you know, after this fight, I'll be honored to fight at UFC 100 or uh, the first fight in New York against Dan Cormier. Mm. Trying to get in there, get this done as soon as possible. Like I said, I've, everything I've done has been has been for beating Daniel. So I'm, I'm trying to hurry up and get this fight with him while while I'm still uh, just so well trained for him. Do you want the next fight after OSP to be Daniel, or are you open? Like if he's out for an extent, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. You're you're not going to do anything else. Uh, I'm not gonna say that. I mean, if if he if he pulls another stunt, well, I won't I won't say he pulls a stunt. If if he's not recovered, um, and if, if it takes an extreme long time, then obviously I'll entertain another fight. Um, but I would like to fight Daniel as soon as possible. You know, right now I feel like I'm the best fight heavyweight on the planet. You know, that's why I told Dana that hey, I'll you know, I'll fight whoever. Um, and that's when me and my coaches talk about hey, John, if you're the best in the world, and if you believe it in your heart. If you believe that it's your time, that, that this is your story, and that other light heavyweights are living in it, you know, then go out there and prove it. Go out there and be that guy. Go be the best in the world. You're going to fight them all anyway. So so that's the way we feel. So like I said, if I have to, you know, most people look at this fight with OSP as a risk. You know, why risk your immediate title shot? Why risk? And I'm risking it because I feel like I'm the best. And uh, so fight anybody, but I would much rather fight Daniel Cormier and sit him down for good once and for all, sit him behind that commentary desk. We're next to you, Ariel, on your show. <laughs> How cool would uh, that be? Uh, you know, I, I, I like to see him fight. I, I want to see the fight as well, so I don't want to see him uh, retire or anything like that. Uh, that's the fight. You know, it would okay. be somewhat... It would be strange if you remember way back in the day I, I said to you that you, you needed a Frazier to Ali. Could you imagine if the first main event at MSG where Frazier Ali won was made famous back March 8th of 1971, if it is you versus Daniel Cormier. That, that'd be kind of weird, right? Almost like I, I predicted it. No, you know, <laughs> did Frazier end up beating Ali once? Uh, yeah, he did. 
Yeah, so we're not. We're, me and Daniel won't will never be Frazier and Ali. Fair we'll enough. See whoever Ali just beat twice or three times or whatever. Fair enough. Um, last question, John. And again, I really appreciate this. I know you're you're very busy and you've been talking to a lot of people today. So this means the world. Thank you. Um, have you been able? I, I know your. Fo- I saw a great Instagram of you and your team. Izzy Martinez was there. Brandon Gibson. You guys are all taking down notes. You got your your nice haircut. The beard is flowing. Um, like it has in the past, but have you been able to take a step back in all of this and, and look at what the last year and a half has been like and just be like, wow, one day, if this all goes to plan, this is just the craziest roller coaster ever uh, to a fight, between two yeah. fights. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Are you cognizant of what's going on? And are, are you are you tired yeah. of the roller coaster? Do you want it to end? Do you want to just go on like a, a, a lazy river type of ride? Like I'm wondering if you're just the kind of guy who takes a step back and just looks at everything and being like, wow, this is this is craziness and how you, you know, how you feel yeah. about it all. You know, at the end of the day, I'm, uh, I have grown so much, man. And, and for that, you know, I, I'm grateful and I'm blessed to, to be so alive, you know, the good and the bad, you know, I mean, I mean, to be, be in this position to be scrutinized and judged by, by millions of people. And, um, and to mess up in front of millions of people, you know, it, it's freeing in a way. Um, you know, it, it, it helps you just, just, just grow and to, and to learn to just be strong in your own skin and be strong and comfortable in who you are. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just an interesting place to be in, you know, to be me right now. Um, you know, so much, so much to be grateful for. Um, so much to be appreciative for. You know, it's uh, I just take it. I just, I, I just, I've grown so much, man. I feel more mature than ever right now. I feel more like a man than ever right now. You know, I've, I'm, I've really developed a lot just from being in the positions and predicaments that I've been in. Um, just more comfortable in my own skin and things like that. So, um. You know, you know, it's a great place to be in, man. Just, just I feel so alive, and, and I've learned to just to take the good with the bad, and to to realize that you know bad times are good for your development. You know, be willing to to listen and to pay attention to what's happening in your life and, and make appropriate changes and things like that. So. So, man, I, and I also know at the end of the day, there's always light at the end of the tunnel. You know, as long as you have a positive outlook on life and positive outlook on yourself and, and you're not willing to quit, despite how rocky things get, you know, that things are going to, uh, there's all, things are going to get better. There's always going to be, you know, a, a better day, sunshine the next day, you know. So through everything I've been through, you know, to win these fights, man, to win my next fight, you know, to get my belt back, you know, to continue trying to, to do better. Um, it's going to be that much better, be that much more glory because of all the help that I've gone through. So um, I'm just being patient. You know, I'm just being resilient. I'm just remaining unbroken. And uh, my day's going to come, you know, sunshine's going to come. We will leave it at that. John, again, thank you. I, I hope for uh, a smooth ride. 
to April 23rd. Everything goes well. Uh, uh, maybe a, a little more boring week than the previous week. Uh, I wish you the best, man. And uh, and really, I thank you for coming on. Uh, it means a lot, and it's great to talk well, to you, and it's great well, to hear. Right. No point intended. What's No, no, no pun intended, my man. Uh, <laughs> smooth sailing. How about that? You're not much of a sailor, are you? I hope that don't run Brown. What's that? For the fight. So hopefully I don't run into Officer Brown again before the fight. Amen to that. And uh, everything goes well, and we look forward to seeing you in action on uh, April 23rd. Again, John, all the best. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, take care, brother. Take all care. right. There he is, John Jones. Great to hear from him, uh, as always, and certainly some interesting comments from him about the entire situation. Can't thank him and his team enough for coming on two weeks in a row. That is a very rare thing. Do not get used to that, my friends. Uh, not a guy that we have had often on this show, and certainly not one who is easy to track down. So a very, very, um, a very big thank you to his team for, and of course, John, for coming on two weeks in a row. Now, the UFC and USADA have just uh, officially broken the news that Yoel Romero, uh, who we reported on earlier this morning, I reported that according to sources, would be receiving less than the nine-month suspension that was originally discussed between him and USADA. Remember, he was on this program, talked about how he took a tainted supplement, and what's going on here? Uh, talked about how he took a, uh, a tainted supplement, and his team, Malki Kawa's manager, believed that he did not deserve any kind of punishment, or at least maybe a slap on the wrist, a public warning, if you will. Well, the nine-month suspension that they discussed, uh, they could not agree on, so they were going to go to arbitration. He was going to become the first UFC fighter to officially appeal uh, a suspension, a two-year suspension from USADA. And then early this morning, I officially confirmed that he was going to get less than a nine-month suspension. Well, USADA has now officially announced that he is getting a six-month suspension, meaning he is free to fight July 12th. He received word that he was provisionally suspended January 12th, so he gets a six-month suspension now, meaning he is free to fight July 12th. A great turn of events for Yoel Romero and and, 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 and hopefully some hope for others who feel like they have been wrong, uh, that there is, there is some wiggle room there. Now, I have received an exclusive statement from Yoel Romero, which I would like to read now about this matter, and then we will get to our final guest of the day. Here it is, quote, and I should remind you that this statement was originally said in Spanish and then translated into English. Of course, we know that UL is uh, fluent in, in Spanish. He's learning his English, but not to this point. So here it is, quote, I would like to thank my family, friends, teammates, and fans for sticking by me through this ordeal. With that said, yesterday I agreed to a sanction of six months suspension for taking a supplement five days after my last win that USADA has confirmed was indeed tainted. My management team and I will be pursuing legal action, legal action, excuse me, against the supplement company within the next few weeks. For those of you that believe me, I thank you. For the ones that didn't, I hope I have given you a reason to believe in hard work. As for the ones that try to ruin my name, we will meet very soon. Hashtag Inuevo, which I believe in Spanish translates, uh, or in English translates to and new. So powerful words there from Yoel Romero. Um, the end, once again, I repeat, as for the ones that try to ruin my name, we will meet very soon. Uh, a man who, whose name was dragged through the mud when this all happened, uh, many people sort of dancing on his grave, Yoel Romero now receiving a six-month suspension, or a sanction, if you will, 
from USADA, he once again will be free to fight July 12th. And one wonders if he gets an immediate title shot, as he was promised after the Jacques Ray win, or if he has to fight someone else. It's going to be interesting to see. For now, let's go to our final guest of the day. And we will go to England for this one. I believe Manchester, England, to be exact. We are now being joined by featherweight Mike Wilkinson, who is joining us right now. Mike, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you, Ariel? Are you in Manchester? Yes, I'm in Manchester. Okay, so interesting times for you, my friend. Um, I was... Um, I was alerted of this, this, this fascinating documentary. So I'm a, a big lover of documentaries. And um, in MMA, as you may know, not that many great documentaries out there. But you have worked in conjunction with the Manchester United Football Club to make this sort of, uh, I think it's like an 80 or 90 minute documentary on the last two years on your life. How did this come together? Well, it was uh, actually before, it was probably a year ago. And uh, I was, I think I just got the call to fight uh, Alan Omer in Germany, in Berlin. And uh, I got a message off the UFC and said, what, what uh, football team do you support? I was like, Man United. And then I didn't hear anything for like three or four weeks. And, uh, and then down the line, that, and then I got another message saying, uh, Man United wanted, uh, wanted MUTV want to do a thing on you. So I thought, oh, I didn't really think too much into it because like, it's Man United. I support them. I haven't done it since I was a kid. It was a bit. It was like too good to be true. So then I started talking with a uh, Phil from MUTV, and yeah, and then this, within within five days they started filming me. They came to uh, to the gym, and uh, it just went from there. And then obviously a week out, I got injured, and uh, they said obviously I thought they was going to stop it then, but they said it just makes the documentary better with what's going on. So uh, yeah, constantly just kept filming and kept filming, and uh, yeah, it's just it's they've been with me ever since. Wow, that, so so you're a lifetime fan of the Red Devils, and now they're following you. And and, and MUTV is that a TV channel or is that a website? No, it's a TV channel. Uh, it's a TV channel uh, for Man United, which is uh, which obviously when the documentaries are, the documentaries are this Thursday, it'll be all over Europe, all over Asia. So it's it's, it's going to be uh, viewed by over hundred millions of people. It's going to, so it's going to be a big thing. I'm really excited. So from what I understand that they like to follow uh, Man United fans who are outside of the you know football world, the soccer world, and, and see what's going on. So this doesn't really have anything to do with, with football, as you call it, in Europe, right? This is about your career solely. Yeah, obviously, a Manchester lad uh, who supports Man United, and obviously they just want to make the, the TV channel what they've got better than what it already is. Like before me, they've had one on Anthony Carolla, who's a, boxer, he's a Manchester boxing lad. They've done one on a Manchester rugby player. And uh, I'm the first MMA fighter, so yeah, it's, it's exciting. So I don't know if you know this, but I am a lifelong, and I mean lifelong, I bleed these colors. If you open my vein, my veins, you'll see them come out. I am a lifelong Leicester City fan. I've been supporting them since I was a little lad, and, and, and they are just kicking ass from what I understand. <laughs> I've been watching all their games. I mean, I cannot get enough of Leicester City. Did you know that about me? No, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know to pick them, my friend. Uh, I've been supporting. How, how are they doing this year, Leicester City? Really good. Oh really yeah. Good. How's Man United doing? Hey, come on. Let's not go. Let's <laughs> not go there. Let's not go there. If you want to go back in history, then we go there. <laughs> what's the? But in a nutshell, though, because I know we have a lot of fans in Europe. What's the problem with Man United? If you could fix them, what would you do? The manager, isn't it? Since Alex Ferguson went, they just spiraled down. But. Uh, 
everyone has to go down to come back up and uh, things will change and the team will get better and uh, they're, they're going to get back on winning tracks, winning ways, I mark my words. Okay, fair enough. Now, here's the interesting thing. You said that this premieres Thursday on MUTV, right? Yes, correct. And it's about the last you know, couple fights in your run. Um, coincidentally, it, it coincides with another major piece of news concerning you, right? Yes, yeah, true. Uh, unluckily, after the Mac one fight, uh, I thought it was a little hard done by, but it's business at the end of the day, and the UFC have got the reasons of what they want to do with fighters, and obviously they say, they say it's a stacked division, and uh, the UFC have, have actually released me hmm. since my last fight. What was your reaction when you got that news? Were you expecting it? Did you think after that fight, even though you came out on the losing end, that this was even a possibility? Uh, well, obviously, I came from uh, a knockout of the night over Nicholas Backstrom. Uh, and obviously, injuries happen. It's not my fault I get injured. Things happen. Uh, you've just got to brush it off and go again, which you did. But obviously, after I got a lot of recognition after the, the Backstrom fight. And uh, after that, I kind of, obviously, since the injury, I've went off the radar kind of thing. And uh, so, yeah, it, it was a bit of a shock. Obviously, I went that, I went into that fight. I wanted to put a show on for the fans. That's my if you if you look at my fights and who I fought and what I'm about. I want to put a show on for the fans. Uh, Mad Kwan not taking the win away from him, not making no excuses. He played it safe. He didn't he didn't want to stand with me. He didn't want to put a show on. He just wanted to get the win, and uh, that will only get him so far. I, to, for me, I'm a, I want to be like kind of a prize fighter. I want to put a show on for the fans. I've wars like you know, like fights like Diego Sanchez and Gilbert Melendez. I want to go out on my shield and I want to I want to make history like them, man. And uh, when someone just wants to lie on me for fifteen minutes and not really do much, it's because it, he is a better wrestler. I'll, he's a Greco uh, Roman wrestler. I'll not take that away from him. But uh, I was the one. He was only the person going for the sub attempts. Uh, I wanted to stand up and have the fight. He did what he had to do to get the win. Fair play to him. It is what it is. But I do feel like I've been hard done by. But Everything happens for a reason, and uh, I'm just, I'm just. Even though I lost the fight, it's a personal victory to myself. After everything I went through with the injuries and having over a year layoff, just to do three rounds and uh, and not gas and and come out of the fight injury free, ready to go again. Because uh, obviously my last three round fight was uh, my first UFC fight against Brendan Lockman back at the end of 2012. Obviously, I fought a year after that uh, against Ronnie Jason. I got put to sleep because I didn't tap in a minute and 20. And then a year later, I fought Nicholas and I put him to sleep in a minute and 20. And even though the fight, even though I got the win and obviously everybody wants that quick win, when I fought Nicholas and I knocked him out so soon, I actually, I was a, I was obviously, I was over the moon. I was mm. made up, but I kind of wanted to get the, get the time in, get the fight, get the live fight time in. Uh, I would have been I would have been happy if it would happen in the second and third, but it, it is what it is. But uh, so to get three rounds in, uh, obviously it didn't go my way, but I've come out of the fight. I'm injury free and I'm I'm good to go again. It's like I know the UFC has released me. Uh, I started fighting because I love MMA, and everybody who starts fighting, they do it because they love the sport. They they they, they breed it, they love it, they they sleep it, they they everything. So it's like no. It doesn't matter what octagon I'm in. It doesn't matter what crowd I'm, in, I'm put in front of. Uh, it doesn't matter what organisation. I just want to go out there and do what I love to do, and that's to put the gloves on and to have a fight. 
So so you get this news, and as you just mentioned, you're two and two in the UFC. Did you try? Uh, yeah, I know they probably informed your manager. I don't know if they came to you first, but did you try at least to convince them? Like, look, I'm two and two. I had some injuries. There's a lot more fight left in me. It, typically, a guy with a 500 record, you know, you're a young guy. It, 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 this is kind of a surprise, I, I will admit. I was surprised when I heard this news. Did you try to convince them otherwise to change their mind? Well, my management, uh, every duty, they have been, uh, I think they've sent an email since, but straight after the win, straight after the fight with Maquan, uh, because I was injury-free and I want to I want to, I want to make up for lost time, that was my thing, it's like I'm injury-free now, I know I've lost, but please get me back straight back in. I sent a, an email to Sean Shelby, uh, what me and Darren McCourt came up with, and it was a perfect thing to say, it was like, thanks for the opportunity, uh, I'm good to go again, uh, cut a long story short, please put me back in. Uh, and obviously he didn't get back to me and I just thought well he's a, he's a busy man he's got all these shows what he's going to ma- do matches for and uh, I didn't hear back from him and my coach said uh, Darren he said that he kind of he kind of he kind of had the feeling what was going to happen because he, he, he never got back to me but I was I just thought nah, nah they'll not cut me I'm, I'm two and two I've got uh, I've got a decent fight that was a war with Brendan and then uh, my second one I got knockout of the night uh, so it's one of them, it's like, this documentary's come out, it's, everything happens for a reason, I think this is like, this is coming out at the perfect time, mm. uh, it's, it's going to build my profile up, and uh, I'm just going to take it one fight at a time, and uh, let's just see where see where I end up in three or four fights and see what happens. So I was actually going to ask you that next, uh, this coming out, I, I was I was wondering if you had mixed emotions, because it's talking about your UFC career and it comes out when, when this news you know, comes out and, and now you're no longer a part of the UFC. But in a weird way, is this sort of like the perfect way to get your name out there? Like you can use this as your free agent pitch to people and, and hopefully, you know, some people will jump on this? Yeah, kind of. I do actually feel like that. Uh, like I said, I, th- I feel like everything happens for a reason. The UFC have released me. Uh, the documentary is coming out on Thursday. It's going to like, over hundreds of millions of people who's going to watch it. There's other organizations in Asia. There's there's other ones. They're all over the world. Uh, and I know it's not the UFC. The UFC is uh, the creme de crop, the, the premiership and all that. And uh, we, we thought uh, down the line I could, I could get, I could get, a, I could get a, another shot in the UFC. But uh, I love to fight. I live to fight. So uh, please let me fight. Whether it's in the UFC, whether it's in Bellator, 1FC, uh, KSW, all the other organisations. Uh, I'm good to go. I'm ready to fight. So... Pick up the phone and get in touch. Heavy duty fight, well. And um, have they been able to update the documentary to to say that this has happened? So now you can really get the word out there. Uh, no, the documentary's finished. It's been done. But uh, Man United said they want to do an add-on to this. To the, they want to do a second documentary because this one was so good. So good news to you and to me. This will probably be the start of the second documentary. Wow. Okay. Any word yet from, um, you know, I know there's a lot of promotions in Europe, uh, Bama and, and, and Cage Warriors is coming back and some others as well. Any word yet? Any interest from them? Do you have a preference? Uh, I'm not bothered. It's like I said, uh, I'm, I'm just happy that I'm fit and healthy and I'm good to go again. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that to my coach, Darren, my managers, uh, Paul King and Cal uh, Messing. I'll let them deal with that. I know that they've got my best, my best, but my best thoughts and interest. And I'll leave it to them, and I'm no doubt that they'll uh, they'll they'll will pick the correct path for me. Yeah, um, it's a great documentary. I had a chance to see it. I mean, even the opening scene is just fascinating. You're on um, you're on the bike, and your mouth is taped, 
so you can only breathe out of your nose. It's unbelievable. This thing. It's do you do you do that often? I mean, I'm no athlete. It's that that's 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 is that tape? Is that just tape? You just tape up your mouth like that? Tape my mouth up fully, uh, so I can only breathe through my nostrils. Uh, we do like at the beginning of camp, I do like a five minute sprint with thirty seconds rest, and I do five fives, and then by the end of camp, I do like uh, eight eight minute rounds uh, on the bike. Mouth taped, only breathing from my nostrils, and with 30 seconds rest. Uh, well, I used to do the gas mask, but the gas mask brings uh, like an anxiety and a panic mode to what. So it's kind of like the fight. But with the masks, I, I, I tend to thought that I was breathing like or my mouth like that. Mm. So I thought you, you don't want to fight and get used to having your mouth open because if you get clocked, you mm. go to sleep. Mm. So me and Darren thought of a way, and obviously I've got like a bit of a mad, I'm, I'm a bit uh, I'm a bit addicted to pushing my body to levels that like I'll never enough pass out or I'll like, I'll just do loads of mad stuff. Like well, I'll, I'll take it to that next level where I know that my opponent's not doing that. So uh, we came up with the mouth tape because my, my jaw's clenched mm. as I'm as I'm on the bike. And uh, it worked great. And obviously, and obviously I don't, through injuries and stuff, and obviously Darren's, because Darren trains just as much as what I do. He's, he's like my, my number one training partner as well as my coach. So we've, we've had our injuries and we know what's good for us and we know what's bad for us. So it's like through a camp now, I don't even do any strength and, di- strength and conditioning. We do a circuit, what we do. It's like a restless circuit at the beginning of the class. Uh, it's for the all upper body. And uh, I do, obviously, I do my bike sprints, I do my incline sprints, what we did on the Ultimate Fighter, and uh, I do loads of underwater swimming. As far as I can, as far as I can, underwater, come up, and then get my breath back, and then I go again, and I do like 20, 30 lengths. And at the beginning of camp, it was like I could only do one length. And then by the end of camp, uh, when I first started doing them, I could do three lengths. So it just proves that mixing mm. up and doing different things and uh, adding new things to what you've done and to what you've not done uh, makes you a better all-round athlete. Uh, what time does it premiere on Thursday? Nine o'clock uh, British time. British and time. I think it's on, uh, it's on again in Asia on the Friday at five o'clock. Do you know if they're going to be able to uh, show it here in the U.S.? Uh, not at the moment, no. It's not It's not heard in the U.S., but obviously you will be able to stream it if you go on MUTV. Okay. Uh, on the, on the website or whatever you will be able to stream it well i wish you the best my friend thank you very much for coming on the show uh good luck with the documentary good luck with your you know your career the next step in your career thank you for coming on and uh, i'm sorry to hear that I, I was very surprised to hear the news um thought you know you had another one at least in you but uh have no doubt that you'll be back so i look forward to seeing what your next step is and i wish you the very best Thank you very much, Ariel. Thanks for having me on. Everything happens for a reason. Brush off and we go again. All right. Very well said, Mike. There he is, Mike Wilkinson, a free agent featherweight now. Um, You heard it from his mouth himself. Parted ways with the UFC. And now looking for another promotion to fight for. Now, during that interview, the UFC has uh, released more breaking news. Here's a statement on Juliana Pena. Uh, courtesy of UFC.com, quote, UFC announced today that an investigation into allegations of assault by UFC competitor Juliana Pena is now complete. Pena recently came to a resolution with the prosecutor's office in Spokane County, Washington. The resolution was thoroughly reviewed by Campbell and Williams, a Las Vegas-based law firm hired 
by UFC to oversee its investigation into the matter. UFC elected not to schedule Pena for a bout while the legal proceedings were ongoing. Now that the matter has been resolved, Pena is eligible to return to competition in the UFC and will be scheduled for about in the near future. While UFC is supportive of the resolution of Pena's criminal matter, Pena acknowledges that her actions as a professional athlete should reflect well of her, the sport of mixed martial arts and the UFC. Consequently, Pena has volunteered to participate in counseling as a condition for her return to the octagon. So good news there for Juliana Pena. You heard her on the program a couple weeks back, and hopefully she can move on from this and uh, get back in the cage. Oh, so very close to a title shot. All right. Uh, Great stuff there. How about that? Holy moly. A lot going on today. Another big show. A lot more to uh, discuss and digest. But that's it for the interviews. Now we uh, we hear from Mr. New York Rick. Is he still alive back there? I wonder. I'm alive. Hello? I saw him. That was kind of your cue to say something to me. As I was I doing think, the uh, 60 minute sound. Yeah, my mic is down. Guys? You're great. Are you there? Can you hear me, Ariel? Oh, there he is. Uh, no, I didn't hear him. I heard him from someone else's microphone. Oh, I thought he was just playing. Um, I thought he was just playing possum, but I guess. Oh, no. All right, we'll get that. Uh, where is Mr. New York Rick? Say something to me. Hello, Ariel. It's too far away. I don't think we should do it that way. I think the man is trying to keep him down. I wanted to get New York Rick's thoughts on WrestleMania. He was tweeting away about WrestleMania. Truth be told, I did not watch WrestleMania yesterday. In fact, I did tune in for maybe 15 minutes. Um, so for the first time since my wife and I had our second son... And for the first time in, I think, three years, she uh, had to go on a trip, which means that I'm alone with my two boys. And this is a great challenge. Uh, This has never happened before. It's just me and them. Boys, we're going to have a pizza party tonight. It's going to be fantastic. Um, So that being said, I was a little tied up last night. I did uh, check in briefly, and I I came in at at the perfect time because I saw... I saw... I came in, I saw Shane McMahon climb the thing, the the hell in the cell. He jumped down. Although I thought it was like kind of like a needless thing. Like, first of all, he missed, which is fine because I don't want to like, you know, rupture one of Undertaker's lungs. But like, it didn't even feel like he was close. And he did all that. Is there any update on him? I don't know. Is he okay? It's just the whole thing just makes me feel a little strange. Like, why do you have to go so high up and waste all that time? You know what I mean? Um, and anyway, so, so he goes up the thing, he jumps down, he misses, and then he loses. And then I saw there was a battle royal, and or a battle royale, the Andre the Giant battle royale, and Shaq shows up, and he comes in very quickly, which I thought would have been something that they should announce before, but I guess they want people to think that there's always surprises going on at WrestleMania. And then he was quickly eliminated, so nothing came of that, but maybe this leads to another match. Oh, there he is. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you just fine. What happened? You fell asleep at the wheel? Yeah, I, uh, I dozed off there. You know, I was like, oh, and then I was just, it's hot and I was feeling tired. I, I fell asleep. They had to, you know, 
we, they had to poke me with a stick to to rattle me, and, and yes. now I'm here. Well, it's a bit, it's a little more of a crowded studio back there, so maybe <laughs> yes, all we the do. body heat. Yeah, it was putting you to sleep. Too many people, too many bodies. Um, <laughs> I got dreary, but I'm I'm fully awake and ready to talk about WrestleMania, okay, the so greatest I'm, spectacle oh, in it. sports entertainment. Um, I, I will just finish my story before I was so rudely interrupted. <laughs> uh, so I saw Shaq. He got eliminated. And then I said, eh, I, I got enough of this. Now, people were hating on me for not watching, thinking I'm some kind of hater. It's not that. I just didn't have the time uh, to sit down and watch it. And it, it, there was just a lot going on. So I ask you, as someone who actually sat down and watched the whole damn thing, is that, yeah. is that true? I didn't see the pre-show thing. Okay. Like, I, I started watching from the first match that's considered, like, WrestleMania. Okay. I know there's a pre-show that Moro was was involved with. I unfortunately wasn't able to see that. I would have liked to because I love uh, Moro. Um, but I started right when the like, you know, pay-per-view part of it started, um, and I saw that whole thing. Okay, so what do you think? Scale of one to ten. I uh, man, every time I watch this stuff, it's always a ten. Come on, you can't. I mean, what kind of a reviewer are you? You can't always it's, be a ten. I always like end up enjoying it just fine because i'm not a like fan who you know catches it every week it it always is fun for me it's always like so you enjoyed it i I always enjoy it best part um i really like sasha banks she's cool uh snoop dogg's cousin cousin. i learned this uh i will say that wrestlemania is one of the few times and i promise i'm not being a negative nancy but it's one of the few times that twitter actually annoys me like sometimes i like the i loved it you like it like when there's a big basketball game or a big I don't know. MMA, I, I'll put that one aside because I'm more a part of that. But when there's something else that I want to sort of, you know, enjoy, I like that. When, when With wrestling, I don't know why. It's just, it's annoying. I get annoyed. Well, so it makes me want to watch it less. Oh, I almost spilled my drink. Um, <laughs> but, but you liked it. I, be, you know, I don't have, it, for MMA, there's things that tick me off, right? But it's because I, I'm a fan of it. I'm a hardcore fan of it. I watch it every single event, and I know you know what I'm looking for. I know the things to nitpick. Um, but I have a feeling if I you know tuned in for the occasional pay per view, like some of my friends do, they they have a better time than I probably do. Um, and it's the same way for me and and the wrestling. Like I check in for the the big pay per views, and it's always a spectacle. They try and blow it out, and I'm I always leave satisfied. Do you agree the Shane McMahon thing was a little silly? It was awesome. The bump, if you will, the spot, the high spot, as Daniel Cormier called it. You it was incredible. It? What was so incredible about it? He missed, and he took so much he time. He jumped off a 20-foot structure. But what is that? That's not wrestling. That's just being a stuntman. Well, he's a stuntman then. Mm. Are you not impressed by that? I wasn't that impressed, no. I thought he looked in, in, in like he was in fantastic shape. He did, and he jumped off a 20-foot cage. I'm kind of done with the whole Undertaker thing, though. Can no, just not the Undertaker's the man. Yeah, he's also a 45-year-old man or maybe a 50-year-old man. It's enough. No more. He doesn't age. He's undead. Come Brock Lesnar should be... <laughs> well said. Uh, Brock Lesnar should be in the main event. Uh, someone threw out an he's, idea. I saw I this. Mean, Brock Lesnar versus Samoa Joe. That, now that, I know you don't know who Samoa Joe is because you're just one of these Johnny Come Lately. I'm familiar, but I, don't, I can't say I know him like super well. Yeah. That's something I can get behind. Um, I used to order the weekly TNA pay-per-views on a Wednesday night. What happened to you? You need yeah. to you need to come back. Well, uh, I'm glad everyone enjoyed it. I, for the most part, I mean, I thought the Twitter was fun and everybody seemed to be enjoying it. Did you go back to? Uh, uh, will you watch Raw? Like usually the Raw? No, no, no you no. won't. It's just one night only. I I like the big events. Yeah, and that's what keeps me to liking them. If I started tuning in, it's not gonna be it's not gonna be the same. 
Uh, did you um, did you watch NXT? I heard that's something. No, I didn't see that. I you know, I know. I, I went. That's the one I went to in Brooklyn. Yeah. When they had what was it? SummerSlam. When it was uh, I think that was it. Yeah, yeah. When they had SummerSlam here in New York. Yeah. I went to the NXT in Brooklyn. NXT was amazing. So I'm sure that last one was also good. Unfortunately, I didn't see that one, but uh, I'm sure it was really good. I will say this though: there's something truly inspiring about like the the magnitude of it all and the production like no one that's puts it, on a that's show that's what i'm talking about yeah, that's yeah. why it was fun i, I fun. tuned in for the for the spectacle i probably would have watched it too if i had time but it, it's not like i'm doing some sort of protest here but well it just, seems like you are yeah maybe okay um, let's talk about another kind of spectacle yes john jones's legal troubles okay what a, what a transition that was um, that's what I, that's what they pay me the big bucks for. Okay. There's no doubt that John Jones will continue to be a huge star no matter what he does. As long as he can physically be allowed in the cage, he will sell a fight. This is probably true. Uh, should there be a threshold at which point the UFC cannot keep Jones in a fight? If so, what is it? What would John Jones, essentially, the Jesus. short version, what would John Jones have to do to not be, uh, you know, a UFC fighter anymore? This is a crazy question. What do you, what do you want me to say? Like, there's a lot of things that he could do that will preclude him from being... Sure, get, let's get a list going. No, I'm not getting a list going. <laughs> um, he, here's what I will say. That that might have been one of the craziest weeks leading up to a fight that any fighter has ever had, at least since I have been covering the sport. I mean, again, comes out with the news on Monday. The video emerges later that day. Arrested on Tuesday. In jail for 48 hours. Finds out he has a new opponent. Or actually, finds out that his now old opponent... Um, is out of the fight on Friday, gets a new opponent on Saturday. That is insanity. Yeah. Insanity. Um, I, I hope for his, again, I hope for his sake, he stops driving. Clearly there's an issue there. Um, and, and that I this, mean, Jackson said he's got a full-time driver. Yes, but hopefully this guy, I mean, I don't know much about him. Sounds like a great guy. Hopefully he's a very, I mean, this is not a full-time driver. This is his nutritionist. So hopefully, you know, he's taking it seriously and he's a good driver in his own right. And that, you know, to me, the greatest tragedy i mean i don't want john jones to hurt anyone he was very lucky in april i don't want him to hurt himself i certainly don't want him to hurt anyone else and i want to see i guess selfishly i want to see this thing play out i want to see we've lost a year and a half of john jones's career for mistake it wasn't because of injuries it was mistakes big mistakes that he made outside the cage and we almost got this thing delayed again this past week i want to see if he truly is the greatest, as I think he is right now, I want to see just how great he can be. I don't want to, like, could you imagine if, if, if Jordan's career kept getting cut short because of things along the way? I, I want to see the whole thing play out. And I know he retired and all that, but it's a bit of a different situation. You get my point. I want to see the best play it out, and I want to see them continue to be the best. So I just, I, I hope he, that he has the right people around him that are telling him what to do and, and, and watching over him. And if it needs, you know, a little holding hand here or there, then yeah, let's do that. Well, I mean, let's think about it this way, though. Whatever John Jones was doing before was probably less organized and probably worse than this, to be honest. Um, and he's probably in a better place now, even though, you know, he's going through these legal issues and he's on probation. Um, and, you know, the, the, the ticket situation came up. Um, he's probably in a better place and, and better equipped to handle it now than ever. Um, so I'm, I'm less concerned about John Jones than... I would have been before when it was simply, you know, something the public didn't know so much about, but he was probably in a worse off spot. Yeah, that's fair. But man, that sight of him wearing oh, it's, the orange jumpsuit. And then you saw it. Did you see that video? Orange jumpsuit. There's people, you know, it's, it's, it's startling. It's characters jarring. in the background. there getting, you know, waiting for their turn at bat uh, in front of the judge. It's like, what? This is this is not right. This is not the way it should be. Um, we need to figure this out. So I'm really happy. Like last week, it was kind of like jokey, jokey about the driver thing. Yeah. 
And that's not a huge development, but it really is. You know, it's, it, it's, it is it's, a huge development. It's not like yeah. someone saying, I'm going to stop drinking or smoking. All it is is someone just being there every step of the way and making sure he gets from here to there safely and that he gets back home and all that stuff. And it's unfortunate that it gets to that point. But, you know, dating back to the thing that happened in 2012 in upstate New York, it's all related to driving. So let's just eliminate the driving and hopefully mm. that leads to good things. Fair enough. But let's just say, I mean, to answer the question, even though we kind of veered away from that, um, as long as John Jones is the best fighter in the world and, um, you know, there's not much pushback or outrage against it, uh, he'll be a fighter for the foreseeable future. There's really, you know, you'd have to do something pretty terrible to, uh, to be cut for that. At the end of the day, this is the fight game. And as I said a few weeks back, I mean, sometimes I feel like we get a little too We're, PC in this sport. We have know? a question later that, that right. pertains directly to this, actually. And I think you'll find it interesting and have some thoughts. Okay. John Jones versus OSP. Do you think the UFC made the right move in keeping Jones on the UFC 197 card after Daniel Cormier's injury? Or would you have preferred to see them reschedule that exact fight uh, to possibly a later date? And what are your thoughts on the fight being for the interim belt? So do you think 197 versus OSP was the right move? Well, they had the right intentions. They wanted it to be Rumble. That didn't work out. Um, I would have been down with the Rashad fight. I thought the Rashad fight was an easy sell. I don't like the idea of like screwing Glover to share though. So then I thought, you know, OSP's the guy. And I what? I don't know about screwing Glover Teixeira. I mean, that type that of thing happens him. all the time. Not really. They don't do that often. They really don't. Look at their history. They don't like to do that, especially main card on Fox. Think about it. They, they, they send these camera crews out there, and they do all these shoots and stuff like that, and it just blows all that you work You know what? Up. I guess you're right. Why do I feel like it happens more than it does? Maybe, maybe. They, really, they, they don't like to do that mixing and matching. So then you look at the, the, the top 10 rankings – Everyone's either booked or, or injured or unavailable. So there's no other guy. And I want to see, look, John Jones fighting in his own right is a spectacle. That's a story sure. by itself. So I want to see him fight. Um, is OSP, has, has OSP earned the right to fight John Jones? I mean, he's coming off of a, of a, of a win over Fei Zhao, which was not the greatest win, obviously. Fei Zhao got cut afterwards. Um, but he was banged up. And, you know, he's a guy... The OSP story is a fun one because I remember him being that guy. OSP was a, a local fighter that Scott Coker used when they were fighting in Tennessee just to sell some tickets. He likes to put these local fighters on the undercard, and he was good enough and, 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 and down to fight enough that they kept him around. And then he stayed around, and then he stuck around for the, 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 the purchase Zufa purchasing Strike Force, and then they brought him over. I mean, it's almost, and, and as we said, and we'll maybe play this clip closer to the fight, he was very close to retiring if it all didn't work out. And sure. it was six fights in a row in, in 2010. I think he's dating back to like yeah. a stretch. Whatever. You mentioned it even in the clip that it's six in a row. Yeah. So so this is a it's a fun story. And, and look, he, he needs to be on that card. John needs to be on the card. DC's not coming back in a month. So I think it's, it's worth rolling the dice. And also... Uh, I don't think it's a huge risk. Like Rumble's a bigger risk. That's just you know that's just the facts. Here, so so Rumble's a bigger risk. You put him in this fight, makes him look good, and maybe there's more interest in the Cormier rematch. Here's the question: Outside of Cormier and Anthony Johnson, is there anybody you could have put in there that people wouldn't think it's going to be a squash match and wouldn't you know think that John Jones is going to roll over him? There's pretty much nobody. Rashad is not at that point in his career anymore where he's he's somebody that people are expecting to contend with Jones. So I have no problem with getting a fresh. Uh, opponent in there like OSP and he's a great athlete and I'm sure he's gonna you know I I'm not going out on the limb and saying that OSP is gonna beat John Jones I'm certainly not and I think John Jones um will be sharp and and ready to go um but there are plenty of people 
the, the essentially the rest of the division is going to go in there and lose to John Jones. So let's not make this out uh, like there's anything OSP could have done differently or should have done differently to, to get this title shot. Uh, the rest of the division is at the mercy of John Jones because he's just that damn good. Yeah, I just wanted to see. I mean, there's few better, hotter rivalries in this sport right now or in the history of the sport than Cormier and Jones. Sure. And we've been waiting and so if long that's for it. O- if that's off the table, though, what's yeah. wrong with OSP? I, no. I have no problem with this at all. It's a little funky, though, that John Jones, who was the champion, who is the greatest, is now fighting for the well, interim belt. Well, that's the other question. That's the second yeah. question. What do you feel about this interim belt part of it? I don't hate it because I do feel like John Jones what, should be fighting for a belt. I mean, what, what I does know. what does interim belt even mean anymore? The at whole this thing point? is silly. I mean, don't get me started on Frankie Edgar and Jose Aldo. Oh, we're going to talk okay. about that. The whole thing is it's silly, but in this one, I don't actually hate it. I think it's a reason to make him the main event. Sure. I guess, although Diaz and McGregor is in the but main. I don't know. Should we just put belts on the line for every fight? If that's how it's no, going to no, work? No, no, like, no, no. Trust me, I'm not here defending it. But John Jones was the champion. I kind of feel like if well, he's fighting, I don't know. If you're asking for my opinion, I think sure, go ahead. I think Cormier's belt is, as I've said before, is worth you know paper. It's it's worth. So what, what would you have done? Strip Cormier? No, I just think that this belt. There has to be a champion. No, yeah, Daniel Cormier is holding the championship belt. But you just said it's worth paper. It's worth nothing. It's he has that title. The fact it's great. It's worth nothing though. So why? And, so, so then you're down with the interim title. I don't think it matters. I really don't think it matters. I think whatever well, John Jones, whatever ha- the lineal championship is, what's going to matter, and whatever happens with John Jones is where this championship belt's going to be residing. Whether it's whether it's an interim title, whether it's the real title, whether so the it's, interim whether t- if he wins no the title, belt, it doesn't really matter. So it, if he wins on April twenty third, in your opinion, the interim title is actually more important than the real title, at least equal. I yeah. mean, they're, they're kind well, it's of, because of who holds it, right? It's it all because of John saying. Jones. Sure, it has sure. nothing, the titles themselves mean literally nothing in, in this division. John Jones is is what matters in the light heavyweight division. I'll say the reason why I really don't like it, and and I and also and I'll, I will preface this by saying I I understand why they had to do it, but the reason I don't like it is because what what made this second fight between Cormier and sure. Jones fun was that. Cormier has the belt. And, and now he has his own. And I know he showed up with it, but it's different. Now now we'll get the real two-belt press conference, the one where yeah. Conor McGregor had a belt from a different division. Now this is the exact same division. We got two belts. It's more it's more fun with, with Cormier as champ and John as, as challenger. But, hey, uh, I think it was it was smart to keep him on the card. It was you know the right kind of opponent at the right time. And if they can do it for 200, this is the kind of fight, again, like I said, this is what... In, in a way, Lesnar Mir was. Year and a half build, rivalry, a rematch people want to see. Um, no one would complain if this is on 200. And if not, you wait for New York or you do a 201, 202. So I, I, I do feel bad for the fans who bought tickets. And we often forget about those fans. And even I was like, oh, Silver Lining 200. And I had people saying like, yeah, well, how, how would you feel if, like me, you bought tickets uh, you know, three months ago and you're flying in from God knows where, and now you're not getting to see Jones Cormier? That sucks. And this is a problem that's, you know, again, fans, when you buy those tickets, you've got, you got to think about this thing. And, and it's not the same in other sports. When you buy tickets to see the Warriors and the Cavs, yeah, there's a chance Stephen Curry may not play, but you're getting to see the Warriors and the Cavs, the two teams on the ticket. In MMA, it's not the same. It sucks. Uh, we have a tweet from John Jones. What? To me? No. Just, oh, okay. He tweeted this out uh, moments ago. Willing to train OSP and willing to pay for his expenses? You're a sheep in wolf's clothing, and I see right through you, pussy. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Uh, so not happy about uh, Cormier offering to uh, to train OSP. H- how about um, 
All this, all this happening in the span of four hours, right here, right in the MMA right? hour. Jones, Cormier puts out the offer. Uh, OSP turns it down. Jones, wow, hears about it and says, "Yeah, wolf in sheep's clothing." Puss. Fun. Okay. How would you have felt, uh, John Jones? He he mentioned this on his own about uh, testing himself at heavyweight. How would you have felt? If he, uh, he, I didn't if like he that did idea. That no, 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 no. I don't, I don't want to see John Jones fight Mark Hunt. Not now. Those guys hit really hard. It's not the time for that. It's, it's, uh, it's better if he's the champ, light heavy. You know, it's not the time. I, I didn't like that at all. You agree? I wasn't. Like, I would have liked to see it. No, no, no. I'm okay with you know. As I was saying, like light heavyweight doesn't really have many challenges for John Jones outside of Cormier and Rumble. I think uh, you know Gustafson. There's there's people there, but um, in this case with the belt not on the line, I would have. As I said, I don't I don't think the interim's worth much of anything. Neither is the the current uh, belt. I think a heavyweight fight would have been fun. Why not? It's like when Anderson Silva came up to fight Forrest Griffin. It's just you know, no, uh, no, no. Uh, one step. Um, on an eventual move to the vision to tease it, or just you know a fight that he took uh, to save. Different. A he was the champ. There's too much going on here. We need to see him fight for that belt again, finish that story, and then test the waters. There's a big difference between the guys. You know, at, at they're, they're bigger. You know, to a degree, they hit harder, and especially someone like Mark Hunt. No thanks. Well, no, Mark Hunt. I would not take a fight against on short yeah. notice. No thanks. No thanks. Uh, in general, what do you think of the UFC's interim titles? I think we covered yeah. that. Um, okay, well, he says on the back end, I would still pay to see John Jones in action with or without the belt. That's the key here. He's remaining on the card. There's the story of his return. He's a quote-unquote needle mover. Um, the main one, you know, the, the, the one that I have a problem with is, is, is Frankie and Jose, and not so much them fighting for the belt it's, it's, or the interim belt. It's the card that they're fighting on. For them to fight on the same card as Connor just feels... It does, it feels like they're fighting in his in his shadows and and it almost diminishes them. I don't know. I verbalized this probably a little better on the MMA beat, but I, I just wish that they were fighting like a five round. You know, Connor is active, and to have an interim title on the same card as as the one that features the champion, yes, in a different division, just doesn't make any sense. And it feels like now we're just making belts to to sell pay per views. Connor is active. He's more active. He's been more active. Even if he fights in October or November, he'll be more active than, for the most part, Jose has been over the last few years. So that's not taking any shots at him. It's just the truth. And so why not just make it a five-round you know, main event, maybe the night before, July 8th, whatever, and, uh, and, and, then, and then have them fight the winner? Like, why, why do you have to... Is this a way to force Connor to come back? I don't get it. I, I just... The John one doesn't bother me as much because he was the champ and he had it stripped and I, I get that one. This one to me just feels like there's the interim belt, but the champions fighting. You know, like you, here's you, you guys are the ones who made that fight. There's no interim. He's there. You put him in that fight. There can't be an interim title. What you're, is that? You're saying the John one doesn't bother you, but what's the point? I mean, let's just have none of them. These interim titles are silly. I would all be totally together. fine with that. Let's I, just I eliminate them completely. Interim title, as I said before, should be if a fighter does not compete for 365 days. And well, no, that's not interim. They should be stripped, and somebody should. Fight okay. for the real belt. To even strip, fine. But I, I get why you do it. A guy works his whole life. He's got some bad luck. He gets injured. We, you know, strip. Win it back in the next if, fight. You were just talking about how intriguing no, know, it is for John it, Jones very to now easy, be listen, challenging for that title. It's a very easy thing for us to say. Um, I, I sympathize with the guys. Hey, you're the champ. You worked your ass to get to this point. Okay, 
We respect that. But we're going to have to bring in another belt. Someone else is going to walk around as they're, interim champion until you can come they're back. They're not doing it for that. They're doing it to have more they're belts. Doing they're doing I, it to have more that. titles. To so, that. That, so that doesn't even come into play. That Let's just strip them if they can't defend it and then move on. Enough with the interim titles. But, but these guys are able to defend in a, in a timely manner. I agree. No yeah. reason to strip it at this point. But I'm saying, in the case that you're saying, if somebody's injured for a prolonged period of yeah, time, yeah. they can't defend it, uh-huh. then that's when you strip it, and that's when you fight nah, for the real it's, belt. This is too drastic. No. Do it. Well, we're going to have to agree to disagree on this one. Injury-prone, a.k.a. Um, mm. Do you think there's something here? There's not really a, a question, but do you think there's something to this? I mean, no. there's there's certainly a track record no, here. No, no, no. I, I even talked a to Javier Mendez a little bit, and he said he's been changing a lot. I think there's just some bad luck, you know? Um he wasn't going. I, I can't know. buy that. I just can't buy that. There has to be something here. Like, are they going too hard? I don't know what it is, but I can't buy that. There's nothing happening. Look, there's there's miles on these guys, and also don't forget. So then that he so, has, so maybe it was the past coming back to well, yeah. To the, haunt then them. you need to be working. Cormier them less has hard. never pulled out of a fight. Cormier yeah. has never pulled out of a fight. He doesn't have an ACL in that leg. Something bad was bound to happen. I can't even believe he made it this far. Think about that. Um, you know, Rockhold, early in his career, was very injury-prone. Josh Thompson, very injury-prone. And they've made their fights as of late. Uh, so look at those guys. Uh, you know, Kane has, has had his injuries, and it's, it's definitely come back to haunt him. But, you know, Khabib wasn't getting injured at AKA. Like, his last time wasn't at AKA. Um, there was one time that it was at AKA, but they, they maintained that it was a freak thing that happened. So, I don't know. I don't want to put the voodoo hex on them. I just think it's bad luck. But, uh, look... In the past, I do think they went too hard. I don't think they're doing it now. And maybe it's coming to, 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 to bite them in the ass, coming back to bite them in the ass. But I think they've learned their lesson. Uh, even Javier says himself, like, Dana calling him out was a good thing. So in the past, yes. And who knows how it affects them now. But I don't think right now a guy walks into their gym, they're beating them up like they used to. Do you think they will do Jones versus DC at USC 200? Or MSG, or neither. I'm getting these. I'm getting the impression that 200 feels like it's too soon, and they already have their plans for 200, even though they're not announcing them yet. I think if they could do it at 200, it's it's a fight that should be on 200. It's a fight that the fans will get excited about. I mean, for whatever reason, the fans, their expectations for this card were out of this world, and they seem a little disappointed. I think once the card comes, they'll be cool with it, and I, I think it's a fine card. I, I don't really hate it. The Aldo Edgar interim thing is a little is a little funny, but other than that, it you know you got the two biggest stars in the in the in the men's divisions fighting each other. You can do worse than that. So anyhow, I I would like to see it, but let's see what happens with DC. And there's also something to be said for not loading the deck. 200 sells itself, and you still got 201, 202, 203 to worry about. So you know there, there's something to be said because because you don't want look at one 100. I think there's a lot of revisionist history. I think people remember that for being deeper than it was. It had a fantastic main and co-main. And, you know, the, the Hendo fight was was great as well. There was a build. But other than that, it was just kind of a card. And don't tell me, oh, look, John Jones was on the prelims. He wasn't John Jones. He was a great prospect. People thought he was going to be awesome, but he wasn't who he is today. Yes, but GSP and Brock Lesnar Yeah, that was fantastic. Is... But 101 was equally as interesting, in my opinion. You had Anderson versus Forrest. Yeah, BJ was on the card against Kenny Ford. So you can't put everything on the same card. And, and, and you know... You, you just can't. It's a different time. More weight classes. Women are involved now. But you can't put everything on, on the same night. And also, they're doing three shows that weekend. So, you know, there's, it's got to be spread out is what I'm saying. Aldo and Edgar. Oh, here we go. Um, we talked about I think, this. Yeah, but here's, here's the question. Okay. Um, 
do you feel that the the hate on McGregor from both Aldo and Edgar is boosting his star? Do you think that they're essentially helping to promote uh, Conor McGregor uh, by teaming up against him and by matching these two up? How so? That both of them are essentially going to be talking about Conor McGregor in the whole well, lead up to I this. that's why I don't like it because Conor... He's the, the shadow guy, over yeah, this. This doesn't make sense. But is there any way to avoid that? Because everybody's going to be asking not Aldo really. about McGregor, and everybody's going to be asking Edgar about McGregor, and not about each other. If they put them, yes, A, good point, but if they put them at a press conference and they're all sitting up there, who's getting all the questions? Connor, then Nate, right? And Aldo and Edgar about Connor. Yeah. It's not even going to be about them. And that, that they're fighting for the interim belt. So is, was it the wrong move to put that on the same yes, card? 100%. Okay. It was. I would have put it... Um, at, at 201 or 199 or the Friday night, I would have not put it on the same card. I, I think that's um, it's not fair to Frankie and, and, and Jose. I, I, don't, I don't like that idea. I don't it, look if Connor's not going to fight at 145, it's good to keep them active. I like that. And obviously, I like them fighting. The first fight was fun. It makes sense as a number one contender fight. And I credit you know both of them for taking the fight. They could have probably made a bigger stink. But I don't like them being on the same card and fighting for the interim title. That's the part that just doesn't feel right to me. Once you sit down and watch the fight, it's going to be great. But here we are, you know, doing our thing, nitpicking, you know, months before. This is my feeling. Once you sit down and actually watch the fight, interim, no interim, date, no, it's still going to be two of the best ever fighting in the cage. It's not the worst thing. But if I'm, if I'm able to nitpick here, I wouldn't have done it on that night. Uh, when does trash talk fall into the realm of libel or defamation. Jose Aldo said yeah. in an interview this week that McGregor was full of juice, quote-unquote, yeah. but clearly has zero evidence for what is an incredibly serious allegation. At what point does trash talk between fighters become defamatory and grounds for legal action? Didn't someone... I believe there was a boxing example of it this. Manny Pacquiao, right? It might have been Pacquiao. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was Manny Pacquiao. Um, what do you, you think you about... Know, my, my theory is all's fair in love and promoting, right? Um, this one gets a little fair? personal. Yeah. yeah, it's a little personal. It's a little personal. I mean, all all McGregor has to do is point to the USADA drug test. He was tested as much as anyone um, in, in in the last year or since this whole thing started. So, to me, I don't know. It feels a little funny, especially when McGregor was the one saying these things first, right? That's that's the weird thing. But that's why this that's why this reeks of that kind of libel defamation thing because it's baseless and it's uh, it's going you know. To a, po- a place where there's no evidence and it can kind of ruin somebody's reputation. No one's really jumping on it. I, again, I, I, hey, I'm I'm not about to say that like this is gospel and this is the word. Yeah. Um, but I do feel a little weird about it. And but it's not. I mean, this is certainly not unique. People have called each other juice heads and all this stuff and fight sports for the longest time. I don't get worked up over it. I really don't. I I I really feel like it's it's fight sports and things are said and you know you can't talk about guy's wife or his kids that to me you feels... hear that all the time too well, but that's not that's not an accusation is the difference well, I, don't, like, I don't hear people saying like your wife is ugly or i'm gonna sleep with her it's or not an accusation still yeah you know what i mean i just there's a certain there's a certain territory that you just don't cross into i feel that this stuff it just feels like look we're about to fight in a it's like what nate I'd always say this says is worse to be honest that other stuff's like yo mama joke stuff like no no this no. is to me if this you is said something career about mom, threatening i stuff. will freaking bite your head off like literally bite it off i will like not your what neck if we combine them what if i said your mom does the steroids? steroids how dare you <laughs> no I, I love uh nah. mama knows so this is this is it's all nothing fair. it's all fair 
Okay. Well, then what is that lawsuit? I mean, that lawsuit must have... Yeah. I mean, isn't Pacquiao fighting soon? Bradley. Yeah, he's fighting yeah. Bradley this month. Yes. Uh, Rumble Johnson, what do you do with Rumble now, now that Jones and OSP uh, are facing Man, off? what a bummer for Rumble, right? I mean, he was so damn close, and uh, I understand. Here's I mean, the thing about Rumble, though. Yeah. He's going to get that title shot at some point. Like, they're just going to yes. put him in there. No that's matter why it was what. too risky. Like, why yeah, don't rush take it now? now? Don't take uh, it now. Especially if you can't wear a mouthpiece. I mean, that's just crazy. But this delays things because if John, you know, the winner of John versus Cormier was, was going to fight him, and that fight is coming up in three weeks. Yeah. So now, if they fight, I mean, this really delays things. You know? But, I mean, he, how about he'll, this? He'll, he fights the winner of Rashad Glover, and if it's Rashad, no. then it's even better. No, he'll get a title shot. He'll just wait and get Man, a title that's shot. That's a long time to wait. Because think about it. If the if the Jones-Cormier fight happens in July, okay, that's not so bad. If it happens in November for MSG, now he's waiting till like, when? Well, uh, I mean, Next March? That's Okay, if it happens in November, then we have to have a, yeah. Let's do a, a fight in the meantime. How about this? It'll be John Jones versus Daniel Cormier. It will be title versus title, champion versus champion, the interim champion, John Jones, against the real champion or official champion, Daniel Cormier. And then the co-main event will be Rumble Johnson versus Glover Teixeira for the interim of the interim title because he was going to fight. I feel like we had something similar in Baltimore. UFC... Yeah, 172? One, uh, two? Yeah, 172. No, it wasn't the interim of the interim. No, but I feel like we had a very similar kind of this guy's next for the for the shot uh, No, that, that was actually kind of clear. Uh, uh, Rumble was making his return. He fought Phil Davis. That one was a little more clean. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm into light heavyweight action at the top. I'm joking about the interim of the interim, by the way. No, I know, but the, you're, you're not joking about that fight, right? Eh, I guess. I know they were kind of interested in it. Um, it's tough, you know. Like we've said before, timing is everything, right? I think if you wait, he'll get it, though. I mean, probably. But you can does sell. Want to wait? You, you can make money. sell Rumble's power for forever, make money, man. And the way he nearly killed Daniel Cormier, you could sell that one. And the fact that he hasn't faced John Jones yet, you could sell that one. So, I mean, he's a, he's not in a terrible position. There's been guys who who've been in much worse positions where the the fight didn't materialize and it didn't look. Uh, Tyron Woodley, for example. Um, I think that Rumble, sure. as long as he, you know can figure out a way to do something and keep busy, he, he'll probably get the title shot. Eventually. I will say this, though. Probably not the best idea to have that mouth procedure done three weeks before or four weeks before yeah. the title fight. Like You you, you, need the fight, you know what I mean? You want to be that guy who's like, if somebody falls off, I'll be yeah. ready. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, maybe he couldn't wait. Yeah. Well. Considering Yoel Romero's settlement for a shorter suspension yes. with uh, USADA, yes. should he be granted the next title shot? What do you think this does for his stock? And After Weidman and, uh, and, Rockhold, and Rockhold, of course. Yeah. Uh, I, I still want to see, I still see the, uh, the Michael Bisping title fight happen. And so I feel like, you know, six months sucks. Maybe lost out. It was a controversial fight against Jacare. The fight that I Let's would love Let's be real. To... It, 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 he, he lost to okay, Jacare. Fair enough. Uh, it's probably not going to happen. But I'd love to see Tim Kennedy Romero too. I mean, could you imagine that build up? I'd love to see Romero uh, Kennedy too. I'd love to see Romero Jacare too. Yeah. Um, there's there's plenty of fights out there for Romero. But I mean, if you're looking at it on paper, he has a damn good case for that title shot. He has a damn good case. The next one or Bis- How about Bisping Romero? I mean, Bisping said a lot about him. They could, yeah, they, they could, could square do off for the. I for just the feel title like shot. Bisping. Fi- I mean, everything we said. I think Look, we can't forget about that. I think both of them are worthy. I think Bisping and Romero are both worthy of a title shot. Um, and you could give it to either one, but perhaps I mean maybe square them off, and I don't know. But I think I think you have bo- two guys that are are worthy of the shot, and it seems like Romero will be able to fight uh, much sooner than expected now. 
Do either of us, uh, did we see Polaris? Did you see Polaris? Uh, I saw some clips afterwards. Did you see, uh, what clips did you see? Did you, say, did you see Jake Shields? <laughs> the Stockton slap? <laughs> Slapping that was awesome. him and uh, calling him a little bitch? Yeah, I saw that. And I saw a little bit of the Gary Tonin, um, Husimar, Paul Harris fight. It was amazing to see the, the difference in size there, body types. Yeah. Uh, did you watch it? I did watch it. What did you I think? I didn't see it live. I watched it after the fact. Um, okay. I, re- I mean, I've been getting more into uh, you know, the jiu-jitsu. Not, not so much the gi uh, jiu-jitsu, the kind of submission tournaments, the EBI, Metamorius, yeah. Polaris stuff. Um, Gary Tonin is uh, incredible. He's, he's probably the most exciting guy uh, in grappling right now. Love watching him. And, you know, it showed that when, when your skills are, are really at that high a level, like the size difference didn't really matter that much. Um, he was the one that seemed like he was threatening more. Um, it, was, it was a really good match. And it, I think the whole card ended in... Draws? In draws, Ugh. now that I think about it. That's not fun. Um, and Jake Shields was hilarious uh, after the fact in, in uh, calling yeah, out AJ it's Aguizar. amazing, these guys. Uh, and then he, like, the who, who's the guy that he, uh, the Florida boy? Uh, AJ Aguizar. He, he, like, walked up to him and put his back towards him. It was just crazy that they let him get that That's close. Kind of, that was a little, like, passive-aggressive, yeah. and, and Jake wasn't having it. Jake Jake's... Amazing. I mean, he's he's always been in the middle of kind of these these scuffles by being associated with the Diaz brothers. Yeah. Um, but he's never one to kind of mince words. He's very much like them, but you don't really think of him that way um, in the sense that he's always re- kind of ready to scrap, kind of willing to throw down. But he's not as, I don't know, quick on the trigger as, as them maybe. But uh, he, he finds himself in these situations and he always uh, has something good to say. I, I really enjoyed that and good for Jake. It is cool to see, uh, as you mentioned, Metamorphosis, EBI, um, Polaris, these these grappling promotions yeah. starting to... And I know Metamorphosis has their issues, but uh, it does feel like they're a lot more prevalent now than they were a couple of years ago, and I think that's great. Even giving you know fighters who aren't as active, have issues with their promoters, whatever, a, an opportunity to still make sure. money and compete, so I like that. It's it's a great outlet for somebody who's not looking to you know do a full MMA camp and can kind of uh, keep busy. Mm-hmm. Skip this one. Uh, could you see Bellator signing Norman Park and Jared Rochelle? Hmm. Well, Norman Park also released, and Jared Rochelle released, released last week as well. Uh, man, Rochelle, I think, needs to get some exciting fights under his belt. I don't. Uh, I don't think many people. It was weird to see like people getting all up in arms, but I guess it's that argument that that debate that uh, Vanderlei Silva brought up uh, earlier in the show about sports and entertainment. But I, I, I wasn't surprised when I heard that one, to be honest. I know he, I think he was 6-2 and two in the UFC, but those fights just weren't exciting. That's the problem. You need to win and also be it's, exciting. We've, we've seen, the, I mean, how many times have we seen this? When Okami was cut, when Fitch was cut. Yeah, and he wasn't even, he wasn't at that level. If you, know? you, if can, you care that much about these guys, support them when they're fighting. Sure. But here's the Not difference. Not after the fact. The reason why Okami and Fitch were cut was because they were so good that you know they were they were beating the top contenders and and that that was that was stifling their growth jared roshalt he's not going to beat a roy nelson yeah, or but anyone he had a great him. record he's he was in the yeah, but he's gonna he's beating these lower guys so it's like he's more expendable uh fitch oh, and okami the, were were super dangerous to have around because they were going to beat everyone up until a, the last two well, guys i would say less so that than the fact that they probably had decent contracts to because they were near the sure. top of the division yeah. keeping these guys down whereas i'm sure rochelle's contract is not you know amazing he's kind of in the middle of the pack i just think you know if save your save your outrage 
uh, sure. if if you weren't you know campaigning for them before. Nobody was nobody was dying to see a Jared Rochelle fight, and the UFC is smart to realize that nobody is dying to see a Jared Rochelle fight, and made the right business decision. Um, if he you know goes down to a to a different uh, organization and starts knocking everybody out, and then makes his way back, then the UFC will take him back. It's not a personal thing. Um, people need to you know get over it and uh if if you're really that big of a jared rochelle fan you should have been campaigning for him before uh park is an interesting one he's he's an exciting fighter uh bellator is doing a show in england later on so there's a connection there and uh you know i think wilkinson as well i mean the more british fighters the better especially ones who have fought in the ufc so i wouldn't be surprised if they make a run at those guys or if those you know those bamas or those um cage warriors make a run at those guys as well i don't think they'll have a hard time getting work but uh yeah kind of surprised about both of those meaning Wait. park and, and wilkinson oh okay about to say you just not rochelle that wasn't okay. surprised with gotcha uh this is our last question what do you think about the uc posters that were put out there last week the aldo oh. edgar they had sage Northcutt. Yeah. <laughs> they had cormier jones I, I thought they were good uh you know to me it was kind of crazy that the um the diaz one had a typo in it because yeah i mean yeah. we've 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 known that this fight was at least official you know Two weeks ago, a little more than two weeks ago, when I reported it, so nah, uh, I could see that happening. Yeah. It's an easy mistake to make. Think about how many people saw that in this. Er- yeah, in this era of the internet, one, you know, one thing gets out there that that might have flown under completely under Fair. the radar on another time. It, who cares? People may oh, there's a typo. Who no, no, cares? no, 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 no. Give it a- that, that. Give it a rest. Fair. Uh, I liked it. I, I thought it was good. It was clever. It wasn't the same one. I, I I'm thought just they saying, were incredible. Incredible. Well, what, what was better, the the, um, <laughs> the the edited ones or the... The uh, edited ones are fun. I'm still disappointed. Nobody has... I mean, I cannot believe this. What? If I had any Photoshop skills yes? whatsoever, I, I have only passable knowledge of Photoshop. Mm-hmm. How has nobody done Diaz mm-hmm. with the quote about not being a needle mover on his head? Oh, How yeah. is this possible? That is true. Well, maybe because he didn't say it. But it's not, not everything was something that they said. Some of it was stuff said about them. Am I incorrect in that? Was everything a quote? Might have been. Hmm. I don't think. Was Sage Northcutt's all quotes from him? I don't hmm. think so. I think it was like, a, I'm 19. And like, yeah, something like that. Maybe. Um, anyway, though. Uh, the the Photoshop's were great. The Photoshop's were great. It was a lot of fun. But they were also, <clears throat> they were also, uh, they were also very, they were original. They yeah, were unique. They were great. Unique is the word. Not the greatest thing of all time, but just different. And it's important to be different. For sure. Kudos to the to the UFC and the design team that uh, put that one together. Um, someone's trying to call in, but we've run out of time. We've run out of time. I will give a shout out. I saw this. You were supposed yes. to remind me. I, I, don't worry. I have it on my notes. Oh, I told Steve Rogers' head. I told you not to the do The great it. Steve Rogers who gave, uh, gave up the home run against Rick Monday. In October of 1981, the most infamous day, maybe it's fitting, the most infamous afternoon in the history of the Montreal Expos. By the way, 106,000 fans at the Big O uh, this past weekend. How dare you say Montreal doesn't deserve a baseball team? The great Steve Rogers just got decapitated. Uh, all is in his the name good- Steve Rogers? Yes. Wait, is that not Captain America's name? Am I crazy? What, what's Captain America's name? Um, but wow, this makes me sad. I mean, he has no head at the moment. Steve Rogers, the most winningest pitcher in the history of the Great Montreal Expos franchise now decapitated, all because His of His name this is book. Steve Rogers. Captain America. How about that? Yes, Steve a, Rogers. A famous um, Montreal baseball player. John Lyatt put together this fantastic book about Liam McGeary. It is very impressive. Some great pa- Wow, look at that. The page that I opened to, <laughs> Liam McGeary, 
I'm on sh- this very I'm show. sure that was a coincidence. I swear. I'm sure it was. God is my witness. Look at that. Boom. Self, shameless self-promoter. With the Syracuse Orange front and center. Good luck to the Orange women tomorrow as they try to shock the world and beat UConn. Um, so there you have it. This book, I suggest checking it out. It's called Liam McGeary, The Fight as Told to by John Lyatt. And it's a fantastic piece of work. I, I suggest they, they hooked me up with this, and uh, I'll talk to Liam about it soon. But I wanted to give them a shout out www.johnliot.com. Uh, before I go, as I promised earlier, and I know we're running out of time, but I wanted to provide a quick postscript to last week's uh, discussion about my time at Fox. First off, Again, completely blown away by uh, the the response and the people reaching out. I mean, just amazing stuff from such nice, kind uh, people. I mean, just very thoughtful, and and, and I can't thank you enough. Uh, it's really meant a lot, and this is not going to be a habit. This is hopefully the last time I'll talk about this. Again, no ill will. It's it's for the best. It 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 feels almost like a relief. So I'm 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 very. I'm very much at peace, and and I wanted to thank everyone again publicly for everything that they've said and and all the nice words that they they share. People that I don't even know um, taking the time to write me that that means a lot. Uh, I got a couple of people asking me why didn't you address everything? Why didn't you open up more? To me, that's what I felt comfortable with. You know, I I, I felt like all right, that's enough. Um, remember, and I know this might sound funny to some people. I, I want to cover the sport. I, I don't want enemies. I'm not here to burn bridges. I'm not here to, you know, take shots and throw grenades. You know, uh, something happened that I thought, you know, wasn't right. But still, it, it I, I feel like enough was said. There's enough out there. And that's that. I'm typically a private person. And I, I just didn't feel the need. So I, I'm I'm okay with how much has been put out and what I said. And, and I'm kind of, you know, I, I'm, I'm ready and I'm happy to move on. And I, and I hope that I have a fine relationship with everyone involved. Um, I, I really feel like it was it was it was for the best. So, I I know some people were trying to get me to say more, and and this is the story of the the day, the flavor of the week. That that's how you're gonna deal with it, and you'll move on to the next thing, next week. But this is my life, and uh, I felt like that was that was enough for now. Highway to Hawani might have more. Uh, that's my memoir, but for now I think that's okay. Um, I had a couple people even reach out to me. Believe it or not, about you know taking the high road and some criticizing me like you didn't take the high road and that I was just like I was blown away by that. Um, these people were close to the situation. I'll say that, um, but yeah, that was just that was just mind numbing to hear that. Um, I, I feel like the the response was pretty great, and I again appreciate everyone who reached out. Some people were saying like, well, obviously they're mad that you leaked information. I want to be very clear about this. I did not leak any information about anything. I am a reporter. I was never told anything by anyone involved who said that this is highly confidential, off the record, all that stuff, and then went out and reported it. You can ask any manager, any fighter, if you tell me something off the record, it is off the record. If you tell me something in confidence, it remains in confidence. I did not leak any information. Any information that I reported on this show, on this website, whatever, is information that I got on my own independently from sources. And I hope you're now starting to realize that all this stuff that I did get that was put on UFC Tonight or any other program was stuff that I got on my own. You know, um, if you ever watched the show and paid attention to it, when I would do my segment, no one ever talked about it from the official UFC accounts. No one was ever pumping it up saying, you know, coming up, there's some major news. No one was ever putting out a press release or a, a poster after my news. And the reason for that is, is because... 
they didn't know it was coming. It was just news that I gathered on my own. And it was tough to get five pieces of news, new news, exclusive news every week. Um, if you notice with other news that is put out that is given by the UFC to either them or any other outlet, there's a, a press release shortly thereafter. There's a, a, an article on the website. There's a poster. There's this and that. That's because it's done in unison. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But I hope that people will start to realize all those people that were saying I was spoon-fed information and that they were just giving me stuff on a weekly basis. I hope you're now starting to realize that that was, in fact, false. Um, and, 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 and that always kind of bugged me that people thought that they were just giving me stuff and I was going out there like some sort of talking head and reporting it. I worked pretty damn hard to get that information. So I didn't leak anything. I was just being a reporter and maybe there was some, there was some, you know, uh, you're wearing two hats and that could lead to a problem, but no one ever told me that, you know, they were upset with me reporting stuff here that they wanted to save for there. I did sometimes hold on to stuff because I needed stuff. Um, and, and, and I could go back to some very big fights, some very big pieces of news that I, that I, that I held onto that I probably shouldn't just in the interest of being first, but um, I never broke that trust and I will never break that trust. That's a very important thing. If you are a journalist, if someone tells you something off the record in confidence, you cannot break that because then no one will ever trust you again. And at the end of the day, what else do you have? but that trust and that credibility with your sources, with the people that you cover. So that word leak is something that really kind of irks me. That did not happen. Um, I, I did hear, in case you're wondering from other people, it was fine, all good. Um, I know that was a big thing for a lot of people. Some people reached out and whatnot. Others were asking me if I held on to the news that Edgar was fighting Aldo to 10 minutes before UFC tonight just to screw with them. That is not the case. I am not going to do that. I'm not going to try to ruin their show or, 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 or try to like, you know, uh, outscoop them. That was just the time that I got it, to be honest. Um, yeah, I mean, no one credited me for the, the, the Aldo, um, excuse me, the McGregor Diaz fight, I wasn't expecting that given the circumstances, but I wasn't holding on. It's, that's not the game that I play. I'm not going to hold on to something just to screw with someone else. I, I'm just not like that. So the timing was, you know, was obviously coincidental, but I did not wait for 10 minutes before the show to, uh, you know, to to outscoop them. The reaction, I, I will, the reaction was kind of funny, and and I appreciate everyone reaching out, but. Um, I, I did not. I did not do that on purpose. I cannot take credit. It just so happened I had I had heard about it earlier in the day. Then got an official confirmation from a, a second source, and that's when I felt comfortable in reporting it. And uh, I was actually giving, believe it or not, my kids a bath at the time. All of that was happening, so I had my two kids naked in the bath, trying to drown each other. Each other, and there I am breaking this news, and people think that I'm playing games. I'm, I'm not doing that. Again, I, I wish them the best. I, I, even texting with some of the people there, no ill will. Um, and, and I hope everything works out, but, but please, hopefully you, you recognize what was going on and, and what my role was there. That was all me doing it on my own, um, getting stuff on my own. No one was helping me, um, and I wasn't leaking anything. And I, and I just want to, to say that again, cause it's something that, you know, kept coming up. Um, again, thank you to them. Wish them the best. I'll be watching FS1 this, uh, this, uh, this Sunday, uh, as Junior Dos Santos fights Ben Rothwell, you know, and, uh. And that's pretty much it. I don't feel like we really need to talk about this anymore. It, it happened. Um, and, you know, it sucks how it happened. It sucks how it was handled. But, you know, we'll be covering the sport and, and having fun. And, again, another great lineup here to uh, to close out a Monday. Hopefully not a lot of crazy stuff happens between now and next week. But uh, we'll be back on Thursday for the MMA Beat. And, of course, 24-7 on MMAfighting.com. All is well. La vita e bella. I'm a happy man. And, again, I thank them for the four and a half years and the opportunities. And that's that. I think we're good. FAQ.
you can hit my music. I think we're done for the day. Yesterday was a beautiful day. It was opening day in Major League Baseball. My Toronto Blue Jays won. Marcus Stroman, I mean, he may be my favorite athlete in sports right now. I freaking love this guy. Number six, amazing. So I am excited. I am a happy man. There's a lot going on. John Jones is fighting Ovince freaking St. Prue on April 23rd. What a crazy sport. Steve Rogers is headless for God's sakes. Serves you right for giving up that home run in October of 1981. I got a couple boys waiting for me, so I got to get the heck out of here. But I want to thank everyone who stopped by today on the program. What a show this was. Wow. Fascinating stuff. Daniel Cormier, best of health. Best of luck to you, my friend. We'll see you soon. Appreciate you starting the show off today. Greg Jackson, thank you very much to you as well. Best of luck, of course, UFC 197, John Jones, Open St. Prue. How about Ian McCall, still living at home with Mama, calling her the C-Block. Amazing stuff. Check out his podcast every Wednesday. Open St. Prue, best of luck, my man. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you to his coach, Joey Zonar, for hooking that up as well. Chris Cyborg, I wish her the best. Good luck to her on May 14th as she makes her UFC debut. How about Vanderlei Silva? Good luck to him April 17th. Tag Team Grappling, John Jones, appreciate it, my man. Best of luck to you as well. And Mike Wilkinson, best of luck to him. And check out that documentary on Thursday. Back next week, same time and place. Until they say, peace.